Listening to the Oz Movies Podcast, only on the Oz Network. Welcome back to the Oz Network as we come to you for our final episode of Anniversary Month for 2021. And it's the big one. It's the one we've all been waiting for. The one, the only, 35th anniversary of Ferris Bueller's Day Off, a little movie in which we watch someone skip school, but still after all these years, we love it so much that we want to talk about it i've said that this is the second greatest movie of all time i know we're gonna have somebody on this who thinks it's the greatest movie of all time and somebody else i think they ranked it in their top 50 i can't even remember but we'll find out very soon refresh our memories it stars matthew broderick it stars alan ruck it stars me sarah it stars that guy who looked at something naughty on the internet once and went to jail <laughs> it's got charlie sheen in it it's got jennifer gray when she was recognizable it's got a lot of good stuff in this movie and let's be honest no bad stuff this movie is fantastic and so good is this movie that we needed to bring on a special guest and you're going to hear from him in just a moment but i'm going to start off by saying my name is ben and i'm very cute i'm very alone and i'm very protective of my body (laughs) and my name is colin but most guys call me shauna shauna My name is Dan, and I'll. This kid will not put my cheese in the wind. Okay, <laughs> just. <laughs> oh goodness, this is a this is a quote machine. And uh, Dan Dan Foley from that Survivor season we don't mention on this show. Um, Dan, he who shall not be named. Yes. Uh, first of all, welcome back to the show, Dan. It's great to have you back, and great to have you as as our first guest on a movie recap we've had special guests on tv recaps but for for movie recaps you're the you're the first so welcome i'm the virgin nice yes very hey you know something if i was going to lose it to somebody ben you are the man i (laughs) sorry colin i thought you'd already (laughs) lost it to me what was that time in temecula uh i think well that was it was a little yeah you do remember that just a little differently but that's uh it's all good (laughs) That's where you lost it to me. This time yeah. I'm losing it to you. Oh, yeah. Very true. Top and bottom switching out. Um, Pitching <laughs> and catching. We, before we sort of go over our history with this movie, I will say just to, to remind people why Dan, why on earth have we gotten Dan on here? Um, we, You and I, several years ago on one of our many 20-hour recaps, um, <laughs> talked about Ferris Bueller's Day Off and you basically got all excited. You got all Dan and then you're like, if you ever do that movie, I want to be involved. And I was like, I will get you on the show. And I remember that. And here we are. So 17 years later, here we are. Exactly. Uh, I think the last time we're talking about it, we're celebrating like the 10th anniversary. And now here we are 35 years uh, later, celebrating the 35th anniversary. So, uh, it, it is good to have you here. And, and let's start with you, Dan. I, I want to give you the floor right now. Give us your history of this movie. Tell us when you first saw this movie, sort of why this movie means so much to you. G- give us the goss. So when this movie first came out, I, I hadn't seen it, but a friend of mine from Massachusetts called me up who'd seen it and asked me if I'd seen the movie. And I said, no, I've seen the previews. It's another John Hughes movie. So, you know, I got to go see it. And he goes, No, you don't understand. Ferris is you and his best friend is the spitting image of your best friend. And he was my buddy, Norman Lewis and, uh, and Alan Ruck. You think they looked like they were brothers. They looked the same. They had that same squished kind of burnt 
a head that was a little too tall and not quite wide enough. And they had the same kind of facial expressions. Um, and people just kept making all these comparisons to, to Cameron and my buddy and to Ferris and me. And I'm like, I have to go see this movie. And I, I just, I just love the movie from the opening scene and I've loved this movie ever since. So I am thrilled that you remembered me and I am very excited to be here. I have loads of worthless trivia about this movie <laughs> just why. rattling around in my brain. That's why we have you, Dan. We knew this. And also I have to say, um, it's finally hit me. I've, I've always wondered who you remind me of. Matthew Broderick. That, that's it. That's it's it. Finally, <laughs> finally clicked. Thank you for, for selling that. Colin, I mean, can I, I, I don't want to, actually I am the only one here I feel that wasn't alive when this movie was released. But... Um, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, that makes me feel young. I was going to say old. You two are you old. Should, I was going to say it shouldn't make you feel old. <laughs> you two are old, not me. Colin, what's your history with this movie? Uh, well, we talked about the end of the last episode. This is one of these things where it's like, it's probably not the most interesting story in the world, but this is one of these movies where you you remember where you were when you first saw Ferris Bueller. And uh, I, I think I was probably, I must have been six or seven at the time. And... Um, I don't think my, I don't know if my parents had seen the movie before or they only knew about it, but uh, we had gone to visit our grandma at her cottage. Um, not so interesting story. We never actually got to stay in their cottage. We had to stay in a hotel, um, but <laughs> while, we, while we were in the hotel waiting to go visit our grandma in her cottage during the daytime the next day, uh, the TV that was on in there, I guess, had Ferris Bueller on TV. And uh, all I remember is my, my parents saying, oh, let's watch this movie. Colin, I think you'll like it. And maybe they had seen it today or suggesting that, I don't know. But uh, I just remember outside of maybe Star Wars, it was probably the time I was most glued to the screen my entire life. I remember distinctly sitting like probably about six inches from the screen on the floor, just watching it the entire time and just loving everything about it. And I mean, ever since then, I, I definitely wasn't Ferris Bueller growing up, you know, as a teenager, but when I became an adult, I sort of adopted like a combination of Ferris Bueller philosophy and also, uh, Ben, I don't know if you're going to be familiar with it. Dan, you might remember Michael J. Fox did a movie around the same time called The Secret of My Success. Oh, and, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and I, I sort of combined as an adult a work philosophy of Ferris Bueller and then Michael J. Fox and Secret of My Success, which was all about fake it or make it. But I used to yep. always say, like, my, my signature for years was always everything I learned in life I learned from Ferris Bueller because, you know, it, it's not about skipping school. It's about faking it until you make it. And I, mean, I, I love this movie. And I thought when we did our top uh, favorite films a couple of years ago, or maybe it was even last year, this was sort of the one that I came in thinking, oh, yeah, it's in my top 20 or whatever. But most of the movies that we sort of shared on our list – uh, it was predictable. We we talked about before, and this was the one that I think when it appeared on both of our lists was like, oh, I didn't realize you were a fan, you know. So this was sort of the, the pleasant surprise that, that now has brought us a couple of years later to covering it for uh, the thirty fifth anniversary when we normally stick to thirtieth or twentieth. What what number did right. it come in on your list, Colin? I, I'm pretty sure it was in the top twenty. I don't remember right. exactly where it was. Well, that this was the one, um, and for those at home and Dan, uh, for, I had it at number two, and like I. I knew, when I did that list, I knew this would make my top 10. Like, I didn't even question that. But it was sort of when I was ordering my top 10 and I was like, no, this is like my second favorite movie of all time. Like, I, I didn't actually realize how high I was going to have it up when I looked at it. I'm like, no, this is this is above that. I love this more and more and more than that. So, 
Um, it kind of surprised me that I had this at number two. Jurassic Park's number one, Dan, just in case you're wondering. I was actually, I was wondering. Actually, yeah. when <laughs> I filled out my Survivor application, one of the questions was, what's your favorite movie? And I listed this movie. Yeah. This is my, I list this as my favorite movie of all time. Do they get you to recreate like quotes or scenes? Like does Jeff Probst <laughs> kind of, you know, all of a sudden be like, you know, Foley? Foley, Foley, or something like that to keep you awake. No, he's not. Uh, he's actually not creative enough. He's, uh, you know, anytime he's involved directly with making choices about casting, he usually screws it up. So you know, that's why you should do what he. Yeah, exa- well, that's because he didn't have a say in it. That's exactly right. <laughs> so he should, you know, he should just do what he does best. He's just a bobblehead. He's just a talking mouthpiece, and that's that's all he. That's what he's good at. He's such a Rooney. Yeah. You know? <laughs> Speaking of Rooney, you, you're all saying, like, who you relate to in this movie. Colin, do not say that I relate to Edward Rooney, all right? Just just, just, just no, okay? I was going to say Grace. That's, uh, that's oh, yeah. I was going to go with. I'll take that. Grace is the best. Don't get me started. You need to pull, like, Grace 17 line. pencils out of your hair. <laughs> such a little asshole. Uh, <laughs> Oh, He's okay. a righteous dude. Every every movie recap, Dan, we have our like one character that we single out as like needs more love, and I'm telling you now, it's Grace in this movie. Oh, 100 percent, it is. Grace, she was hysterical. <laughs> she was absolutely per- when she's on the phone yep. with the uh, with Alan Rock, who is impersonating Mr. Peterson. Oh, oh, oh. <laughs> <laughs> With your bad knee, Ed, you shouldn't throw anyone. <laughs> it's true. <laughs> oh, God, so good. I, I, like to, I like to relate to Cameron just because I like to whinge and stuff and all that kind of fun stuff. Um, You talk about how your story, Colin, you know, you think it's, um, you know, maybe not as interesting when you tell it out loud, but I think I tease this at the very beginning of the month of my story of this, and uh, I don't know, I was maybe like... 11 or 12 and my my as often is the case you watch movies based on your parents and and you know i've told the story about my dad you know got me into james bond got me into arnold Schwarzenegger, all the good stuff and then i remember one time we're at a video store and he's he's like he's like oh ben i know a movie i'm gonna get a movie and we're gonna watch this and i'm like okay sure dad whatever and i don't know what it is and we get home and he shows me this video and it's it's this kid laying down on a thing and it's fair i'm like i look at this and i'm like dad what is this and he's like, no, like, you're going to love this movie. And I like, I was, I don't know why I was a teenager or a kid. I'm dumb. I was moody. And I remember just going off. I remember like, this looks And what's shit. changed? Yeah, nothing, nothing. Absolutely no, okay, just nothing. checking. Yeah, yeah exactly. Um, and I'm like, what is this crap? This movie looks dumb. And he's like, no, 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 Ben, like, you will love this movie. And I'm like, no, this looks so stupid. And he's like, okay, okay, Ben, like, let me sell this for you. It's got a Ferrari in it. And I'm like, massive Ferrari fan. So straight away, I'm like okay, maybe slightly, I'm slightly into this more. So, okay. Uh, I went into it with such a negative attitude, not wanting to watch this movie. And by the end of it, I, I was in love. I, I straight <laughs> was like, Dad, this movie's awesome. Dad, you were right. Like, this is incredible. And from that moment on, I was I was hooked. It was one of these ones that I would, you know, the, the weekly, you'd get seven weeklies for seven bucks or whatever from your local video store. Um, yep. You know, I would I would constantly be renting this speed in the school holidays or whenever it was. And I don't think there would... It's similar to Jurassic Park. There wouldn't be a year that goes by that I don't watch this movie. Um, and 
I mean, I people, you can't see it at home if you're listening, but I've got my Ferris Bueller Funko Pop. I think this is the, the first or the, <laughs> the second one I ever got. I used to have a Save Ferris t-shirt. And nice. I, my first ever trip to the U.S., uh, when I was working out my itinerary, the, the two, like straight away, it was New York. I'm going to New York. And then the second city, yep. I was like, straight away, I'm going to Chicago. And much as my love for New York comes from a majority of TV shows and movies, my love for Chicago comes from two things, ER and Ferris Bueller's Day Off. Ferris Bueller. And I went there and I had a safe Ferris t-shirt. I wore my safe Ferris t-shirt in Chicago. And I remember being at a Chicago Bulls game and getting like about 10 compliments from people like, oh, I love your shirt, man. Love your shirt, man. Um, Outstanding. And I mean, this this movie, John Hughes has said, is a love letter to the city of Chicago. And it worked because I, based on this movie, and the, the one thing that I, I was going to do and I didn't do, and I next time I go to Chicago, I will be doing it, is going to the art gallery and staring at that little girl. <laughs> wait, 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 hold on, hold on, Ben. You that, said you were like on a painting, Jones. <laughs> okay, so let's creepy, dude. <laughs> on a painting. Wow, there are charges being filed as we speak right now. Long over. Strangely enough, it's not the worst thing he said even this month. Oh, probably not even this episode. Absolutely not. That's I'm just an appetizer to what I'm going to say. The worst things on this episode. That's why we got Dan on here. So, um, oh yeah, no, it doesn't matter what you say. You'll be protected because I'm yeah. here. So, and as always, Dan, um, we we do have word that Rob Sestanino is on hand to do a hold an emergency episode at any point. So, thank God, I was worried. Oh. Yes. Thank goodness. We're so glad that that, that is still happening. So um, if, you, if you're tuning into us and you're thinking, why am I listening to the Oz Network? Rob has a podcast. We'll have the emergency episode on why Ferris Bueller's day off is sexist or something. I don't know. Well, no, so, why we were sexist when reviewing it. That's uh, That'll be, Ferris yeah, it'll throw us under the bus. <laughs> and you guys will be insulated and it will be all my fault. Yeah. Um, Dad, I, I mean, I, I'm guessing you've been to Chicago. Have you done the whole Ferris Bueller? Like, did you visit sites in, in Chicago due to your love of Ferris Bueller at all? Oddly enough, I haven't. Um, but it's 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 funny because John Hughes, I don't know if you knew this, uh, when he pitched this movie, the only information that he had about this movie was, yeah, I'm going to write a movie about a kid that skips school. That's all I got. And the, and the, and the production, you know, the, the, the movie studio was like, no, that's awesome. Yeah. Just go with that. <laughs> and that's where the whole thing started. But, uh, it was kind of a, a love to Chicago, but he came from Detroit and as a way to make sure that he got his love of Detroit in the movie, that's why Cameron wore Gordie Howe's shirt. Right. And that was actually Gordie Howe's shirt. Yeah. I was going to, um, I, I did my research as well. I, I read and watched a few videos and, and apparently he re- did he not reach out to him and Gordie Howe sent him like one or two of his actual jerseys to say like where in the film, which apparently fans dispute because it's got the white collar and apparently they never played with a white collar. So I don't know. Correct. Maybe the wardrobe department. It was a, I think it was that. a... I think it was a practice jersey, right. but they also wanted to use that specific shirt, and they also wanted to use Gordie Howe's shirt because of number nine, which was the same number of days that that Ferris had skipped school. Yeah, so and the two. 
Well, I was sorry, Dan, to interrupt, but I, I feel like like the, Colin, where's your trivia? You need to come prepare for this. Um, did you know that nine is also the number of outfits that Ferris Bueller wears? That is correct. He leaves the house before um, Cameron comes to get him. That is exactly correct. Yeah. Very nice, Colin. Your turn. All right, Colin, hit us with something. So did you know that I saw this movie when I was six years old, sitting in front of a TV? <laughs> My parents. Yeah, said, we, I, I like the story, Colin. I, I read that. Yeah. Oh, and I think the Sears Tower is in this movie. It might be That's the real a, one too. Colin, Colin, it's the Willis Tower now. Come on now. Whoa! Uh, thank you. <laughs> Everyone knows All right. that. All right. How about this? How about every license plate in the car? Uh, every license plate on every car was a John Hughes movie. Mm-hmm. Which I didn't know until my recent. Like I never knew that until 24 hours ago. Yeah. Yeah. Mom's license plate was VCTN. Yeah. Vacation. Uh, Jeannie's Jeannie's car was TBC. Mm -hmm. The Breakfast Club. And Rooney's Um, is um, FBDO, isn't it? Like four FBDO. Ferris Bueller's Day Off. off. Yeah. And the Ferrari, is it nervous, isn't it? It's nervous, nervous, but that wasn't indicative of a movie. But it was dad's dad's car was M-M-O-M, Mr. Mom. Mr. Mom. Right. Wow. Um, I believe your number plate, uh, Dan, is OZN, Oz Network. So thank you for that. I was getting ready to change it. My license plate is actually Chicks Dig Me. That's actually my license plate. (laughs) And that's where you can follow Dan on social media as well, people. Uh (laughs) That's right. Over on Twitter. Yeah. If I went back on there again. That's a pool of hatred. (laughs) All your fans on there, they follow you for many reasons. They'll follow you after this episode. Colin, I can't remember if you were talking to me on air or off air about Jamie wanting to go to Chicago for like your your tenth anniversary. Was that was that on air or off air? I don't think she ever <laughs> said she wanted to go to Chicago. Oh no, no, you're right. You're Chicago. no. Sh- no, yeah, you're right. It was uh, she was just simply looking for places that we could go and sort of ask. Oh, what about this place? What about? I don't think she had any relation to Ferris Bueller when she said that. But uh, yeah, it was when you mentioned that you were like, well, what about the locations of Ferris Bueller? And it's funny because uh, as much as you say like this is uh, a movie of Chicago, maybe because I'm from Canada or I don't know too many other things associated with Chicago. It's not until I see Wrigley Field that I ever really remember, oh yeah, this is a Chicago thing. Cause also baseball, <laughs> not really a thing in Canada. So um, when we get to the scene later on about uh, the, where Rooney's saying, oh, what, what's the score? Zero, zero, who's winning? And the guy says the Bears. It the wasn't Bears. Until- it wasn't until I watched it this time I realized that's a joke because it, there's no bears in baseball. <laughs> baseball, not a thing here. But, I mean, since you did mention that, like, I'm big on locations like you are, Ben. Uh, you know, when you when you saw some of the Mighty Ducks locations in Minneapolis, I told Jamie we should go there next time we go to Minneapolis. She said, no, thanks. Um, I've got plans to see all the Rocky locations in Philadelphia. You know, I, I'll say yes to Chicago if we can see, you know, uh, Ferris's house alone. That would be enough. Well, and the, the McAllister home, too. They're in Chicago. Sad, sad news that the, the Ferris Bueller's house actually is in Los Angeles. They, they filmed that in L.A. Correct. But, um, oh. 
to break, burst that bubble. But it's it's interesting. Like I, my entire life, it just it revolves around movies and TV shows. When <laughs> yeah, I go to a city and I know something's there. Like yeah, when I went to Minneapolis, it was like Mickey's Dining Cart, Mall of America. Like I mean, not that yeah. you always go to Mall of America, <laughs> Minneapolis, right? That's all you go there. Um, but like yeah, like New York, everywhere I go, where I know there's that. It's funny, fun story though. Where I live now, here in Victoria, when the new Airbud comes out, that was filmed right around the corner from my house. So and they're filming. <laughs> I actually had lunch at a restaurant down the road from me. They're filming that Netflix series. I think it's called The Maid uh, that they're filming right here in Victoria at the moment. So, oh, really? Yeah. I had lunch where they filmed. <laughs> so what do they film well, in, in, in see, Maine there? Dan, have they filmed anything? Oh, they, let's see. They did The Preacher's Wife with okay. um, uh, Whitney Houston and Denzel Washington. They filmed The Man Without a Face with Mel Gibson. Nice. I actually hit on his wife. Oh, right. <laughs> I mean, way, yeah, way, 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 way back 20 some odd years ago. So how much I did was... you get abused after that? Like, were you okay? How was the hospital? Was Actually, it? it was, it's, it's funny because I was fit. I was a, working as a commercial fisherman at the time. So I get off the boat. I, I, I stunk of low tide. I had just taken my slickers off and I was just all rank and I got off the boat and I look over and there's this huge crowd of people and there's this gorgeous woman standing there. And I just kind of walk up to her. I'm like, hey, what's going on over there? Oh, Mel Gibson's in town because he's filming a movie. And I'm like, oh, yeah, I heard something about that. Yeah, all right, whatever. And she goes, what, you don't want to go talk to him? I'm like, why? He's just a guy. And she's like, really? He's just a guy. I'm like, yeah, he's, you know, he's got some cool movies and whatever. He's still just a guy. You know, he's got an Australian accent. I'm not going to hold that against him, yeah. you know? <laughs> and she's like, you really don't care. And I'm like, no. I said, I'm way more interested in talking with you. I said, you want to go get something to eat? <laughs> and, she, and she goes, you're a hundred percent serious right now. I said, of course I am. And she says, did, did you know that Mel Gibson's my husband? I'm like, yeah. And he clearly doesn't give a shit about you. And I do. So let's go get something to eat. <laughs> And that's where Chicks Dig Me oh. comes from. Uh, because yeah. Mel Gibson's wife digged you. So <laughs> that's, that's where it is. True story. Uh, we'll make lots of jokes and references to Colin's lovely wife, Jamie. Um, so uh, true story. Colin tried that with Jamie and she still is rejecting him after all these years. So she's also trying Jamie to find Mel that Gibson. With, yeah. She tried that with me. That's the real story. <laughs> yeah, other way around. I don't believe it. Yeah. I don't. Yeah. <laughs> I don't. I don't believe that. Yeah, um, no. I want to talk just quickly the cast and John Hughes. Uh, now, Colin, I know you've mentioned before about your Matthew Broderick love. Does your Matthew Broderick mm-hmm. love stem from Ferris Bueller's Day Off? Oh yeah. I mean, I don't think I'd seen him in anything even after this. I don't know the next time I saw him in something, but uh, it, it's it's like Bill and Ted. You know, whatever he's in from now until the end of time, I will see it just because he's Ferris Bueller. Just like the same thing with Keanu Reeves. Um, but oh, I thought you were talking about Alex Winter. Oh, sorry. I, uh, I, hey, I'll still see Alex Winter in anything too. <laughs> that he wants to see himself in some TV? things, though. Like, I mean, he is waiting. <laughs> but uh, but yeah, like I, I can't even tell you how many movies. Uh, as I start to get a little bit older, I watch where I'm like, yeah, I don't think this is age appropriate, but it's got Matthew Broderick in it. Uh, I remember one called The Road to Wellville, which was just a bizarre movie. Uh, that was but, terrible. <laughs> yeah. But I, I, 11, 12 years old, I was watching it because it has Matthew Broderick in it. And, uh, you know, I, I, Godzilla, we covered that a couple oh. of years ago. And I mean, my oh. main 
that was because of Matthew Broderick. And Don't grow no a disappointment what- at that, Dan. We love that Godzilla on this podcast. <laughs> oh. We defend it. Don't worry. I mean, the, the oh. fact is, no matter what Matthew Broderick does, he's always Matthew Broderick, and he's great in everything. I could see why, you know, John Hughes wanted him for this movie, too, because he just has a natural charisma that I don't think there's anybody else like him out there. Like, you can't compare him to other actors. You know, when I saw years after this, uh, eventually saw War Games, his breakthrough movie, he's playing a completely yeah. different character. Like, he's playing kind of the geeky computer kid, but there's still Correct. that charm and that charisma that, like, it cuts through everything. Like he could be playing the world's most boring man and he's still Matthew Broderick. Like, like he's amazing. Well, the charisma is so good that his sister in this movie obviously wanted to get with him. So uh, we'll, we'll yeah. probably get with that. <laughs> Dan, are, are, you, are you like that with sort of actors, you know, like if you love them, like in one movie, you will see them in no matter what they're in later on. Yeah. hundred percent. You know, you, you just find that you, you get connected to some of these people because you, you do, you associate yourself to these certain movies and, from an actor's perspective, that's both good and bad because the, Alan Ruck was so appreciative because Emilio Estevez was actually supposed to play Cameron and he turned it down. So Cameron got the role because um, Matthew Broderick pushed because the two of them had been in Biloxi Blues together. And that was the reason why he got the role. And he loved the fact he, Alan Ruck actually did an interview and he joked. He said, uh, every time I saw Emilio Estevez, I wanted to kiss him. But it got <laughs> oh, to the doesn't? point where, well, I mean, that's a fair statement. <laughs> I mean, come on. You know, go, going back to the Mighty Ducks. I mean, you Gordon know, Andy Bombay, McDowell blew it. I would kiss the crap out of that man. Andy McDowell <laughs> blew it in St. Elmo's Fire. I mean, yeah. she really did. She lost the, you know. Yeah. But it Renee got Russo to the point did where, in Free Jack. Come on. That woman's smart. Oh, yeah. That's fair. Nicely yeah. done. Yeah. Yeah, you had me at hello. So yeah. there you go. <laughs> but he he felt kind of Alan Ruck actually disliked the movie for a while because he felt like it typecast him, and he had a he's never had anything remotely close to the same level of success. Um, you know, I mean, he was in Spin City, which was funny, and it, it, it worked out it worked out pretty well for him. But um, I, was I don't know. I I, yeah. I find yeah. that. I, you know, there's definitely a lot of, a lot of actors and actresses that I really like. And if I find that they're in it, yeah, of course, how can you not? But it's difficult to get away from the roles that you fell in love with. Mm-hmm. You know, war games was such a very different role for Matthew Broderick, you know, the, you know, the smart ass kid trying to get away with something. You see similarities, but when they were, they were having a hard time, you saw that vulnerability. And I, I would say that, John Cusack was almost cast for this. And so was Jim Carrey. Wasn't Jim Carrey in talks as well, which would have been a completely different movie. Jim yeah. Carrey, Tom Cruise. Um, who else? I, I saw a bunch of people that were up for this, mm. but he had um, Matthew Broderick in mind when he wrote it. But the only person that he was truly considering was John Cusack. Interesting. Uh, supposedly uh, the hell was the kid's name from weird science? Anthony Michael uh, Hall. Thank you. I was going to say it's he's got three names. He yeah. said that he was supposed to have the role, um, but something happened during Weird Science, and him and John Hughes had some kind of a falling out. Hmm. Wow. I don't know whether that's it's, just his fantasy or. Well, it's it's always one of these things like we talk a lot about on this show when you have these alternate castings, and you never know. But like it, it right. comes down to a role gets so iconic that you don't want to imagine it as anyone else. And yeah. Oh, Robert Downey Jr. was up for it. 
Ah, interesting. I mean, these are all people he you, was could see. The- you could see them playing this role. Yeah. Jim Carrey is the only one which you kind of think, well, you know, what are you a bit too crazy for it? But the others, like Tom Cruise, John Cusack. Tom like- Cruise. John Cusack, yeah. Yeah. John, Tom Cruise, there's no way he could have played this role. He couldn't have. You think you too too much underwear going on there? <laughs> not, not enough underwear. Too much running. Too much running. Like he'd just be running all the time. Like he'd be, he'd be on that parade no, running. Well, there, were no tra- there was no trains on it. And, you know, Jeannie was, you know, I mean, a Sloan was no Rebecca De Mornay. Come on now. <laughs> it's, I, I, I think... It's interesting, Colin, you said this is the first thing you saw, Matthew Broderick. I, I mean, honestly, I'd probably say The Lion King. I mean, I know you don't see Matthew Broderick in The Lion King, but the first movie I would have seen with him in it. Um, and I might have even seen Inspector Gadget before I saw this, like, because I was a kid. And oh. like, um, but, like, I mean, looking at Matthew Broderick, yeah, like, I, I'd be pretty much the same. I mean, say what you will, Godzilla's amazing. Shut up, Dan. Um, the Cable Guy, <laughs> I think that made my top 50 movies of all time. Oh, um, addicted to Love. I love that movie. Addicted to Love. It's been a long time since I've seen that but I remember loving that movie so he's been and like Alan Ruck like it's interesting oh, yeah. to say that like we've this is what the third Alan Ruck movie we've done now Colin we've done Speed and Twister um, mm-hmm. and it's he's kind of one of those ones that like he'll just pop up in things and you automatically love him right you're like oh it's, it's yeah. Alan Ruck like you know straight away uh, I was watching uh, it was a ghost town recently and like he was in it I'm like oh Alan Ruck there right. he is you know and just it just randomly pops up and Watching interviews and everything, the guy just seems like an absolute hoot. Yeah. Um, you know, it really does. And I love Amelia well, Westerman, but I'm glad he what wasn't I just, in this movie. I, I just saw Alan Rock in something. What? Oh, Freak. Oh, I don't know what that Vaughn. one is. Uh, that comedy horror movie with... Um, yeah, Vince Vaughn. Uh, Vince Vaughn and the little girl from Paranormal Activity 4. <laughs> right. Oh, number four. Oh, right. I haven't seen that one. <laughs> <laughs> It's actually, actually she's, like, been, she's been cast to replace uh, the grown-up daughter of Ant-Man. Oh, all oh, right. There you go. Well, maybe the we will girl, get to know the, who she is. The girl that uh, that was in um, Endgame, apparently mm. she's out. Yeah, I think and did, didn't gonna, she come out and speak out about that? Wasn't there like a controversy about her being recast or something? I think now I know what you're the, talking well, about. She, from what I saw on her, you know, I saw it online, her social media post, she was very gracious. She was very kind. Um, and she's, you know, she's like, oh, I'm really appreciative of the opportunity, blah, blah, blah. And you could tell that she was just trying not to burn bridges. Hmm. Um, I might be thinking about and I don't, I, I don't even know what this, uh, I don't even, I can't even remember what the, what the girl's name is, uh, the blonde girl. But the movie Freaky was kind of fun. It was, it was like Freaky Friday type of thing where, you know, they, they switch places, but it was a comedy horror movie. I think the first comedy horror movie I ever saw was um, the Frighteners with Michael J. Fox. Oh yeah. And I, and I thought this is great. You know, they, they, they blend horror and comedy together. And I thought that was a, I, I was super excited to watch it. One, one person so I, I know, the, the name of that actress is definitely not Tanya Roberts because Colin, I'm hearing she's dead. Oh, um, oh, she no, passed away. Still yeah. alive. Still alive. No, oh, no, dead oh, again. She's oh, she's back. Okay. okay. Yeah. This sure. is going to go she's, on the whole episode. Yeah. She's, she's alive. She's dead. Yeah. She's alive. <laughs> yeah. No, she's dead. Now she's dead. Um, <laughs> so sad. I, it's, it's interesting. With I think we've, I've been, I've probably talked about with Alan Ruck before when we've done some of their episodes, but um, I remember he you talking about TV. Like, completely <laughs> forgot he did Spin City. He used to remember that. But um, the, there was a short-lived show, which I only watched because um, Jason Wiles from Third Watch was in it. It was called Persons Unknown. It lasted for 13 episodes. Um, it was like they 
were they all woke up in this town and had no idea why they were there and it started off really right. good and it just went to shit. Um, and <laughs> Alan Ruck was one of the main people, but I'm actually seeing here, and it's been a long time since I've watched it, and I wouldn't mind rewatching it now, that Chadwick Boseman was in this show. Never realised that. Um, when Chadwick died, wow. they didn't sort of list persons unknown as one of his um, <laughs> credits that he was best known why. for. So third bill well, star in this show, above Alan Ruck. So, wow. Wow. Uh, need, to, need to go back and rewatch that. Um, just also quickly on Mia Sarah. Dan, do you want to get this over and done with right now? The, the, the booby reference? Oof. I feel like you need to mention me, Sarah, and boobies. Oh, you know something? I, I, I love the movie Time Cop, but boy, seeing the nude scene with me, Sarah, elevated it to a whole new level for me. Oh, man. Colin, are you familiar with this? I mean, I know you kind of avoid boobs, but, you know, just have to ask. <laughs> No, funny enough, uh, I didn't see that movie until I think around the time Jamie and I were getting married. She kept saying, you got to watch Time Cop. My brother was a big Van Damme fan growing up, um, and I kind of avoided a lot of those movies. Uh, But uh, I do remember seeing Time Cop. I don't remember her from it, though. Like I don't know how recognizable she wasn't. The only other one that I remember her being in was the the Tom Cruise movie Legend. But other than that, like I associate her 100 percent with Ferris Bueller. And maybe it could be one of these things. It could be one of these things where it's like she's so good as that character that like I don't even recognize her in other things because you know it, it, she she's I think that she's the one that I've grown to appreciate the most. I mean for multiple reasons as I've gotten older, <laughs> the one I've grown to appreciate more, <laughs> not from more time and cop, more. Clearly. Yeah, yeah, not Time Cop, but uh, I mean Time Cop's worth revisiting. I'm sure there's a 27th anniversary this year. We could find a way to pigeonhole that sure. in. Sure, absolutely. <laughs> Always makes you. Colin just avoids anything with nudity in it. He's he's too shy basically. <laughs> Good for you, you Puritan. That's yeah. well Jamie, played, on my the other friend. Hand, she, she's yeah. all she's all for the uh, the boobs. Um, <laughs> just also quickly on uh, before we get into the movie, John Hughes. I, I will admit, and you two can hang up on me right now. Um, I've never seen The Breakfast Club. I've never seen Sixteen oh. Candles. So um, yeah, this oh. this, was, this was the first John Hughes movie I would have ever. Seen. I probably. I mean, I know he didn't direct Home Alone, but um, you know some of the other ones he's been involved in. Um, but yeah, Uncle this, Buck. No, never seen Uncle Buck. Yeah. Hang up on me. Go on. (laughs) He's leaving right now. Okay, listen. All right, here here you go. If you watch The Breakfast Club, you have to watch it as a trilogy. Okay. They weren't written as a trilogy, but it is a trilogy. Watch The Breakfast Club, then watch St. Elmo's Fire, Mm -hmm. and then watch The Big Chill. Okay. All right. That I I have come to realize... And I don't think anybody else has put this together because, you know, I'm above the rest of you mere mortals. I've I've come to realize that these three movies are an actual trilogy of points in your life. So there's the high school angst. There's the post-college, what the fuck do I do with my life? And then there's the midlife crisis. Okay. So you've got to put those three movies. Is this all based on your life as well? (laughs) No, I I actually realized this decades ago. And I've said this, I don't know, to countless numbers of people. And they're like, oh, my God, that makes all kinds of sense. Mm. But if you you have to watch them, like I said, as a trilogy and then just try to relate things to your own life. And you're like, oh, yeah, you know, look, the big chill is a bunch of whiny 40 somethings. Dear God, (laughs) shut up already. Oh, the breakfast club is a bunch of whiny teenagers. Jesus, shut up already. Oh, St. Elmo's Fire, a bunch of whiny college kids. Shut up already. It's all the same movie, just different ages. Colin, are you are you a John Hughes aficionado? 
Uh, like I've seen the majority of John Hughes movies, but I probably saw the majority of his movies without realizing it was all the same guy. I, I think it was, you know, Home Alone, Ferris Bueller, and then the Vacation movies as a kid. I started to notice this guy's name is in all of the movies. <laughs> uh, so it was probably my first exposure to people behind the scenes was just picking up on the name John Hughes. Because I don't think there were a lot of other movies. I mean, maybe George Lucas. I would see his name pop up just as much growing up. Uh, but I mean, definitely the breakfast club is something that, you know, I remember as a teenager, my mom showed that to us and said, Oh, you guys got to watch the breakfast club, uh, the vacation movies, love those. Uh, and I'm, I'm glad you mentioned uncle Buck Dan, cause that was another childhood favorite movie of mine. And, you know, just seeing what John Hughes can do writing for different age groups as well. I mean, right. he writes teenagers, he writes, you know, adults. And then in uncle Buck, he learned how to write children and basically wrapped up his career writing children's films. It, you know, and again, it's just most of his movies seem to have that horrible, horrible angst. And I can only presume that his parents were horrible to him because <laughs> all the parents in all of these movies are just complete douche. Have you seen the Internet theory that Ferris Bueller isn't real? No, no. He's actually um, he's a fight club version for Cameron. Oh, <laughs> Wow. Yeah. Oh, I, I love like this movie so much more now. <laughs> yeah. I actually came across that years ago and I laughed my ass off <laughs> that Ferris Bueller isn't actually real. He's all in Cameron's mind. Makes and sense. it's, oh. you know, Cam Cameron has a split personality and he's just, he just fight club the whole Ferris Bueller thing. Wow. I'm, I'm starting I'm to see it. Yeah, it's I love. I'll see. I love a good theory. Like we talked about that with Elf last year, didn't we? That Elf and Step Brothers, like Step Brothers, is the direct sequel to Elf. Um, like <laughs> thing, things like that. But that that's that actually kind of works now. I like that because I, it I remember works. seeing it works perfectly, perfectly well. actually. Yeah. Well, there, I remember seeing like one of these top ten Watch Mojo videos, and it was like top ten movies where um, the the characters fate is terrible as soon as the movies end and it's never explained. And one of them was Cameron from Ferris Bueller's Day Off. Like this kid is getting like pulverized yeah. by his dad. Like he's probably oh, yeah. going to be murdered. You know, uh, <laughs> yeah. I'm excited when we get to that because I don't think I ever quite even thought about this. Many times I've seen this movie. I mean, you know, we, we talked about it last week, uh, maybe it might've been off air, but this will be probably the only time outside of star Wars that I haven't taken any notes for the movie. Cause I felt like I didn't have to. Mm. And then when I reached that scene, I almost felt like writing a novel. Cause I'm like, I've never actually thought about, yeah, like you, you, in your mind, you think the story ends right there, but it's never even occurred to me what happens after that. But now yeah. I, I went to bed feeling really bad last night. Like, Cameron's this is right. Cameron, yeah. Cameron got murdered, you know, next day and said, it's, it's, it's not community rallies around sick youth. It's community rallies around yeah. family yeah. of Just, murdered justice sons. for Cameron. <laughs> no, Cameron was living in, he was living out in the woods. That they oh. had, that they had I to love his house. They, they had to. They actually filmed that movie in the fall, mm. but the concept of the movie that it was kind of in the springtime. Mm -hmm. They had to hand paint the leaves wow. in the woods outside that's, of Cameron's house because they levels. were changing colors. That's from Russia with love levels of um, of trivia when they had to like cover the rats in chocolate because they didn't look like <laughs> yes. <sewer> rats. Um, <laughs> Which still one of the best trivia things I've ever read. Um, w one thing I'll say, like uh, before we get in, actually quickly, did either of you ever catch the TV series? Now I've not looked this up. I've never seen it. Oh. But they, there was a short love, a short-lived TV series of Ferris. Which Bueller. one? 
Uh, I, I don't know. All I know is one of them had Jennifer Anderson playing Jeannie. Jennifer Aniston, she was Jeannie, and Amy Dolans played oh. Sloan, uh, the daughter of Mickey Dolans from The Monkees. Wow. Okay. She yeah. and, and In the opening scene of uh, the first episode, I don't even remember what the kid's name that played Ferris Bueller was, but he had a full life-size cutout of Ferris Bueller and <laughs> took a chainsaw and cut through the thing. Wow. That's um, there was, probably why it didn't last then, maybe. Uh. Probably. <laughs> there was also another TV show that was kind of based on the whole Ferris Bueller called Parker yeah. Lewis Can't Lose. Ah, okay. <laughs> and, I, and I, I was just going to say, um, like, we didn't have the Ferris Bueller TV show in Canada. Uh, and I was always disappointed because I, I think I heard that it existed. And that and the Bill and Ted TV series, neither of them aired here in Canada. But we had Parker Lewis, and I didn't even at the time probably realize that, you know, it was loosely based on it. But I just remember watching Parker Lewis as a kid thinking, it's just like Ferris Bueller. Yeah. <laughs> well, there was, there, was two, uh, there was two episodes with a gym teacher who was my cousin, Maca Foley. Ah, which, which <laughs> you can as actually you find him there, appeared in Dirty Dancing, so... Uh, no, Ghost. Oh, Ghost. I was going to say, apologies for Dirty Dancing. The other one. Yeah. <laughs> the the other Patrick Swayze movie, yeah. Yeah, yeah the other one. Uh, uh, Charlie Schlatter played Ferris Bueller in the TV. The That's esteemed him. Oh, Charlie. famous Charlie Schlatter. Coming soon to the old Schlatter. network. Um, also my cousin, <laughs> funny story. Um, nice. But, uh, That's awesome. Yeah, interesting. Um, but I, I think we should get into it. I'll, I'll say, like, this movie, we all know we're going to buy it. It's going to be similar when we did Jurassic Park. Like, love the movie to bits. But it's actually really interesting with Ferris Bueller's Day Off because I've watched so many of these theory videos and everything in the last 24 hours that when you analyze this movie, it doesn't really make sense, but it's fun. <laughs> like, yeah. The, the, the timeline, timeline of this I'm movie pick apart. doesn't make sense in the slide. And, Dan, you will no. find that we will nitpick things, but that is not no, us saying that we don't like this movie. This <laughs> oh, is no, our no, job. no, that's kind of... <laughs> You know, it's like Mystery Science 3000. That's what yeah, we're going to do. Exactly, we're just going to yeah. rank on things. And I mean, yeah. what do you expect from a movie that was written in six days? Which he is wrote crazy, isn't it? That is insanity. That is like God level writing right there. He, he just got into a trance and, and just sat down and just crushed it out. Six and then days. the fact that the fact that half of it ended up cut from the movie. Yeah. Like, yeah. like a two and a half. The original movie was two hours and 40 minutes long. Yeah. Which is insane. Was, I, I, I kind of don't want to see the two and a half. I feel that's going to be boring. <laughs> like, this movie is kind of perfect as it is. But it's, Colin, okay, I remember... How, I'm, how, about, how, how about this? Can you imagine the movie with Sloan played by Molly Ringwald? Yeah, no. No. I, I can't she see wanted, with Molly Ringwald. She wanted that role in the worst way. And she really pitched herself for it. And John Hughes finally kind of shined her on by saying, um, no, 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 the role is too small for someone like you. <laughs> <laughs> wow. I get that a lot, actually. That's why I'm never... I angry. can see that, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. small yeah. things on you. Yeah, I got that. <laughs> One thing I want to say, actually, um, and it, I think... So if anybody hasn't seen, Josh Gad did a sort of... I don't know if he's still doing it or not. It was sort of a, a lot during lockdown last year where he, he would reunite cast from from old movies on zoom and i think he did like the karate kid and i don't know what other ones he did but he did a ferris bueller's day off one and he basically got everyone who's still alive or not a convicted felon 
on that call. Um, and they, they kind of do a nice little tribute to John Hughes at the end of it. Um, as well, because John Hughes is now it was about 12 years since he passed away, isn't it? Like, he's, he's actually, quite yeah, it's some been time. a while, but um, I think it might have been Mia Sarah who maybe mentioned about how that what's so good about this movie and it's it's one of these things that you know everyone knows but it clicks when you hear somebody describe it it's like it's just a movie that when you watch you're always got a smile on your face and it's like Mm -hmm. it, it just makes you feel good and that John Hughes has a way of writing his characters that are so relatable and entertaining and just like, and I don't know if that's kind of what the legacy is about John Hughes. Cause I remember when John Hughes died, it was, it was a big deal. Like people were like full mm-hmm. on in mourning and not just cause the guy was relatively young. I think he was only about 59 when he died, but like, you don't, you don't get a lot of this when filmmakers die, like only certain yeah. ones, you know, this is almost on a level when Steven Spielberg dies that you get this outpouring of grief. And Colin, we did that with, um, who was the, the guy with the nightmare and the living, uh, the night of the living dead movies. Uh, yeah, George Romero. Uh, George Romero. George Romero. Mm-hmm. We we did a tribute month to him and all that sort of stuff, you know. But like, I don't know. Like, it was interesting. There was such an outcry of of grief when John Hughes died. And is it just? I'll just quick opinion. Dan, I'll start with you. Like, is it because his movies are just relatable? Like, you kind of went over that trilogy kind of thing that you said there. But I mean, he he has a way of writing these characters and movies that make it stand the test of time. I don't I don't know if you could have used a better word than relatable because he has some really diverse characters in his movies as a whole. I mean, look at, you know, look at Ferris Bueller's Day Off. Look how dramatically different these three high schoolers are. Look at um, St. Elmo's Fire. Look at um, uh, The Breakfast Club. Look at just how these people agonize and you see their pain. And yet he puts it in a really uplifting sort of way to, to bring them up. And somebody can relate to somebody, everybody can relate to somebody in these movies, you know, in one fashion or another. And it's just, it, it's so much fun and they're so endearing and they have, you know, and now with, with all the, the PC culture that we live in, they talk about movies that haven't stood the test of time because they're, you know, they're all these dirty words, but John Hughes movies do. They continue to stand the test of time. You know, Ferris, like you said, a, a year doesn't go by without me watching Ferris Bueller's Day Off. It, it just happens to come on TV. I don't care what's going on. I'm going to stop and finish watching that. And it just continues. And it just brings you back to that point in your life. It just, it, it's just too much fun. The Relatable is the perfect word, Ben. I don't know if there is a better word. Well, I think the other thing is, is that his movies weren't preachy. He, he does everything that everybody else tries to do in teen movies or even movies about adults. Uh, he's trying to use real issues. He's trying to have real characters dealing with real problems. But when you watch so many of these other movies, they get so preachy and they try to just, you know, hammer their their points home so That's hard. That's an excellent and- point. Yeah, and you end up not relating to it because if you get older and you watch a lot of these other teen movies from the 90s, you're like, "Ah, I don't relate to these kids at all. Like, these kids are terrible. But in these movies, nobody's a bad person. They're just Mm -hmm. living their life. In The Breakfast Club, they're talking about their problems, but you don't relate to them any differently as an adult as you do as a kid because he's not trying to talk down to anybody. He's just simply putting characters on screen. Nobody's 100% right. Ferris isn't 100% right in this movie. Cameron's not 100% right, but neither are the parents. You know, It's, it's great. Right. It's interesting. One thing, Dan, we often do as well in our recaps is we often look at the villain and go, well, the villain's not really the villain and maybe the good guy's (laughs) a villain. And I'm just going to point this out right now. And I'm not saying anything in real life. 
Edward Rooney, not really a villain. Edward Rooney, just doing his job. Yeah. <laughs> he's he's a douche, but he's a douche who's doing his job. Yeah. Yeah. Like, well, hold on now. Hold on now. Let's take a look at his criminal behavior. Um, <laughs> well, that's what I was saying. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Outside, Wait, that's yourself. the best way of going about it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, but then again, let's look at let's look at Ferris's criminal behavior. Yeah, true. You know, I mean, not that good. But one of the one yeah, of the poor Abe elite... Froman is going hungry that day because of Ferris. Like nobody's <laughs> innocent in this movie. You know, oddly enough, so the the whole there was a scene that was cut in the restaurant where the waiter that that snotty sniffy <laughs> waiter <laughs> get he actually he actually so. After the scene with the um, in the restaurant where they're in the cab right before they see Ferris's dad, and Ferris looks at Cameron, who said, "We've done, you know, I haven't seen anything great today." And Ferris says, "We ate pancreas." Mm-hmm. Right? There was a scene that was cut from the movie where the waiter brought them. Uh, what is it called? Sweetbread. Yeah. It's yep. it's some it's it's pancreas. Mm-hmm. And once they all ate it, the waiter told them what it was. And they all went, and they all spit it out. And they all got grossed out. They cut it from the movie because they wanted to make sure that Ferris got one up on everybody. Right. And the way that scene was written, it seemed like the waiter got his revenge on them. So they cut it, but they left that line in from a scene that was cut away from the, from the movie. Wow. I, Cause isn't there, there's that bit where um, he's in the bathroom when Ferris is doing the monologue and they kind of cut to Cameron and he's doing that thing with his teeth and there's that guy behind yep. him who's kind of like giving him the dirty <laughs> eyeball. I, I mean, yep. is that kind of based yeah. off that? Like, is he looking at him? Because I, I always wonder why is that guy behind him kind of, because yeah, I love when Cameron does that sneeze and he's like, Ahoo! and then he's sort of smiling at that guy. Like, I, I, I don't know if that's related to kind yeah, of- Yeah, it makes total sense now. Like a reaction. Did you know that Shea Louis is the same restaurant that the Blues Brothers terrorized in their movie? Oh, I did not. <laughs> That's wow. the same restaurant. We need Dan on every week, Colin. He's better than I <laughs> Jeez. This is uh this is this is pretty good. I, I, I like this. Even even Ferris, like I I kind of wanted to watch this this time with my critical eye and go, Well, Ferris is really the villain of this movie. And like Ferris does the worst things, but it's not in a way that makes him bad. Like it's not he's malicious. Not just, yeah, like he's, he's not he, being malicious. He's not being hateful. He's yeah. Okay, so again, another deleted scene from the movie. They showed Ferris going to um, or calling up his grandmother or somebody and asking about these these savings bonds that he had or something. Mm. So he went to the bank and he cashed in these savings bonds. um, And that's where he got all his money for the day. But they cut the scene from the movie because they thought it made him look like a scoundrel. Mm. And they wanted him to look like this lovable rogue. They want him to look like he was uh, he he was full of shenanigans, but not actual criminal behavior. Which that makes mm-hmm. sense. So, because like because even the negative things that Ferris does, like even when he's like, you know, goading Cameron into coming, like it, it's done in a way that you you like him. But but even like at the end of the movie, he's he redeems every bad thing he does. Like when he's going to take the mm-hmm. fall for the Ferrari, and he's going to you know right. own up like. Everything that I want to say anyway, makes him the right? villain. Yeah. It, it doesn't, like, he, he's well, just... And that's, again, good writing because, like, yeah, you can easily say these villainous things that Ferris does, but it's in such a way that you like the guy and you don't feel like he's a bad guy at the end of the movie because he's not. And and the more important thing is that the Charlie Sheen scene, which, again, I don't quite 
think I realized how important and deep that scene is until I watched this time when he's saying to Jeannie, it's like, so what do you care? He's not hurting you, you know? Yeah. That's the entire point of that scene is, it's like, he's not doing anything wrong. He's just better at it than you. Don't be mad at him because he's good at what he does. Yeah. Right. Charlie Sheen stayed awake for two straight days in order to get that look. I love how that's a trivia point. Like people act like that's an unusual thing for Charlie Sheen. Two days is nothing. That's like an hour for Charlie Sheen. I was going to say that's... And he actually was... He only got the role because of um, Gene Gray. uh, Gene Gray. (laughs) Sorry. X-Men reference. (laughs) Hey, Jennifer Gray actually recommended him. (laughs) Jennifer Gray actually recommended him after their time together on Red Dawn. Oh, Mm. nice. Which the one mm. thing I, I really want to dissect in this movie, the one thing that always I question is the is the Genie Ferris dynamic. Because Genie spends a whole movie like screw him, hate him, grr. But like at the very beginning of the movie, and let's get to it right now, because we've got Ferris in bed, he's sick, okay. the parents are, you know, concerned about him. This is where it all begins. We find out he's he's gonna fake take that out of school. You've literally got Genie looking at him and he's like winking, going like shh. Like, yeah. why doesn't she call him out right then? Like, is she in on this? I always feel that Jeannie's secretly in on this. Like, I don't I know. Think she just, a... No, I think that she just knows he, no matter what she says, he's going to find his way. It's to not going to, exactly correct. Yeah. Right. He's, I, I, he's just going to get away with it anyway. And, and, and okay, that makes sense. Good to see that I'm dumb and never got that. But the other thing too, <laughs> and Dan, on all the trivia, and I'm sure like, because I mean, one thing we'll point out, this movie was initially written, and I don't know if a lot of this was cut. There were two other Bueller kids. There was, I think, a 12-year-old and a 7-year-old. Yeah. And if you actually watch this movie, there's uh, photos of the family. There's younger kids, and there's also kids' drawings on the fridge. So obviously there were certain things that were left in there. But are these two meant to be twins? Because I think people sort of the way they analyze it, like Jeannie and that about the same age, because I think they're in the same grade at school. So maybe Ferris skipped a grade or whatever. But I mean, I, I, I think the theory that I was watching is that these two are actually meant to be twins. I don't know if Dan, you know any more on that or. No, um, I had actually heard that there was supposed to be one more sibling, not two more siblings. I think there was um, a 12 year old daughter and a seven year old son is from what I was seeing. Uh, I didn't hear about the daughter. I had heard about the son. Hmm. Um, I don't, I'll have to go back and pause the movie because I think you're right. There was a picture, that scene where dad calls Ferris. Yep. yep. Um, there's and a on picture the wall, on his when desk. going in the hall. There's a few pictures on the wall, which you yeah. look closely. You really um, got to wonder where those kids are when they all get home at six o'clock at night and are ready for dinner. <laughs> hopefully not near Rooney. Uh, yeah, exactly. Well, I kind of, I kind of presume that one of those kids was in the movie because we noticed that when the, the nurse that wants to restore his pluck, cause she's the nurse that likes to, <laughs> she rang the doorbell to deliver the flowers. Yeah. But when the parents got home, the There's whole, whole hallway was filled. Yeah, How yeah. did they all get in the house? Yeah, which also... They all came from the police who arrested Jeannie. Yeah. <laughs> can, can I just also just... I, I feel like we're on the topic now and I might forget it later. Is that Bring nurse a prostitute? Is she literally there to fuck Ferris Bueller? Yeah. Wow. Yeah, John. Okay. Did you notice the guy that was with her was John Candy? I mean, um, uh, Louis Anderson. I didn't. Was I it? Even, uh. Louis Anderson is standing to her right. And he's kind of bobbing his head next to her. He doesn't have a single line, but that's Louis Anderson standing behind her. 
Wow. I, 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 and I've ben always been more furiously right now. <laughs> I've always been more concerned about that nurse. Like he's, she's there to have sex with an underage uh, man, but we'll go with that one. I can <laughs> see him now. Yeah. Hold on. Te- technically, Ferris is a senior. He could be 18 years old. I love mm-hmm. how Dad's here to, to excuse that. I'm <laughs> That's sorry, my job, Dad. Come on. Listen, you're about unemployment. I'm about employment. This girl's working, all right? I'm all about somebody making an income. You know, you socialist bastard, you. I, you know, that's just... Technically, it's legal. Uh... <laughs> oh, shit, hang on. Rob has a podcast. He's doing an emergency episode. <laughs> shit. Dan, you set him off. You've set off Rob. God damn it. Um, it's a I am promoting employment. I am promoting. I am. I am promoting gainful employment. And here you are. And Rob is going to launch an emergency investigation into. I, I do believe Jeffrey Jones at his trial was also like, well, technically the children in those photos were legal in Afghanistan. Uh, yeah, in yeah, in Taiwan. Yeah, that's great, dude. Um, so Ferris is uh, sick. He's, uh, I, I do love the opening bit when he's like parents and they're just all like, you know, stay home. And I just, Matthew Broderick here is brilliant. I mean, Matthew Broderick is brilliant in the entire film. He did get nominated for a Golden Globe for this. We should point it out. But I like this bit when he's like, okay, pumpkin. And then he does it the phone. And it's like, give me a call. And he's like, a ring-a-ding-ding-ding. Ding. I used to always do that. Like, a ring-a-ding-ding. Um, I also love uh, Jeannie here when she's like, you know, like, bite the big one, Junior. And then like, just, like <laughs> wrong finger, dude. It was uh, <laughs> that one. There yes. you go. So much better. Mean, the, the whole, I mean, this is what's so great about the many things that are great about this movie. Like within two seconds, we've just got him in bed sick to him sitting up. They bought it. And then, you know, straight into like the worst performance of my career. Oh, <laughs> opens the curtains. How am I expected to go to school on a day like this? Um, you got that, the soundtrack to this movie. I mean, amazing. Uh, what's this yeah. song in the shoot 'em up, shoot 'em up in the background? Um, wow, it's like is, you have a copy no, of the soundtrack right there. <laughs> yeah, keep going, dude. I'm not quite sure. You gotta, you gotta go a little further with that one for me. Saving my best work for uh, now. Shake it up, baby. Paul McCartney uh, actually didn't like that song. He was actually kind of upset. Well, is that because he's marrying people with no, money? No, it was because he, he didn't like all the brass. He right. was actually he he really liked the he really liked the movie, but he said he didn't like the song because there was too much brass in the song in the in the version of the movie. And John mm. Hughes actually said he felt bad after the fact because I offended a Beatle. Wow, <laughs> what's worse does it get than that? Jeez. Well, I mean. I don't know, actually. That's a good point. <laughs> What's worse than offending the Beatles? Uh, Michael Jackson didn't care, but he's Michael Jackson. Offending Matthew him. Broderick is worse. True. Thank you. Oh, yeah. there we go. That's very cool. Yeah. Exactly. Uh, but, I mean, the great thing about so much of this montage, I mean, we get the breaking the fourth wall, Ferris talking to the camera, you know, explaining about... I, lo- I always love this explaining how to fake out your parents. And I think I used to always think about that, like, hey, if I'm going to have a day of school, this is what I'm going to do. And I particularly love the bit when you've got the writing on the screen and it's like, you know, clammy hands or this sort of stuff. And I love the bit when it's like fake a fever and they fake cross fever. it out. It's like doctor's office, red flashing on the screen. 
um he the shower monologue when he's talking about socialism and he's like i'm not european i don't plan on being european who gives a shit if they're socialists anyway <laughs> and when he blocks the camera, any isms any isms <laughs> and this is when he mentions the beatles and he's talking about like i quote john lennon <laughs> he's like he was the war and he just has these subtle digs that he doesn't have a after car. all he is the walrus yeah what does he say he's like he was a walrus. I could be the walrus, but it still doesn't mean I don't have to bum lifts off everybody everywhere or something like that. The, the covering of the camera when he's like washing his bit, so funny. Um, Colin, I've got to ask Jamie's opinions on shirtless Matthew Broderick. She didn't watch this with me, uh, which no. I'm surprised because I thought that she, I've heard her comment before that she likes Matthew Broderick. Uh, so I assume if anybody likes Matthew Broderick, it's got to be because of Ferris Bueller. And last night I was trying so hard to get you finish watching Ferris Bueller with me. And she's like, oh, that movie's just average. I'm like, you're not allowed in this family oh, anymore. Get out. Divorce. Like, how do you say that? Just average. Oh, I will say I made her watch from the, uh, the parade sequence on. And uh, I think she was trying, she was trying to keep up her end of the story. Oh, it's just okay. But she did not tell me to turn it off. Well, <laughs> that's, that's what often happens. That's why you're a father with a couple of, children as well for certain <laughs> movies um i might just kind of lump everything in here up until when they eventually leave the house i know there's a bit to, to cover here but i think kind of you know it's all the all the fun pre going out stuff so as we mentioned ferris has nine costume changes here uh and kind of all these moments so we've, we've got him playing the clarinet we've got him sipping on my ties by the pool he's in a he's in a hawaiian <laughs> shirt when he's dancing to um genie i dream a genie yeah, i dream a genie theme yeah um all that sort of stuff um I, I like kind of like all the things he's talking about here when he's he's talking to the camera about cameron and he's basically like pardon my french but if you shoved a piece of coal up cameron's ass in two weeks you'd have a diamond um, <laughs> when he's on the phone to the kids at school and he's basically got this synthesizer, like the keyboard, like, I think I need a kid. You know, he, he, <laughs> made bitch, he, he, made, he made bitch about not having a car. That synthesizer was a high-end synthesizer. That was like an $8,000 machine. Yeah, and the computer that too. A, Isn't it also that was a like serious piece of hardware. Yeah, yeah, and I think, wasn't there a thing too? Because this is one of those ones where they like, I think they di dissect the timeline of this movie. That's impossible that he could have done all of this in one day. And then it's also, they dissect the fact that he complains about not having a car, but his family's clearly well off that they've got this synthesizer. And I think this computer was like a top-end computer because, again, he's got the yes. internet. He can hack in to um, Rooney's computer and basically change the thing, which, I mean, in, what, 1986, this was unheard of. So well, I that think was I was going to say that was clearly a throwback to war games. I mean, that was yeah. that was a hundred percent nod to that. Rather than starting a war, he's he's just hacking into the the, the school computers, basically. <laughs> so like all the Ferris stuff, he's fantastic. I, I love the clarinet. Like never had one lesson. <laughs> that was actually an ad lib line. That wasn't in the script. Oh, nice. Um, but also the other stuff that's happened here, like we get we get the famous uh, Bueller, Bueller. Bueller, <laughs> which, ben which, Stein. Ben Stein, and I, he was on the uh, the reunion thing, and they were basically talking about how all of his things, all his lines, were meant to be off camera. They were they were all hey, just 100%. meant to be. Yeah, and the shoot was reacted supposed, so well to it that they wanted. He to was not supposed camera. to be on camera for that whole reading, but mm. he just he was so funny, and everybody was laughing so hard. They're like, "We got to put the camera on this guy." 
Which arguably, I mean, this movie is so quotable. It's got so many famous lines. I mean, one I've yelled over already, life moves pretty fast. If you don't stop and look around once in a while, you'll miss it. I use that in my wedding vows. I, I, you know, there's so much that I love this movie. (laughs) Um, But no, I think Bueller, Bueller, Bueller is probably the most famous from this movie. And we've all had teachers like that. We have all... Oh, that just horrible droning on, you know. I actually... and Christy Swanson, you know, her little... <laughs> no her trouble little whatsoever. I love her. My best friend's brother's boyfriend's sister saw him at Six Flavors last night and passed out. I think it's pretty serious. Thank you, Simone. Thank you, Simone. Simone. <laughs> no problem whatsoever. No problem whatsoever. <laughs> um, unpopular opinion. I almost like the other teacher a little bit better when he's here and he's like, in what in way? way? <laughs> Is... Prison, and he draws the lines on the and irony. <laughs> I just, I always feel he gets overlooked in the teachers of Ferris Bueller as like somebody who should be a bit of a cult favorite. Um, I, I love random kids at school. Like, I love this girl who basically starts talking to Jeannie and she's just like, oh, I hear that if he dies, he's going to give his eyes to Stevie Wonder. Gotta go. And then just like walks off. <laughs> I was trying to place that girl because I recognized her and it, it, it was driving me crazy. And it finally dawned on me who she was. She was the girl that had a crush on the lead character in the movie Three O'Clock High. Oh, okay. It was another, it was, do you, do you know that movie? I don't, no. It was, a, it was another, uh, you know, teen movie about this kid, kind of a lovable loser kind of guy. And he ends up falling in bad with the new kid in, school who's the school bully and the bully's gonna fight him at three o'clock high <laughs> and it's this kid's mad scramble to get out of the fight and uh, it's it, it's kind of ridiculous but i knew i recognized that girl i don't know what her name is i don't know what but i actually like three o'clock high it's kind of a it's kind of a great coming of age movie for that all happens in one day we'll, we'll get you on whenever we do three o'clock <laughs> yes yes um obscure movie (laughs) coming soon to 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 the oz network but i mean this is the thing too is it's so good about like just these opening scenes like that you just all relate to these these kids like the kids falling asleep in class i I love it when they're doing the roll call and there's that one kid who's just sitting there and he's just like here here yeah (laughs) so aggressive (laughs) like all we all know kids who would do that basically uh in school and the and this is where we get to meet Grace and Rooney. Um, just uh, like, okay, let's go over Rooney quickly. He's the dean of students. He's he, he's on to Ferris. It's his ninth day. He calls up his mum. Cool. But Grace is the star. Like the bit where she just yeah. literally oh, starts she was it, hysterical. pulling the stuff out of the hair. Uh, the <laughs> I don't trust this kid as far as I could throw him. Well, with your bad knee, Ed, you shouldn't. It's true. <laughs> and then when she's like, oh, you sound like Dirty Harry just then. <laughs> <laughs> And, and when she's doing that whole thing about like, oh, the kids adore him, the dweebs, the sluts, the dickheads, um, they think he's the a righteous dude. The jocks. And also like the the bit when she's going off about Jenny, oh, what a little asshole. And also like when when he's trying to catch out Sloan and he's like, oh, I know that Sloan's in this and he's, oh no, Bueller's involved in this and he's gotten Sloan involved too. And then she's like, her grandmother and too. And her grandmother too. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I want a Grace spin-off. Like, oh, I oh. love her so much. And the actress who plays her 
Edie McClurg. Now, I feel she's been... I mean, obviously, she's been in other things. Of course, she has. She was the counter clerk for the rental car agency in Planes, Trains, and Automobiles with uh, Steve Martin. Okay. I, I'm not seeing... Again, that. another John Hughes movie. Not seeing that. I'm seeing she was in Air Bud, Spikes Back, maybe... She was uh, in Natural uh, Born uh, Killers as really? Julia Lewis's mom? Wow. Okay. Um, she That's was also, versatile. She's in Holy Man with uh, Eddie Murphy and Jeff Goldblum. Oh, jeez. <laughs> she's done a lot of voice work, it seems, here. So, um, clearly... She was... Yeah. That wasn't her in planes, trains, and automobiles. Uh, it might have been. I I don't. Oh no, it is. You're right. Planes, trains, and automobiles. 1987 car rental agent. It was uh, her. Yes. I I was trying to picture what I knew her from. There was a TV show. Um, I, I saw it, uh, it, it. One of these things will pop up on like the classic sitcom channels. It was like Jason Bateman as a teenager, the Hogan family. And she was on that, like every episode on that one. I'm like, I, I know I saw her in something else before. But again, it's weird. It's it's just like with Mia Sarah. You've seen them in other things, but you associate them so much with Ferris Bueller, you can't see you whatever kind of else forget. Yeah. Yeah. It's kind of that. But she, she's just like, come on. We, we, Grace is, is, is the absolute star of this movie. I'm sorry, Matthew Broderick. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I want to pull pens from my hair. Um, we also meet Cameron. Now, one thing also that I always don't get about this movie, Cameron is legitimately sick. And yet within yeah. 10 minutes, he's fine. <laughs> no, he's not. He's not legitimately sick. It's all in his head. And Ferris is 100% right. He so needed this day. day. Mental health. Yes, day. he did. But that's again, that's where the Internet, um, the Internet theory came from, that it's it's a fight club thing. It's, uh, you know, it's he Ferris Bueller isn't real because Cameron is just so tormented by his parents and his life. He just invents. He only feels good when he's sick because it kind of justifies how bad he feels about his life. Which is always good when you have these monologues from Ferris and kind of, you know, he's obviously explaining. Like, what does he say later on? Like, if I lived in that house, like, I, I would want to be sick too. I'd pray like, for a disease him. too. Yeah. yeah. Um, but, I mean, like, all jokes aside, I mean, let's be honest, the star of this movie is Alan Ruck. Like, I mean, he's just... Yeah. He just <laughs> the, even the opening sequence here with him in bed, I like, I, I love it when it's like, I'm dying. And then straight away the phone rings out. You're not dying. You just can't think of anything. You just can't think of anything to do. And then I just, I've always, I don't know why I love this scene so much when he's like, when Cameron was in (laughs) Egypt Egypt land, let my Cameron Cameron go. go. Nobody can hit the notes. (laughs) Let my Cameron go. (laughs) And then when he's like, he's in the car, he's like, he'll keep calling me. He'll keep calling me. <laughs> calling me forget it and then he like jumps out I love it when he's like you see in the background when he like storms backwards and forth and he's jumping up and down oh my god that was awesome you, you mentioned Dan about how he had worked with Matthew Broderick these two were like best friends and like this is where yeah. the chemistry comes from and I was like on that reunion they were basically talking about how like there's no acting involved here these two were just playing off each other and this bit when he, he's faking Sloane's dad was apparently uh, an impersonation that Alan Ruck did of a director on a previous uh, role. Casting so, like, in, Bilo- in Biloxi Blues. Yeah. So mm-hmm. this was like an in-joke between him and Matthew Broderick. And like, 
I always just love this sequence when, like, you know, you think Rooney, like, has caught Bueller, but then he has it. And, and then you mentioned it before, Dan, about how, like, you've got Grace on the phone. Hold oh, hold <laughs> <laughs> I love it when you cut to, to Cameron and he's like, oh, I should tell you do. Call me sir, god damn it. <laughs> Pardon my French, but you're an asshole. An asshole. <laughs> We get it. We get a James Bond reference, Colin, when uh, Ferris yeah. comes in. He's like Bueller, Ferris Bueller. <laughs> I just love this bit when he like kicks him, and he's like, "You hit me! I didn't hit you. I lightly slapped you." <laughs> and they're having tea, and he's like, basically, before we get to the Ferrari, and he's just like, Ferris has calmed him down. They're having tea. He's like, "Well, you but did you screw did up." Screw up. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Again, it's like these are the bits where you should really be kind of hating Ferris because you kind of feel sorry for Cameron, but like you just don't because it's just. Again, we've all got friendships like this where like you've right. kind of got the one who makes you do things and the kind of the you know that sort of stuff. So you can re- just relate to this pairing. Um, and and uh, Sloan gets taken out of school. Um, I'll cap it with the Ferrari scene because, um, as I said, Ooh. what sold me on this movie was me not wanting to watch it when dad tells me there's a ferrari in it okay i'll give it a chance i mean if if i had to choose between hanging out with matthew broderick and like anything in this movie all the for i'm going to choose a ferrari i'm sorry like um i mean this this is just oh this scene always gets me particularly with the Bump, bump, yeah, the first time we hear it in this entire film. Colin, as a big fan of the Kill Feel series, I know you remember that when I did Ben Waterworth Pictures, I used this song as my uh, song over Ben Waterworth Pictures. Um, the 1961 Ferrari GT California. 250 GT California. California. It is his pride. It is his joy. It is his fault. He didn't lock the garage. <laughs> oh yeah. Boom, boom, boom. He loves this car more than life. Somebody with so with his priorities so far out of whack doesn't deserve a car like this. You don't understand. He doesn't even drive it. He just wipes <laughs> it with the Runs diaper. It with a diaper. <laughs> Remember how annoyed he was when I broke a retainer? Come on now, that was, that was a piece of plastic. Ferrari. I'm saying it right now. I love Mallory. I'm newly married. I'm happily married. Love my wife. If but... I own a Ferrari, I'm exactly the same. Sorry, Mallory. I'm just going to go out in that car and I'm going to wipe it with a diaper. Um, we just got a BMW and we love our car. What's it going to be like when we get a fucking Ferrari? Like, Jesus Christ. Um, and Ferris takes the car. And I, I love, like, just this whole scene. This is probably my favorite scene in the whole movie. And when he drives, and I love it when Ferris gets in the car and he sits down and he looks in the camera and he's like, ooh. <laughs> like, just the way he does that. And when he drives out and, and Cameron's doing, like, I ran a limo, a nice, a nice switch job with a bar. <laughs> my treat. And, it's, and, he, and he crosses himself as he gets in the car. Um, actually, I'll, I'll, the bit I'll cap it is, is when Rooney takes Sloan out. And again, another bit that makes no sense is when basically, do you have a kiss for daddy? And they just- <laughs> Are you serious? <laughs> again, it makes, it's funny, but like, come on, Rooney right there should be storming down. I'm like, I knew it. Um, so surprises Jeffrey in their family. Yeah, yeah but this is Jeffrey Jones. Nothing's going to surprise this he guy. He was enjoyed in. Um, 
And then they drive <laughs> off and we get the flower pot men beat city. Oh, what a song. I just, I love yeah. that sequence when you're flying through Chicago and you see the buildings and just like, it's beautifully shot. Like it just gets you yes. so Yes, excited. it is. The song is amazing. So good. I'll cap it there. Let's go over all the bits that I've talked. I'll, I'll throw it to you, Colin, because Dan, Dan's itching at the bit, but I'm going to let Colin <laughs> talk first because I'm a nice man. Um, talk to me, Colin. Hi, Ben. How are you? Um, How are you? Both the movie, though. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Yeah, so a couple things. Just with the the style of this movie, uh, the fact that the first 10, 15 minutes is almost all to the camera. And then they drop that for the majority of the movie. But, like, you never forget it. Whenever they bring it back, like, in the bathroom scene or or even at the end of the movie, you don't feel like you're being taken out of the movie again. I think it's hard to do. I, I probably didn't even know what breaking the fourth wall was until, you know, somebody had mentioned it on some audio commentary and I had to Google the term. And then I'm like, Oh, I know what that is. That's Ferris Bueller. Like that's, that's all that, I, right. Yeah. Like this is, I'm, I'm sure many t- times it was done prior to this, but I don't think it's ever been done as well as in Ferris Bueller. You're sorry, Deadpool Ferris Bueller did it best. Um, but you know, just the, the, the frantic monologues, like it's back and forth. Like he said, costume changes all the time. He's in the shower. He's playing clarinet. Like I can see where this was a two hour and 45 minute movie. And in some cases, like, let's cut the scene entirely. In other cases, like let's include 10 seconds of it here because it's funny. Right. And we want Matt Broderick playing the clarinet or <laughs> out by the pool. Um, some of the, the little things he has, like, uh, you know, going back to what we we're saying about, you know, he doesn't do anything. He does things wrong in this movie, but he does not hurting anybody. The people right. who get hurt in this movie kind of hurt themselves because they're a little too intense. Um, Jeannie's an example of that, you know, because in the opening scene here, she clearly does know what he's doing. And it, it's like we we're saying when he's winking, your first thought is like, well, why did she say he's winking? Because if she says that, he's going to come up with some story. It's like, what, what, my eyes. Oh, I can't see anything. He's going to have a cover for anything that you try to do to him. Uh, so the back and forth they have is part of the fun of their relationship because he he's not taunting her in a mean way. He's just sort of taunting her and like, you know what? I'm getting away with this. Just let's. He's almost inviting her to have fun with him. And the best example of that would be when he says, no, Jeannie, you have your health. Be thankful. (laughs) (laughs) He's egging her on, but he's doing it playfully. Like he's not malicious to her in any way. Um, Ben Stein, you know, he became such a big deal after this. Like, it's crazy that he was an off-camera performer, as you were saying, because everybody knows him now. Not even, I mean, you're going to associate him most with Ferris Bueller. But if you just mention Ben Stein, people have that voice in their head. You know, it's one of these things like when you see the memes on the internet and you just, the whole joke is, I bet you you're reading this or you're hearing my voice as you're reading this. Like, all you got to do is put a picture of this guy and all anybody hears is Bueller, Bueller. Um, 100%. But I'm totally, I'm totally with you, Ben. Like, it's not even just him. That other teacher is equally as good. <laughs> All the students, the guy who's asleep and he's got the puddle of drool. Yeah, <laughs> and he's sort of like, yes. yeah, and he's sort of like, what? What is this? Uh, like, these little actors who came in and said, we're going to give you five minutes to shoot this one shot. Everybody made it worth it. Yeah, I, I read something uh, funny today. Uh, it was one of these long articles about like times that extras screwed up a movie, you know, somebody's smiling or somebody's looking at the camera or they're so obviously not trying to look at the camera. This movie may have the best use of extras I've ever seen. People who have no lines of dialogue, who were just in the background, you could pause this classroom scene. And I'm sure somebody who's in the back corner of the room who had nothing notable to do on camera is still going to be in character and hilarious to watch. <laughs> um, along with the class, 
weird thing that Ben Stein reads out about 16 names, all starting with the letter A, A. and then Bueller, and then Fry. Like, is this the A to F class, and you just have a lot of A's? (laughs) There's only two students who do not start with A in this entire class. Uh, I'm completely with you. Grace steals every scene she's in. Uh, the, the whole Righteous Dude speech. I mean, you could read that entire thing. <laughs> Let's do three hours of just reading Grace's dialogue from this movie. Um, now, one question about the, the sick days. Okay, so you do get little bits and pieces throughout the course of this movie that it's not just Ferris's sick days that Rooney's upset about. I mean, I think it's it, it, when he's muttering at the end of the movie, when uh, the bus is picking him up, he's even saying like, I've spent four years, this kid tormenting me. You get the Ferris is one of these kids in, in class, you know, Dan, you saw war games. You kind of mentioned it. He's, he's like the, the teacher's worst nightmare, but he's like the quiet teacher's worst nightmare. Ferris Bueller is like the kid from war games at about a 27 on a scale of one to 10, <laughs> you know, he's, he would be anybody's worst nightmare. So it's not just the sick days, but he sort of picks that to, to pick on. And you got to think that Cameron's got way more sick days than Ferris has. So it's not just a sick day thing with Rooney. There, there's other reasons why he would hate Ferris Bueller. Um, but when he hacks in the computer, you just see it dropping when he's on the phone with the mom, he has been sick nine times. It's like eight. Seven, six, five, four. Uh, I also wonder when uh, Ferris has his monologue at the beginning of the movie and he's talking about, you know, oh, I, I've done this nine times. I'm going to have to barf up a lung. But obviously not all of those nine sick days was he faking it to his parents. Some of it was probably just skipping school because his mom right. was like shocked by it. It's not even, uh, oh, I forgot that it's been that many times. Or, oh, he really pulled one over on us if he's been sick nine times. She's like, no, it has not been nine times. Maybe it has been three or four. Uh, so he's done a lot of skipping school, even behind the parents' backs. But uh, that's part of the fun of this movie, all the stuff in the background. Um, Cameron, uh, even though Matthew Broderick is the star of this movie, you know, Ferris Bueller is like the most unique, likable character, charismatic character you could ever find. He's the, he's the guy everybody wants to be. I have a feeling that the majority of people do relate the most to Cameron, partly because he's the heart of the movie and he's the only one who has a character arc in this movie. Everybody else, Ferris Bueller is no different at the end of this day as he was at the beginning of the day. Uh, yeah, his so, character arc is flat. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. And, and, you know, that's kind of the appeal of the character. That's the whole point of the character. He is who he is. You know, there's no changing him. Uh, he's going to be good at whatever he does. There's nothing you can do with that. But Cameron is, he is the, the character arc of this movie. He's the guy who goes from being one person to a different person at the end of the day just see him lying in bed like alan ruck is so good we mentioned at the end of uh last week ben that he may be one of the most undiscovered actors that everybody knows because there is so much that he can do and he is so like it is a shame he did not matthew broderick golden globe nomination great i could have made a case for matthew broderick getting an oscar for this movie Alan Ruck, hands down, deserved an Oscar nomination for Ferris Bueller. Like, if I were to make my list of greatest supporting performances of all time, I would put Alan Ruck in the top 10. Like, he's that good in this movie. And, you know, I'm glad you mentioned Spin City, Dan, too, because that that made my favorite TV shows list. And seeing what he can do, like, there is the typecasting with him. Like, we talked about Twister and Speed when we covered those before. You just see Cameron in those roles. Spin City, he had the chance to do something for, what, like, five, six years where he looked like Bill Gates and, you know, acted like Antonio Banderas. Like he was the biggest <laughs> ladies man, but he looked like this, you know, this nerdy little uh, yes. accountant. 
and seeing what Alan Ruck could do, essentially playing Ferris Bueller in Cameron's body is so fantastic. Like, I just want Alan Ruck. I don't care if he's 90 when it happens. I want Alan Ruck to finally get his big break outside of Ferris Bueller. And can I just quickly add, just to jump in before you talk, Dan, that Colin has a great habit of saying, like, oh, this actor deserved an Oscar. And you kind of go, oh, yeah, okay. But the more he talks about it, like, to this day... (laughs) I am sad that Sam Rockwell didn't get an Oscar nomination for Galaxy Quest. And yes! Because Colin helped sell it on me. And, like, you think, you think to yourself, really? That's kind of dumb. But then you watch they it, should... and then you realise who has been nominated for Oscars for lesser roles, <laughs> and you go, okay, yeah, no, you're right. Sam Rockwell should be an Oscar nominee for Galaxy Quest. So. I mean, well, we'll need to get Alan Ruck on the show here. Alan Ruck, I will represent you, and you will get an Oscar nomination by the end of this decade. I promise you that. <laughs> Wow. I mean, we're, we're known for killing actors on our podcast. Now you're trying to win monsters. So you're going to win an actors. Oscar or die. Um, so. I'm, I'm trying to turn it around. I'm keeping Ben out of the equation here. Yeah, we've killed off two James Bond decade. actors. So uh, we don't have a good Stop track Stop saying record. we. Well, I had nothing to do with it. George Lazenby hasn't died since I said he was about to die last. So, you know, Lazenby's still alive. Um, Dan, go, I mean, the, the opening of this movie, go to town. I mean, where do you even begin? Holy crap. Um, you know, I, I'll agree with you guys that mostly that Ferris doesn't have any, he's just, a, he's just a, he's, he's a, he's a hooligan. He's full of shenanigans. But the only thing that he really did that was malicious was taking the Ferrari. That, that <laughs> was a, that was a malicious thing to have done because yeah. we were talking about it earlier. What happened to Cameron? Oh yeah. He's dead. He's been murdered. He was beaten with broken Ferrari parts. And he's in a bloody heap at the bottom of the woods along with the bro. And Ferris knew that. Ferris knew damn well what was going to happen. Was it good for Karen? Probably. Did it actually add to his character arc? Definitely. But that was that was a malicious move. I, I, again, I Again, I'm going to disagree about Grace. I think if we put more grace in the movie, it would have been a bad thing. I think it, it, she had so many perfect lines, so many perfect opportunities. But if you, if you went too far with it, I think it was going to thin her out. And I think she was, Mm. she was just perfect with everything that she did, including the amount of time that she spent on screen because her lines were just, every line was just killer every line that she had and any more than that. And it just kind of, I thought it was going to thin it out. I mean, they even talked about a sequel to this movie. Broderick and Hughes had talked uh, very seriously about a sequel. Um, what the, what was Cameron? Something Cameron's life was not going to be great. Uh, Sloan and Ferris got married, but they got divorced. Um, but essentially it was going to be all the same stuff. So that's why they never did it. And it's, I feel that way about a lot of sequels. It's like, dude, it was great. Stop, stop yeah. going after the cash grab with another movie. Cause a lot yeah. of times you just kill, you just kill things. And this movie doesn't much- need a sequel. There's it shouldn't have had a sequel. Particularly yeah. now, particularly so, now. No. I'm, I'm actually t- reading, uh, I'm reading a little bit here. The, 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 the fair, it was supposed to be called Ferris Bueller to another day off. And uh, apparently the plot was going to be Ferris is 40 years old, suffering a midlife crisis to try to relive his youth. He gets help from Cameron, now his manager, and they take a day off from work. <laughs> that sounds horrible on every front. Didn't, didn't, wasn't there a Super Bowl commercial, which kind of people thought it was there a was. trailer? Yes. And it was, yeah. yeah. 
And they did that with Home Alone and Die Hard. That's kind of become the thing now. And Crocodile is, Dundee, let's bring we talked about that recently. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's, it's, it's one thing, Dan, like I agree with you that probably the one malicious thing he does is the Ferrari. But the one thing that I think kind of makes it okay, which again is what everything that he does, it always gets an excuse, which is, you know, it's, it's when Cameron later on says, I could have stopped you if I wanted to. Like it is possible to stop the film. Yeah. Like I kind of believe that. I'm kind of thinking like a lot of this is Cameron... Like, but, I know Cameron's panicking, but a lot of it is also Cameron's, like, fuck you to his dad. You know what I mean? Well, and again, that just feeds into the, the conspiracy theory that Ferris Bueller isn't real. <laughs> that's, and again, that's part of where that theory came from. Um, and, you know, was it good for Cameron? Sure. Up until he's murdered. You know, I mean, I keep going, I keep going back to that. You know, if his, dad is le- if his dad is legitimately that obsessed with yeah. this Ferrari, which, by the way, was not a real Ferrari. No, well, they, was they, a- yeah, they were replica. There was one that they used, like, I think it might have just been when it was parked, like one shot, it was the real, but the rest were all, I think they were Ford, what, Ford something, Three Spiders or something, or going Or on. MGs. It yeah. was an MG, I think they were MGs and they were just replicas. One of them sold at auction for like $230,000. Oh, I would have bought some it. Stoop, some stupid amount of money. Yeah, because I think because what they say about how like only a hundred were made—that's true. There was a, and like John Hughes is like, yeah, no, yeah. We're, we're not gonna. And like I, I will say like we can't afford it. Well, I mean, <laughs> the, one of the the best scene and then the worst scene in this movie is when you get this car gets destroyed. Colin, uh, you and I talked a lot yeah. about over on Double Oz Seven, Die Another Day, when those Ferraris get destroyed at the end of that movie, falling out of the plane. Right. Like I'm like crying. Uh, this is like in this movie. When this <laughs> Glad it's not only a Ford. It's okay when a Ford's getting destroyed yeah it's just an mg you know it's a fiberglass vehicle right <laughs> are you are you a car man dan are you a car man dan do you, do you have a favorite brand of car nah i mean if i i mean if i you know if i win the powerball and i had all the money in the world i still don't know whether i'd, I'd buy a brand new car because i can't justify paying that much money for a car for anything that goes down that much in value you know, I drive around in a 2004 Honda Accord, a four-cylinder, five-speed that I paid cash for. Uh, I bought it six years ago, and I paid four grand for it. So I've only I've only paid six hundred and sixty-six dollars a year for this car. In, um, in my, all fairness, Dan, you did go on Survivor, and your reputation went down. So you're not a completely adverse to you know. Well, my reputation wasn't much to begin with. So I went from dog shit to vomit. So, I mean, that's really not saying much in the grand scheme of things. Or, or you could say you went from a BMW to a Honda Accord. <laughs> yeah, no, no. I've, I've never been a guy that wants to buy a new car. I've never been a guy that wants to spend the money on that car because to me, there are better things to spend my money on. And um, I've got a 1997 yeah. GMC truck, which is in remarkable condition for its age but it's only got 129,000 miles on it. And that's my plow truck. Wow. So, yeah. you, know, uh, you know, but if I, if I was ever going to buy a dream car ever, 1967 Volkswagen Beetle with, uh, with a Porsche 911 engine in the back. So wow. I'd have my own little sleeper car. So like Herbie fully loaded or something? I was like going to say, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Cause again, monster fan of the Herbie series. Just, wow. Uh, the first one came out in 1967, which is the year I was born. So I was just a huge fan of the movies growing up. Lindsay Lohan, not so much. Not, <laughs> not, uh, 
No. Can I, I just want to put so out much. random, random Lindsay Lohan thing. She's doing those like cameo, right? Dan, get on cameo, by the way. I'll totally pay you to do a cameo. But um, I love how Lindsay <laughs> He's Lohan. He's here for free, Ben. <laughs> <laughs> Wait a minute. I'm like not to pay for this. Shut up, Colin, shut up. Um, (laughs) Lindsay Lohan's on Cameo. And, like, you know how you go onto their page and you can kind of see, you know, like previews of what they've done? She literally uses, like, Snapchat filters to almost make it, like, you know, Jennifer Grey it out. She looks completely different. You hear the voice and you're like, okay, that's Lindsay Lohan. But you look at it like, that's not Lindsay Lohan. That's an animated character. Like, and you pay like oh 500 God. bucks for Lindsay Lohan to give you a twin. And every single one of her videos is the same. Like, I love watching these cameos when they put a bit of thought into it. Lindsay Lohan's literally saying the same thing for every single one. Like, don't spend your money on Lindsay Lohan. She'll just sniff okay, it up. Okay, drugs, drugs are bad. Okay. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> I'm just picturing Lindsay Lohan's cameos now where it's like the name is just looped in at the end. It's like, hi, just wanted to wish you a happy birthday, Johnny. You get that Stephen Hawking's voice that kind of fills in. <laughs> happy birthday, Benjamin. That's that's awesome. You know what? I'm just going to get one of them. I'm going to download it. I'm going to dub it over. I'm going to give it to Colin for his birthday. It's like, hey, Colin Hilding, happy birthday. (laughs) On the the topic of Survivor, Jamie didn't let me do it, but uh, you you did uh, on one of your um, Survivor charity events or whatever, you did uh, get sugar to take a video saying hello to me. And I did tell Jamie, I'm making this my ringtone now. And she says, no, you're not. So... (laughs) Yeah. Uh, good maybe, old if that, maybe if we pay for it. Survivor charity God. events when you can talk about all the good things that happened. Oh, Dan and I, <laughs> wow. our romantic evenings together, they were fun. Yes. Yeah. And then we were talking. We went from we went from Lindsay Lohan to Sugar. Wow. We, I didn't realize we were going to start talking about train wrecks all of a sudden. Very nice. <laughs> well, Charlie Sheen's in this movie. Very, so. very. Charlie <laughs> Sheen is in that. Yeah. 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 Jeffrey Jones. You know. Jeffrey um, Jones. Yeah. Jones. But that's a different type of Dan. Um, yeah, Dan Foley. That's nice. Yeah. yeah, throw him in there. Sure, let's do that. It's actually interesting. Um, yeah, Matthew Roderick and, and Jennifer Grey obviously were famously in a relationship. Um, but I actually didn't realize yeah. that the parents, uh, Lyman Ward and yeah, Sydney Ferris's Pickett, parents got married. Yeah, and had a couple of kids in real life. Yeah. So um, yes, you know what would be funny if they had called those kids like Ferris and Jean. Genie and Ferris. Like, I really hope they called them those. <laughs> oh my god, that'd be horrible. Those poor kids. Are you joking? Well, oh my like, god, they'd be walking jokes the whole time of their entire lives. But let's let's talk about the name Ferris for a second because I don't think prior to this movie coming out, nobody would want the name Ferris. Mm. But like, if I if my parents had named me Ferris, I would take it now because yes, you're always well, going to be now. Yeah, exactly. But these kids, like especially Ferris, your name is Ferris Bueller. How do you become the coolest kid in school with the name Ferris Bueller? That's another thing I actually love about this movie is that he has such a weird, unusual name where if you just hear Ferris Bueller's Day Off, you picture Cameron on the cover of the movie. You don't picture Matthew Broderick. I don't know what movie you're watching, but... Uh, I don't so- know <laughs> if I would go that far, no. I don't think... Well, I don't, I don't think I would... Well, Going back to train wrecks again, Colin, you just joined the club. Well done. 
I don't think I would ever. Welcome to the closet. I mean, all I see is that that image of of uh, Matthew Broderick lying down with his hands behind his head. And no, no. All... What, where where I'm going with it is with the name Ferris Bueller. You associate that somebody with the name Ferris Bueller to look like a person like Cameron. Not not. Uh, I got what you're saying now. I got yeah. it. There but was yet, a little last bit of exposition night. left out there. Yes. There was, uh, <laughs> it was just a little <laughs> missing piece there in that story. <laughs> but yet last night, Jamie said, would you let us have a fourth kid if I let you name it Ferris? And I said, I said we should name one of the first three kids Ferris. And you said, no, we're not getting a fourth chance at this. No, I've, I've, not, I've not pitched the name Ferris to Mallory, but I think I will. Um, so <laughs> I'm, so I've, I've always wanted to name my, uh, if we have a son, I've, my name's always wanted to be Enzo after Enzo Ferrari, the founder of Ferrari. I'm not allowed to have it as a first name. I'm allowed to have it as a middle name. But Ferris Enzo Waterworth... There's a, you know. Yeah, middle name is great bargaining, though. That's how I got hey. one of my kids with middle name Bond. Like, yeah. it works. Thank Just you. Like, middle name. One I'll of let my, you pick the first name. <laughs> one of my tenants actually gave his child a middle name of Danger. So he oh. gets to say, <laughs> Danger's my middle name. That's <laughs> awesome. Wow. Dude, you can give your kid his met my you you know my full name Daniel Patrick Martin Aloysius Foley. Give him all the names you want. Throw <laughs> I, Enzo in there, sure. You know, call you Aloysius. That's you know. Throw, <laughs> you know, throw throw Brunhilde in there. Why not? Just really mix it up a little bit. Can you? Can There's you a please, name that should make a throwback. Please go back on Survivor and change your name to Aloysius. I just want like props. Man, oh. Aloysius wins reward. <laughs> That's like a tribe name. You could be free of the Dan curse. Exactly. Get rid yeah. of the Dan curse. Bloody Dan's just terrible, right? Yeah. Um, so we're in Chicago now and uh, the, the day basically sort of the love letter to Chicago, all the Chicago landmarks. So Sears Tower, obviously now known as Willis Tower. When I went up the Willis Tower, I did this. I got up on the thing. And did you? My, yeah, I had to do it. Um, they've actually got the little, the jutted out bit now. So there's a glass bit you can stand out yeah. in anyway. Um, great. Like, and at the time of making this movie, when he says this is the tallest building in the world, that is true. That was the tallest building yes. in the world back in 1986. Um, Dan, uh, Mr. Trivia, can you tell me now what is the tallest building in the United States? What, what has eclipsed this building now as the tallest building? Ooh. You have got me on that one. I don't know. I wanted. I want to say it's uh, it's what replaced the World Trade Center, but I don't. You are correct. Uh, no, I, you I can't. Are, you are I don't correct. remember the name of it. It's a uh, uh, One World Trade Center. It's basically called now. They were going to call it Freedom Tower, but I think they just. Uh, That's right, it. Freedom Tower. Which I highly recommend anyone going to New York. It's it's a it's an experience in itself the way they've kind of done it there. Uh, what's the tallest building in the world, people? I'm I'm really into skyscrapers, so I just you know. <laughs> yeah, Khalifa. Yes, it still is the uh, the tallest in the world. This actually, the the Willis Tower is now it's dropped well down the list. It is now the twenty second tallest building in the world. They so, suck. Yeah. So, <laughs> lot, lot add of, a couple uh, more floors already. That's what I was just thinking. Let's <laughs> let's expand. And this actually is now the <laughs> third tallest building in the U.S. because another building in New York, the Central Park Tower, which was opened last year, has now eclipsed it. So, um, yeah, One World Trade Center followed by Central Park Tower 
followed by Willis Tower. And everyone still calls it Sears Tower. Who calls it Willis Tower? It's it's always going to be the Sears Tower. Bruce Willis Tower. That's what you can call it. Yeah, um, there you go. One, one little scene I like is sort of like the intersecting between the school and like Genie's reaction. I, I love it when this guy's like going through the halls like, save Ferris, save Ferris. And then I just you love Genie's. wench. I love, I love Genie's line of, go piss up a flagpole. It's like, what? And it's like, you heartless wench, maybe one day you need a favor from Ferris Bueller. <laughs> that was awesome random grace moment too i love when it's like uh what is it like uh sloan peterson's line on, on line one and watch your mouth this time <laughs> what, is, <laughs> what does he say like go sniff an egg or what does he say like he says something like his little comeback it's so childish um i can't remember yeah what he says. Yeah. I don't remember the line Come now. Come on, Dan, this is what you're here for, man. you got to, like, bring in the quotes. <laughs> Listen, um, you're dripping in trivia because of me, all right? You should come up with something. You're sitting in front of a damn computer, you wanker. Good what are you Lord. talking about, Dan? All these things that I look up are off the top of my head. I'd never look yes, up. Yes, so as you look off to the side and I can hear the keys. Oh, yeah. yeah that's, I don't yeah. have two monitors on either side of my name one. Um... <laughs> I love it when they drop the, the car off and you've got this, like, really sleazy... I love the sleazy car attendant. Oh, like, he's such uh, a greaseball. Oh, like, my yeah. God. Relax. Hey, you really got nothing to worry about. And he's, like, rubbing his steering wheel. And oh I love Cameron here. He's like, no, we're not leaving it here. Uh-uh. Well, nothing uh-uh. can happen to the car, no. Cameron. It could get scratched. Breathe scratched. on. A pigeon can <laughs> shit on it. <laughs> And and don't forget, there's a, hey, do you speak English? What country do you think this is? <laughs> that was, that's exactly the line I was thinking of. Well, one thing too, I, we've talked up a lot of Alan Rock and Matthew Broderick. I mean, yeah, me and Sarah, I, I don't know, was it you, Colin, who mentioned oh, yeah. it, uh, that like kind of never really appreciated her, like, she doesn't, like, let's be honest, she doesn't have a whole lot to do, but like what she does is so good and she's just got a way of just looking like i'm mean, not just because she's beautiful but just like her <laughs> facial reactions and just kind of she just kind yeah. of is there but like she does it in a way where you you connect with her you just you everything about her is great and again she's probably the least developed of all these three easily but i mean you, you know enough about her that you know she's a cheerleader clearly she's going to marry ferris um you know like kind of through all these talks that she has with cameron about sort of ferris and all these kind of things too so yeah, like, I mean, there's not a whole lot to her, but, um, yeah. And can I just say, Mia Sarah looking fantastic still today when she was on that reunion last year. She's she's still looking great. So, uh, And I'm saying this with not seeing a boobs in a Jean-Claude Van Damme. No. Movie. So <laughs> I did Google yeah, it when, and they kind of, yeah, nice pictures that I saw. But, when, um, when the movie was made, Alan Ruck was 29 years old in yeah. that movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, Ferris, I mean, uh, Matthew Broderick was 23. She was only 18. She was the only one that was high school age. And originally, John Hughes uh, wanted somebody significantly older because they thought they needed somebody with more maturity to actually play the role. He didn't know how old she was. And when he found (laughs) out that she was only 18, you know, of course, Jeffrey Jones was like, ah, 18, too old. But John Hughes was, you know... He was actually kind of, you know, he was actually really impressed with her. And that's why they cast her. And like you said, she was just, she was awesome in the role. She was just perfect. And she's, and she's really the female Ferris Bueller. Like them as a couple makes total sense because mm. 
she's toned down. You know, she's definitely not as much of a go-getter as him, but she's just as good of a con artist as he is. Like the, what she's doing when she's talking to Rooney, you know, and everything and her faking crying and she knows what's coming before he's even told her. Oh, 100%. Hey, take off school. Yeah. Like she, she gets she a jacket could, on when comes in the room and yeah. yeah but everything that he does, she's just as smooth. It's just that she's a little more toned down. Uh, I don't know. I think she's a great accomplice. I think she's, you know, she's the not uh, the initiative. Yeah, absolutely not. I think that she's she's got enough slickness to her to uh, to complement the moves, but I don't think she's the one that's going to start these. I don't think she's the one that's, you know, that's going to make the moves because otherwise, why did she need Ferris to get her out of school? Yeah. I do. The, the little bits I also love is like when she's with Rooney waiting outside, and she kind of like looks in, rolls her eyes, and then kind of like <laughs> that little line she says, like, "Mr. Rooney, Ed." You are a beautiful man. I want to thank you for your warmth and compassion. <laughs> like I just, and what, what does he say? Actually, I, as much as we shouldn't, you know, say positive things about Jeffrey Jones, I do actually really like him though when he's like talking to her and he's like ra- ra- random quotes. And then when he says like, if I had to take grief and nothing, I'll take grief. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah, her reaction is great. Yeah. Great. <laughs> um, we also get the, the Ferris's mum comes home and, you know, looks in the room and we see this set up, how he's kind of got this, um, the stereo with the snoring and the, the trophy. One thing I've got to say again, which doesn't really make sense, he's used a, a black mannequin here, which you can clearly see, like, the arm hanging out. Like... Maybe his Ferris. parents just don't see color like you, Ben. True. Yeah, racist. There you go again. God. Shit. Well, <laughs> anything worlds apart. Here we go. Rob Sestronino is going to have Fuck. to launch another special podcast because <laughs> of your racist attitude. Mike's going to message me again, isn't he? Mike's going to go. It's all about race with you, Ben. Shit. You're such a racist. You think it's Noah's awful. on this episode? I can't blame Noah for this one now. So, uh, <laughs> Speaking of racist. Now, did Noah. you guys recognize the mannequin, where it came from? I think you about to say, is this a famous mannequin? <laughs> wait, wait, hold on. I, I bet, was it played by Macca Foley? <laughs> <laughs> That's my other cousin, yeah. <laughs> the mannequin in the origin in the first opening scene with the parents, that mannequin was behind Ferris's door wearing the clothes that Ferris wore oh. to pick to, to pick Sloan up. Yeah, I, I remember as a teenager picking up on it at one point, being like, I think that's a mannequin in the background. Completely forgot, yeah. I didn't And it's wearing that. the clothes that Ferris put on, the, oh. the trench coat and the fedora. Interesting. <laughs> now, the only thing I noticed in the, the room is I noticed there was a Simple Minds post, which was the first time I yep. noticed that, yeah. kind of a, obviously a reference. To when he was time. dancing to I Dream of Genie, it's in the background, yeah. yeah. No, I didn't know. I'll have, to, I'll have to know. The one thing, actually, when we get to the, uh, the, the parade scene, there's a Jennifer Grey cameo, which I'm sure, Dan, you were going to tell us about. I'm stealing your thunder, but we'll... Uh, Go right ahead. We'll get to that. So, um, yeah, kind of sort of everything just intersecting here, obviously, between sort of their day off and they're doing things in Chicago to, to Rooney chasing them down to the mum trying to catch them out. Um, all the things that basically the, the kids are doing. So they go to the stock market, they go to a Cubs game, uh, they go to the art gallery, uh, they go out to a snooty restaurant uh, and... Snotty. Snoo- 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 <laughs> I'm going to get snooty, snotty. Um I love I love the fact that they just go and watch a stock market. Why not? And I love Cameron doing that. Sure. <laughs> oh, like that, that yeah. water droplet oh, thing. Water I drop. have tried and tried to do that. 
Which is real. Apparently, Alan Ruck can yes, do that. Yes, my, like my buddy can do that. Yeah, I I oh, can't do that. I'd, I I can't. Know. I have tried. It's And I love like this whole sequence here when like Ferris is just like, do you want to get married? Sure, today. <laughs> and I just, again, me and Sarah's reaction here, just I love the way she kind of does it. And then Alan Ruck steals the show. I'll give you two good reasons, my mother and my father. <laughs> They're married and they hate each other. And it's like, it's like the car. He loves the car and hates my mom. And he hates his wife, right. <laughs> and then he just goes back to... <laughs> I can't do it. Um, but that's that's but that's part of John Hughes's magic because yeah. he takes these these wonderful moments, you know, and then he ties it in with this whoa, holy crap moments, you mm-hmm. know, that can be really relatable. And then he just quickly whoop whoop, yeah. you know. And also it, all the other it, things too that I don't think I ever really like made much attention to, which is it's staring you right in the face, is like all the moments that Ferris like nearly gets caught, like like he should be caught a hundred and one times in this movie. Absolutely, the, the way it's played off, and like it's it's easy to kind of watch a a movie and you know kind of like oh that's a that's an obvious movie moment like oh movie's got a movie right it's it's so like coincidental that things happen but I would argue that everything that kind of is about to get Ferris caught then doesn't like it's done in a way where you don't roll your eyes and go, Oh, obviously that's going to happen. Right. Like it's done so cleverly. Like almost, uh, almost the only only one that I would, I would agree with you on every one of them, except for the fact that Ferris and the kids jumped into the taxi outside of Shea Louis. And then another taxi came right up right after it really in the middle of Chicago at noontime. I I say the nay nay. no, (laughs) I'm gonna. It was the no. '80s, Dan? Come on now. Yeah, maybe, <laughs> st- but still. Never no. back I'm then. gonna go with. Yeah, no. Still gonna I, go with no. I love like, I, and this is kind of the the one scene in the in the restaurant where kind of Ferris is about to lose it. Like you think Ferris is finally like he, and because even Sloan says like you're going too far, and then he has that great little monologue to the camera like. One, you, you can never go, go too, too far. far. And if I'm going to get caught, it's going to be like this guy. He pretends to be Abe Froman, the sausage king of Chicago. When I bought my Save Ferris t-shirt, I nearly bought the Abe Froman sausage king of Chicago t-shirt as well. <laughs> I will own a t-shirt that says that one day. Um, and I love this, this maitre d' guy. Like, he's just the epitome of snotty, snooty. Snotty? <laughs> and like, snotty. I love it. I love the line when he's at the table and Ferris is like, it's okay. Uh, it's moments like this that make it easier to deal with people like you. <laughs> what people like us can tolerate people yeah. like you. And Cameron's look, he does that real little like little smile at him. Um, and, and what's like, I love it when he has his monologue in the, um, the bathroom. Now, now, Dan, I've been to America several times. I can't say I've ever been to a, a upmarket restaurant in the U.S. Is this a yes. thing that you have, like, bathroom attendants? Like, what is this job? In, in very upscale bathrooms, yes. Uh, very somebody, upscale restaurants, yes. Somebody sits there and, like, waits for you to pee and give you a towel so they can get a tip? Like, what? Can I get a little help what? with the zipper, please, sir? <laughs> Well, the goal is is that they're not just there to attend to your needs. And I'm not saying reach around and shake it for you. I'm saying <laughs> they make sure that they, they give you a mint or they'll hand you a towel or they'll provide you with, with a hand sanitizer. But if you're – they also do it because now if you decide to shit on the floor or piss <laughs> on the wall or just leave a wad of toilet paper on the ground – somebody's watching you. So these upscale restaurants stay super nice because somebody's there to give you shit if you don't. 
literally. I just, my favorite part of that is that I understand, give somebody a mint after a meal. What are they doing in the bathroom? I was like, would you like a mint, sir? <laughs> yep. I, you know, I, <laughs> you know, in these upscale restaurants, you'd almost think, say, here's a plate of parsley. It's a natural <laughs> breath cleanser. Have that instead. Because I'm not going to eat a mint and then go out and eat creme brulee. That's just, just gross. We, we talked about um, another Matthew Broderick film, The Cable Guy. It just reminds me of The Cable yeah. Guy when Jim Carrey, like, um, takes over and bashes Owen Wilson up in the bathroom. <laughs> like, I'm just expecting him to, like, have this thing. But, I mean, the, the uh, nearly getting caught... This, this this is one of those ones where there's like, to me, there's no way that his dad didn't see him because Bueller's still in shot as his dad comes out of the, the cubicle. If you watch it, it's like, oh, he saw him. Come on. Um, but again, it's, it's this is the, the fun of this movie. You can nitpick at the things like this and like the time frame and everything, but like you just, you excuse it. You don't care because it's just, it's just funny. Suspension just, of disbelief. Yeah. And like, again, but the, we talk like character development is done so well in this movie because it's, it's all done by monologues and speeches. Like, you know, you learn what you learn about these characters because Ferris is telling you or you're going to get Cameron having a talk with um, Sloan here in a minute, basically because yeah. he's in the parade. Like it's just, it's just done so well that you know these characters without really knowing them except what people are telling us. Um, which is, yeah, like it's it's uniquely done in that way. Because if you kind of took that out of it, you don't get to know these characters at all. They're just having a day off school, you know. Mm-hmm. Well, Colin actually said something very apt about this where Cameron has the only actual character arc. And Sloane, her arc is, is very flat, but it's down here. Mm. Ferris's arc is way up here, but it's still flat. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, there's no real major development in the grand scheme of things. And I think he would have thrown himself on the sword for Cameron and the Ferrari, no matter what, because at the end of the day, Cameron is his best friend and he does care about him. But it's, it's very interesting how two 66% of the major characters in this movie have no character arc and are truly beloved. <laughs> really, you know, it's the character arc that tends to draw you into these characters, you know, from the movies that you're watching. And yet these two, especially Ferris, has no arc. And yet here we are 35 years later talking about a movie. And and it's also the way you care about these characters and the fact that, you know, you just get a couple of lines here where they're talking about graduating and, and what's going to happen in the future and that. But like, this is where going back to our point about there being a sequel, I'm glad there's never been a sequel and I hope they never do anything with this movie because like it's one of these movies where we all can interpret in our head what these guys are going to get to afterwards. Correct. We can, we can joke yeah. about Cameron getting murderless, but like I remember watching this movie for the first time and still to this day, every time I watch this movie, I'm legitimately caring enough for these characters that I'm thinking like, oh, and this is what they're going to do. This is when they're going to graduate. This is what they're going to, you know, and just, I don't want a sequel to tell me what they got up to after. This is one you of those movies need where to be I le- yeah, I don't want to know. You I don't need to, to be spoon-fed. You know, yeah. a lot of these movies, you know, the plot line, just leave them alone. Yeah. Let the you know, let the audience put their own conclusions. And sometimes that's good. Yeah. Sometimes I want to be spoon-fed because I need some closure. I need some answers. But in this one, no. No, yeah. they should you're right. They should, you know, first of all, anytime they take 35 years to make a sequel, it's going to suck. But yeah, this movie sh- this movie shouldn't have a sequel. It and never a, should have. 
it's one of those things too where it's like, and again, this isn't me trying to be a dick. People age, people get older, they look different. But like, it's kind of watching that reunion. Like you, you look at them and like, Matthew Broderick's older, Alan Ruck's older. I mean, they're all older. And like, right. I, I want this to be this time capsule in my head of looking at these Correct. guys and this yeah. period in their lives. Like, and I don't want to see like, I love Dumb and Dumber. Dumb and Dumber made my top 50 of all time. And, and the sequel was better than I thought it was going to be, but it still wasn't great. And a lot of that was sucked, right? you had Jeff Daniels and Jim Carrey trying to be the same characters from 20 years ago, but they look significantly older. So it's a little bit awkward. And that's kind of what I feel this would be that like, even like we talked about this Colin in Bill and Ted, right? That like, you know, they look older. They kind of can act the same, but they're still part of that movie where you're going, well, they're definitely older. It's not quite the same. So, and that's right. what I would not want with this movie. I, I, I don't care if they are perfectly on point to what they were 35 years ago, but they're still going to look older and it's it not. It won't have the magic. The it just, yeah. it just won't have it, you know? Yeah. And I, I say the same thing about music. You know, I've talked about, you know, a lot of these 80s stars are trying to come back and, and, and do their thing. And part of me is like, I don't want to see these people because I remember them when I went and saw them. I saw Pat Benatar on her Get Nervous tour, 1984, here in Portland, Maine. Well, she hadn't been back to Maine since then, but she came back in 2014. And I'm like, oh, I don't know if I want to see her because I'm going to remember what she was versus what she is. And I went and saw her anyway. And she was pretty good. She still had a lot of her musical range. She lost her, her mezzo range. Um, but, and I'm like, yeah, I don't want to see him. I, I don't, don't want to see people anymore like that. I want to remember them the way that I saw them. And, and that's a great analogy. Um, they just, you see these people and you have such an incredibly quotable, iconic movie like Ferris Bueller's. And if you, if you try to do it again, you, you, lightning doesn't strike twice in the same place, so to speak. You're just, you're not going to have the same magic and you're going to tarnish the image of the original. You're going to harm the original when you do it. I mean, you know, I mean, movies like Carrie to the rage granted did so much for the first Carrie movie, but stop, just don't, don't do that. You know, another reason why this doesn't need a sequel is because a sequel wouldn't work as Ferris Bueller. You could make a Cameron sequel if you wanted to, but for Ferris, it's not even just that, you know, his characters don't have a story arc. Ferris Bueller's day off, this is just one of his days off. You don't get the impression, even at the end of this, when he flops down in bed and he's like, like that was a close one. You don't even get the impression that this is that unusual of a day for him. This is just one of many days. How do you make a sequel when this is just the life he leads? The reason this movie works so well is because you're looking at a character who is having the most insane day ever and it doesn't phase him. His pulse never increases. It's just like, yeah, nice day off, whatever. Which is, it's, it's, if this movie was made, you know, 30 years later, 20 years later, that, I mean, the classic example I'm thinking right now is The Hangover. The Hangover, the first one was just perfect how it was. It was a great movie. And then they got greedy and did a second and a third one and they were the Correct. same movie. And again, like, doing the same movie is not always a bad thing. I'm a Jurassic Park fan. All four sequels are the same movie as the first yeah. one. But, like, you, you do a separate spin on it, it can be slightly different. The Hangover was just one of those movies where literally the second one was exactly the same as the first movie right. in Thailand, and the third one was sort of the same with a little bit different. Um, right. And that, that hurts the original movie yeah. too because if the original Thank movie, look, it's so shocking, now you've delivered two other movies, the first one's no longer shocking. Yeah. Exactly. Right, you water everything down. And that's exactly what I was saying, Colin, and I couldn't agree with you more. It, it truly, it does. It ends up taking away from the magic the original had 
because you just you got greedy, you just thought you could make an extra buck, whatever. Just no, no, just and leave it alone. And so it's it's seeming like like I I feel as though like I mean we did go through this huge period of reboots and remakes and all that sort of stuff, and like it hasn't gone away. It's still there, but I feel that a lot of the nostalgia stuff can happen now where, I mean, it's weird that the pandemic almost helped it, that we had all these cast reunions and zoom things and kind of people longing for it. And I feel like a lot of that, like has maybe also preserved some of this now that like, we can still be talking about Ferris Bueller. It's always going to be talked about. It's one of these things that whenever, I mean, look at friends, for example, like friends is just, you know, it's making more money now, I think in syndication than it ever did when it was on air. And yeah, they're doing a reunion as, as such, but it's it's mainly like, let's get the cast together and talk about it. They're not filming new things, which is I think what people want and they'll never do it. Right. But like, like it's one of these products that lives on forever without needing something new. And I think that kind of Ferris Bueller is in that category. This will live forever as such an iconic movie, as such an iconic piece of entertainment and that I, I think the majority of people out there would agree that we do not need a sequel, we don't need a spin-off, we don't need mm. a prequel, we don't need anything. Like, it's fine. Like, just leave it. The TV show was obviously didn't work. So right. <laughs> both of both them. Both of them didn't work. <laughs> both of them. So, anyway, um, I love the, the yeah the baseball game. I, I yeah that's you already mentioned it when <laughs> Rooney's he's just gotten squirted by that girl. <laughs> What's the score? <laughs> nothing, nothing. Who's winning? Wow, that, uh, that sounded that sounded way worse than I think what you intended it to be, dude. That is I left uh, it open <laughs> for you, Dan, because I knew Colin would get that. That's a sex reference. Colin and here we go understand. with another special podcast with Rob Sesternino. It's uh, <laughs> perfect. Is Rob Sesternino allowed to mention sex on his podcast, or is it too family friendly? Like. I, I think know. it's too family friendly for him. Yeah. 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 So you listen to the Oz Network. We talk about squirting. That's what we do. Well, that's because, Colin, you know, he's lame. And- when a- ask Jamie. <laughs> Jamie will be able to tell you what squirting is. Uh, she does it every time she watches Keanu Reeves. Um, but- no. <laughs> uh, Dan, are you, are you a baseball fan? Who's your team? Uh, not really a baseball guy. It's like watching paint dry to me. It's okay. just boring as hell. Yes. The only thing that I truly enjoy about baseball is George, is, uh, George Carlin's football versus baseball routine. And that's about as far as my baseball fandom goes. I, I will say that I'm a White Sox fan. So I just want to say boo Cubs go White Sox. Um, wow. So racist. Why does it have to be white? That is, you know, just, so racist, I'm that racist, dude. It rubs off. Me. You are from, clearly from, uh, yeah. from Colin. I was about to say Colin. racist. No, it's more fodder <laughs> for Rob Sestranino. That's just so bad. I have, I feel weird though with uh, like because Colin I feel we're coming soon to the Oz Network we're doing twenty four and we, I want to get a cubby I want to get a Cubs mug to for, yeah. in honor of Tony Almeida so uh, maybe I'll have to <laughs> bite the bullet for that one but I, I I feel that we all need to give a hey bada 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 swing bada. swing bada bada which which I thought was like a thing but it, like according to what I watched on the reunion that. Alan Ruck just had a friend who did this, or he did this. Like this was an Alan Ruck thing. This isn't actually a. I thought this was a traditional baseball thing that Americans did, but apparently this was an Alan Ruck thing that he did when he played baseball with a friend. He started. No, we, it. We, wow. <laughs> we did. We did that you playing do. baseball growing up. But was this we, before we'd, we'd or be after Ferris Bueller? Before. Okay. Went back in the seventies when I was. <laughs> Alan Ruck played line. little league. <laughs> well, no, maybe he's just unaware. Maybe, maybe, but I, I see. I when we played baseball, this- we were, yeah. The coach would yell at us to chatter, so we'd be out in the field, you know, just yelling, you know, all, all kinds of just dumb things, trying to distract the batter. 
That's hey, a that's a fairly common thing. Better, better swing. Were you you good at swing, baseball? Better, better, better. What what were you? What was your position? What's that? Were you good at baseball? What did you do? Oh, uh, oh no no no! I was I was uh, below. I was in the suck category, so they would <laughs> stick me up in right field. Um, yeah, I was horrible. Yeah, I got I got one hit in three years of playing little league. I was awful. You you, you were I the Marla Hooch. A lot of night games. Oh. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I should have been the I should have been the mascot. Yeah. It's um, yeah. this. It's funny because like, I only knew this because of Ferris Bueller, but then I think I would have seen the Mighty Ducks before Ferris Bueller. So this just always reminds me yeah. of Aveman from the Mighty Ducks. Hey, batter, batter, swing, batter. Aveman, this is hockey. There's no goalie. Hey, goalie, 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 goalie. Say, hey, goalie. That <laughs> <laughs> just reminds me of the Mighty Ducks. Uh, but I, I yeah, love it. The, the, you go. Please go, Dan. You're the guest. The only the only thing that uh, that made me feel good about getting that one hit was the uh i was just a guaranteed strikeout whenever i went up to the plate but the one hit i got boy the pitcher from their team never heard the end of it never heard the end of it to this day they they know who you are now so you know yeah yeah i I I did i did and we made the championship game we'd we'd won every game we made it the only time of my sporting my steam sporting career i ever made a final of anything and we'd we'd won every single game and we lost the fucking final so (laughs) <laughs> I think I even struck out in T-ball. I was that bad. So, you know. That's that's pretty sad right there. Yeah, Colin, did yeah. you ever play baseball? I did. Yeah, we well, we had T-ball like you did, uh, but we were living in the metropolis of LaSalle, Manitoba at the time, uh, <laughs> where I think we had enough players to make up two teams for just the LaSalle League. Wow. I don't remember ever winning a championship. <laughs> It was the same thing in soccer. We had two teams and I never won a championship. So I must have been bad at both. Yeah. <laughs> I, I want to see like this footage of everyone here playing baseball because I don't know if it would really... Uh, oh, for Patreon. Up. We'll do it yeah. for Patreon. <laughs> I do. I, I love it though when like, nice. everyone's doing the, the hey about about us and then he goes, he can't eat, he can't eat, he can't eat. <laughs> and then like, yeah. he broke... And what is that? Um, is like, I think I broke I my think thumb. I broke my thumb. <laughs> and then there was, again, like the TV, how kind of like you see him catch it and Rooney's looking down and he looks up and yeah. then it's it. And so I think... And the screen um, changes, yeah. Dan, I don't know if you have the trivia here, but I remember reading this that this was a real game but it wasn't like it couldn't be when they filmed it or like yeah yeah no the what they what rooney saw on tv was was a different game than they were actually at they were two separate broadcasts because I'm mean, reading here, the Cubs game depicted in the movie that Ferris and Friends at was an actual game played against the Atlanta Braves on June 5th, 1985. Um, and... But it couldn't even be June in this movie because he says he's still a few months away from graduating. Does baseball even start that early? Correct. Yeah, I think that was another one of the right. things but where the... they were like, it, it doesn't work out. So mm-hmm. um, also John Hughes, but not again, a Cubs the... fan. John Hughes yep. is a White Sox fan, but... He no. uh, couldn't do it for the White Sox because the Sox rarely played day games in 1985. So Correct. Smart man, John Hughes. May he rest in peace. Um, so uh, also, like, um, I love it that the line when he goes like, hey, you realize if we played by the rules, we'd be in gym right now. And I was that little laugh <laughs> they both do. They kind of go like, hey. And I've never noticed it before until just <laughs> watching. Sloane is studying. She's sitting there, like, studying. She's doing a homework or something like that when they're talking really? about baseball. Yeah. I think she was just that. reading a book. 
<laughs> just just bored basically the the one that's four- a thing with pages and words in it ben yeah i don't know what that means the two baseball games <laughs> yeah. i've been to have both involved like this is a survivor connection so the first baseball game i ever went to was Uh-oh. in san francisco and i got to about the fourth inning and yao man was uh i was meant to meet up with yao man and he was like, oh, yeah, I'll wait till after the game. But then, randomly, John Carroll was in San Francisco at the time. So I left the game halfway through to go out and have drinks with Yao Man and John Carroll. <laughs> Yao Man picked me up outside of the, the stadium. <laughs> and then the second game I went to in San Diego for the Padres, I went with Purple Kelly. And her friend, yep. partner at the time, got us, like, these great seats, like, just behind home plate and stayed for the whole game. That was against the Cubs, actually. Um, it was uh, That was entertaining. So... I have survivor connections to baseball. Here I am talking about baseball with another survivor. So just. Wow. It's amazing, Ben. You are connected. Where the names are. <laughs> yeah. I know Dan Foley. I believe He's that's got called a cousin humble... who was in Ghost. I believe that's called. <laughs> I was going to say. Who do you know from Ghost, Ben? <laughs> yeah. Survivor's... Thank you, Colin. I appreciate that nod. Cousin was in it. Um, <laughs> oh, but wait a minute. He's interviewed Kevin Bacon. So, you know, it's, you know, I'm, I'm beneath him. The, the only ben, do you want to bought- know? I, I'm going to, I'm going to take over here for a second. I, I got to tell you the Kevin Bacon story, which is Ben's man crush, his favorite actor, whatever you want to call it. Uh, so the real story behind the Kevin Bacon interview is that he tried for years and eventually uh, played the angle of, he was going to interview the Bacon brothers band. Now there was a stipulation okay. That if he was going to, if he had to be focused on the music, and if he was going to ask Kevin any questions about his movies, he had to ask an equal amount of questions about Kevin Bacon's brother of something unrelated. So Ben basically had time to ask Kevin Bacon one question about one Kevin Bacon movie. And the movie he picks, The Air Up There. Of anything you could ask Kevin Bacon about is the air up there, the one where you're like, that's no, my the movie. I need movies to know. Of all time, Colin. Shut up. The air up there is brilliant. The air up what? there. <laughs> oh, you suck at life, Ben. You're just bad at it. I am oh, only got to be kidding me. In history, to bring up the air up there with Kevin Bacon. Even back in 1994, no one talked to him about the air up there. Yeah. Oh my lord! You sh- you know something? I'd rather talk to him about tremors. What is wrong with you? <laughs> I, I, I was either the air up there, the river wild, or the following. They were the three things that I was tossing up between what I would talk to him about. Um, and I God, uh, no, no the shame. The air up there—that is awesome. No shame. And See, that's the sad part. You're not even you're not even smart enough to be ashamed, and you should be. <laughs> That's the sad part. I, I'm not ashamed. I mean, this is a guy that is longest interview in his life is with you. What shame do I have? Okay, that's fair. That is fair. I mean, come on. Yeah, I got nothing. I got nothing. That is a hundred percent fair. We yeah. we, we treat when, back in the radio show days. We basically treated Kevin Bacon like a god. We had a we had a picture of him hanging up in the studio, which we would basically every morning be like, "Praise be thy bacon." We cho- we joined the yeah. Church of Bacon. <laughs> <laughs> and it was, yeah. it was, we would bring in guests. We'd have like the premier of Tasmania in basically talking to him about Kevin Bacon. Like, Kevin Bacon, talk to us about what he's doing. <laughs> um, and like, I would play any angle and it worked. It worked. Colin, when we do 24, if the only way we can get Keeper Sutherland on is to talk about his music and not allowed to talk about 24, we're going to take it, aren't we? Like, come on. Granted, but you. <laughs> 
could have talked about any Kevin Bacon movie for that one question. It was the fact that the air up there was the one that- When was oh, the last time you watched the air up there? That was the go-to, yeah. When was the last time you watched it? I, br- I got to listen to the interview again, but I'm pretty sure Kevin Bacon's response to that was something like, yeah, yeah, I made that movie once upon a time. <laughs> Even he was like, was I in the air up there? The, the question was, was that I was, it was music related. I said, have you guys ever thought about calling one of your songs the Jimmy Dolan Shake and Bake? And he laughed. <laughs> I made Kevin Bacon oh laugh God, about hysterical. the Jimmy Dolan Shake and Bake. Come on. Basketball movies. <laughs> Shut up, Colin. Watch the Maybe I'll do that instead of oh Canadian my. Bacon for our audience choice month. So, Well, maybe you should, okay? <laughs> we haven't done a Kevin Bacon oh movie yet. Oh, my God. That is so funny. For shame. Anyway, Ferris Bueller's Day Off. Um, so Rooney rocks up to the house. You're the guy who ask Matthew Broderick about the road to Wellville. <laughs> I'll talk to him about Inspector Gadget. <laughs> Kevin Bacon was not in uh, Ferris Bueller's Day Off. No, he wasn't in that. He should be. That would have if, if Kevin Bacon was in this movie, I'd like this more than Jurassic Park. Let's be honest. Um, Rooney Is Kevin Bacon the- an Avenger now? Well, he was in an X-Men he movie. A, he was an X-Men villain. That's close. Yeah. So... No, the the line Mantis had. Mm. Oh yes, no, you're right. Uh, yes, from... Kev- yeah, 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 in Guardians of the Galaxy, right. of course. Sorry, yes, flat, flat out. Uh, uh, no, it was in uh, uh, no, it was in Infinity Wars when uh, Thor got to the ship. But they, they were brought up initially. The about first the... Guardians, the first Guardians, though, is when Chris Pratt brings up the Kevin Bacon laugh. So it was an ongoing joke. Oh yes, yes, yeah, yeah. Sorry. Yeah, Dan, come on, get your facts right. You're on the Oz Network. We're a very fact-filled podcast. I wasn't quoting that movie. I was quoting Infinity War. Stop so making excuses. Your shit That's together, what you've done. Sir. I'm not Jeff Probst. Okay. I'm not grilling you on your. Oh, exactly right. Tell us what your t-shirt says this time, Dan. I've got some unedited footage to play, Dan. That's right. Go ahead, pick on my t-shirt. Go ahead. Look at look as much of douche as Des Probst does. Go right ahead. Has Has Dalton Ross asked you to do an interview yet? <laughs> <laughs> you know, oddly enough, no. I can't believe that. No, on, no interest in it. Jeez, emergency podcast Whatever. is happening. Um, actually, no, we're going to have yep. an emergency podcast. <laughs> you guys are doing There it is. More fodder for you, Ross. <laughs> um, so Rudy shows up. We get the uh, the door, the automated uh, doorbell, which is quite funny. <laughs> I like that. Um, we get the art scene, which again, I'm so sad that I never had the time to go to the art gallery in Chicago, but I will do that one day. And I just, you with I, art. I, I, yes. Yes. Ha ha. I don't like art. I'm dumb. But like, <laughs> but I just, this whole, like the, the music that like that theme that they play in this, the background and yeah. The holding of the hands, and then even the nice little moment between Sloan With and the Ferris kids. when they're kissing in front of like that bit, and then just this zoom in of like Cameron yeah. and this like it it makes no sense, but it's brilliant at the same time. Like yeah. it's just I think it's meant to be now from what I I read or watched, it's meant to be Cameron sees himself in this girl, uh, because the girl is like smaller than a parents. Or like being what like the way the, the interpreting that I don't know art I don't know how you interpret paint but like basically he's staring in this because he's connected to this girl I don't know Dan where's your fucking trivia man I actually to help. I saw it a little differently personally and again this all goes back to interpretation of movies and you fill in your own blanks kind of thing I think he saw this um, in a longing way because it was like this picture perfect 
type of situation where there were families and they were having picnics and there was a mother that was connecting to a daughter or more specifically a child. And I think Cameron was looking at that, just wondering what that felt like. How does it feel to have a parent that truly cares about you to take you for a walk in the park on a beautiful day? That again, that was just my Deep. personal Deep, take from that. <gasps> oh, dear Lord. Uh Oh, something's happened. <laughs> my <bu> <laughs> <laughs> that, that that escalated very quickly. It's like this is what happens. Oh dear lord! Um, Dan Foley's gone silent. We're not sure if he's alive, people. <laughs> Dan Foley might have just had a heart attack. Um, Rob Sesternino has come for him. Emergency podcast, literally he's, the whole nine one one. He's currently under a hood and in cuffs in the back of a minivan. <laughs> Dan Foley has finally been mean to. Uh, <laughs> Um, Colin, how did you interpret the painting scene? <laughs> I was going to say the same thing as Dan. I think, you know, I never stare at the painting long enough to actually really think about what it is. Cause like you, I'm not going to look at a painting and be like, oh, this is what the meaning of that painting is. But I assume because everything around Cameron revolves around, you know, the relationship with his father, that uh, it was supposed to be about the child there and this happy child. The look on Alan Ruck's face, though, like mm. he has the ability in this movie to be both really dark and really depressing and funny. There isn't a moment in this movie where you don't want to cry for this kid and laugh at him at the same time. Yeah, no, I, I completely agree. And... um. I don't know. Like I just, I always just loved it. I used to, this is one of those scenes. There was two scenes I would always rewind in this movie and just watch over again. It was the, the introduction of the Ferrari. And then it was this scene. I don't know. I just always love this scene. Like just the music and the way it's all set up. It's, it's so random, but I just, can you I imagine the scene with ooh, oh, oh, playing the <laughs> well, set? <laughs> I was imagining it with Jeffrey Jones staring at the little girl on the painting. And then this <laughs> took a whole different turn, but, um, like I, I, I think when I went to Chicago, we only had like four days, whereas I think everywhere else we had more days. Like we had five in, uh, in Toronto and I think we had a week in New York and like five in LA. So, um, I think we had one less day in Chicago, but we did all like the, you know, the Willis tower, you know, the, the museums or through the T-Rex and kind of did all these other things. But like for the life of me, I can't remember why I didn't go to the art museum. Cause like, this was like number one, nearly on my list of things I have to do. Like I have to recreate, like I, I think I Googled it. I'm like, Oh, is this real? Like, is this a real painting? I'm like, yes, it's, Google talks to me now, apparently. Um, it, it, it was all like, you know, this is a real, and this is a painting. This is really in the Art Institute of Chicago or whatever it's called. And like, I just feel like this is the thing. If you and Jamie go to Chicago, I'll just tag along for your 10th anniversary. <laughs> and we're just going to like do a video recreating Ferris Bueller's day off. Like we're, we're going to yeah. go to the, we're going to go to Willis Tower. We'll go to a Cubs game. We'll go to the, you're going to watch Jamie change by the pool. I already uh, know where they're going with this. <laughs> I, I mean, that's the only reason why I want to do this. So, you know, kind of going along those lines, but I mean, I'm sure like if you went onto YouTube, people have done this, people have recreated yeah. Ferris Bueller's day off. I'm sure it's not an original idea. We are the Oz Network whenever we ever come up with an original idea. But um, yeah, I mean, I just, I don't know. Like I just, I regret to this day and I haven't been back to Chicago. I've connected in an airport. I haven't been back to the city since, but just this is seen. Just staring at the, mm. the painting and just, oh, the song. I would say Dan's gone. So I think Dan's died. Um, <laughs> we may have actually killed Dan Foley. So, um, you know, it wasn't George Lazenby who was next. It was Dan Foley. I, I don't know whether to apologize or whether or not like listeners are going to be happy. Like, now can we get Macafoley on the line? If we yeah. get Macafoley on the line to finish this off. 
I think McAfee <laughs> dead too, isn't he? So um, <laughs> we're, we're, let's plow along, and we'll get this. Might shorten the episode slightly. Uh, so. <laughs> slightly, we're done already. This was quick. <laughs> um, we we get to the um, the parade scene now. Actually, no, we missed the, the we've missed the uh, the taxi scene where uh, we we're side by side with uh, Ferris's dad, and we've got Sloane kind of giving giving the kissy face, which again is another one of these kind of like plot holes. Like, why doesn't the dad recognize Ferris's somewhat serious uh, girlfriend? But I think that's kind of like the joke, isn't it? Because like. How many times in this movie does he see Ferris clear as day, kind of turn his head and then go back? And like, mm. I don't know. Do you interpret that? My, my, no, my interpretation is more going back to uh, uh, the scene where Grace is being asked, oh, who does Sloan, uh, Rooney's asking Grace, who does Sloan date now? And she goes, oh, I don't know. It's so hard to keep up with these things. I do see her with Ferris Bueller a lot. So I don't think that they've really been together long enough for you know her to necessarily be at his house. And if she is, you know, yeah, the other thing is the dad's just kind of oblivious, but it probably has more to do with the fact that, like, even at the school, they don't necessarily know that this is his girlfriend. Other things, too, which I, I don't think, I, like, it's only sort of now you start to see it is at the at Wrigley Field, you have the save Ferris on the scoreboard. You've got mm-hmm. um, the dad reading the paper where it's got, like, uh, community rallies around sick youth. <laughs> um, you're going to see the save Ferris balloon. you got later on at the cop station, like, oh, you know, all the boys here at the station are pulling for him. Like, yeah. I, I, I love this. Like, this is a thing that, again, people complain about being a plot hole, right? They're like, well, how do the parents, like, oblivious to this? Like, he's literally reading a newspaper and, like, how is this a thing? But, like, I think that's part of the, the fun funniness of this is that, like, the parents are so oblivious to like this, this passion the community have just, and like that's just the joke. Like that, this whole community yeah. is rallying around him that he's not sick, and it's just, it's one of these things that again, it doesn't make sense. It's kind of dumb, but it's fucking hilarious. And like literally, mm-hmm. you've got say Ferris, the front page of the newspaper, community rallies <laughs> around sick youth, uh, all these mm-hmm. kind of things like that, which is is so funny. And Dan's back. Hello, Dan. Welcome back. You didn't die. <laughs> so very sorry about that. Yeah, well, so you should be. Like, we're paying you a lot of money for this, and we want our money's worth. I, wait a minute, I'm getting paid for this? Yeah, we Holy worked crap. it out with our lawyers. Did you hear it? Did he you was get the this email? close to he was this close to replacing you with Lindsay Lohan in a filter. Yeah, I was actually going to get Shireen on. Funnily enough, you know, I was just, oh, I was that's just, it. I'm out. I'm yeah. done. See you yeah. later. Yeah, I've got connections. Don't worry. Um, yeah, we're just, clearly. We're just, we've just covered the taxi bit and then we're just set to the, the best bit of the movie, maybe the parade, um, which oh. this was, so it was a genuine parade that they filmed uh, on one day and then they came back the next day to film more because they didn't get what they needed. Um, but, I mean, this, you talk about iconic scenes, Ferris Bueller singing Donkashe, which I've never realised how many times you hear this song in this movie? Everyone hums this song in this movie. Like mm-hmm. it's, it's yes. absolutely ridiculous. Um, Ferris then, sings it to the shower head in the shower. Yep. Genie. Uh, Rooney is actually humming it when yep. he's on the phone. So is his mum. Ferris's mum, I think, when she's coming down the stairs. Genie sings it later on as well. Uh, mm-hmm. So there's at least like four characters are like singing or humming this, and then it yeah. kind of comes in the parade and then we get uh now shake it up baby now shake it up baby twist that shirt come on everyone twist that a lot shirt. of the people that a lot of the people that were filmed in that were um actual just people out in yeah. the crowd yeah. they were they had nothing to do with the movie um and the jennifer gray cameo so if you if you're watching it carefully the woman 
who is like, she's got glasses on and she kind of looks like an older woman. That's Jennifer Grey. And apparently, because Jennifer Grey wasn't involved in a lot of the movie, like she didn't do a lot of her scenes with any of the cast. So she was feeling left out. So she, on the day of the parade, she went in costume and basically didn't tell John Hughes or anyone that she was doing it. (laughs) And she went around the set and like was known as the autograph person. She was like literally got autographs and she had security (laughs) have to like keep her away from set because she was just doing it deliberately to piss everyone off. And then she ended up being in the movie because of this like makeup. They didn't recognize her. Um, so that's a fun little, uh, I, I like her a lot more now. And I like, I, I, I went off her after watching Dirty Dancing, but then I realized she was in this and it's a much better movie. Uh, so I love that story. Oh, I didn't know you. Dan, yeah. you knew that story. I did not know that story actually. Oh, about trivia, but, but I Dan. do agree with you. You did. <laughs> Excellent. I win. I, I did win think episode. Dirty Dancing was a terrible movie though, but. Well, that's why you're on this show. Um, we Maybe we'll do Dirty Dancing Redux just with Dan. I yelled for three hours of that episode, Dan. I just yelled. I'm like, why? Oh, yeah. You like, know seriously. what other movies should be in that Dirty Dance? You know what other movies should be in that Dirty Dancing category, if you, the emoji that's what we're going to call it, is Pretty Woman. I've never seen Pretty, Pretty Woman. Pretty Woman belongs in that. Yeah, any, listen, there is no such thing as the hooker saves the day. Okay, stop. <laughs> Just right there. That's all. That's Speaking it. of personal I mean, experience, that's, that's the whole. <laughs> no, I've only heard such things. You know, it's it's like, was it uh, the comedian Natasha Leggero was talking about being in Vegas and seeing all the bros that are out there and heard this one guy going, slip with a prostitute last night. I slept with a prostitute. Slipping with a prostitute is like getting a bag of Doritos out of a vending machine. There's no challenge to it. There's no there's no skill there. Why are you bragging about this? Well, well, tell that to Colin. He might lose his virginity one day. So um, <laughs> maybe. I, I, I don't know. I do like What I mean, is with Ben ranking on Colin and his wife, man? You really have never listened to our show before, have you? From somebody from it's, Australia? Really? I, Seriously? I you today. should you should listen to our Bond podcast where me and our other co-hosts do much worse things making fun of Ben. <laughs> yeah, so, it's just it goes around depending I, on the I, show. I, I missed an episode recently because I talked about this thing called a book. I don't know what it is. Apparently I've heard about them. You read them or something yes. so my revenge yes, this old old-fashioned thing my revenge on the next episode was that i played die another day by madonna over 30 times to piss them off <laughs> and it was great <laughs> oh. it was so good don't you start ripping on die another day evil, mr Polly. you can get off this episode too. <laughs> oh i'm gonna rip on madonna's version yes i am that's as horrible. opposed to shelly oh. bassey's version or <laughs> ben waterworth Colin Hilding's version, if you sign yes, up to our Patreon on 007. Um, I don't know what can be said. I mean, this parade is iconic. Um, I mean, it's great. I, I love all the, like, the... I love, like, Ferris's dad dancing in the window. I love that random guy who's, like, doing the shake. He kind of reminds me of the Dr. No dancing yep. doing the shake. Cameron yeah. doing a bit of a dance. Uh, just everyone getting involved. And the thing is that I, I really like about this, too, is that they... Like, this is the one scene where it's like, Ferris should be caught right now. Like, there's no way he's not going to get caught. But I love that line that they basically say later on when they're like, no, no one, one I know will be here. Mm-hmm. And like, and what does he say? Like, and Cameron's yeah. like, my mum would have seen it. I don't care about your mum. Like, it's just, it's just a passing right. line, which works. It explains it away. And 
Ah, it's just, it's so good. And like, it's, you've also got that line of dialogue I was talking about before where you learn a bit more about Ferris when Cameron's talking to, to Sloane about kind of like Ferris, you know, what, what sort of guy he is. Just everything about this is great. Maybe I'll just kind of cap it here and I'll end the movie after this. I'll go through everything. But I don't know. I feel like we need to talk about the, uh, the parade and everything that's happening before this. Let's go to you, Colin, again. Give, hit me with your best shot. Was that Pat Benatar no, as well? Pat, that yeah. is Pat Benatar. Very good, Ben. <laughs> Pat Benatar. Pat Benatar. Um, oh, it's coming soon. <laughs> Love is a battlefield. Uh, I want in. I want in on that one, dude. <laughs> well, on the line right now is Pat Benatar. <laughs> Pay for her on cameo. <laughs> Let's see if she's on um, cameo. So- Let's get get something for Dan. Sorry, keep going, Colin. <laughs> So interesting. Uh, again, I don't know why I, you know, haven't watched more Mia Sarah stuff or because a lot of these movies here I've seen um, or heard of at least and just haven't gotten around to. Uh, but uh, what she's done outside of acting, maybe the greatest thing ever. Uh, she was married to Jason Connery, the son of Sean Connery. Sean Connery was her father-in-law, Ben. Wow. Like um, immediately. And of course they divorced and now she's oh. married to uh, Jim Henson's son, Brian I was Henson. George Lazenby's son. <laughs> so, well, she, she traded up from, she traded up from being in the Connery family to being in the Muppet family, which is kind of weird, but still, I mean, she's married to two very interesting families. Why uh, also, she was Sean f- Connery's son. Like you would be in danger. <laughs> I, don't, I would not call that trading up. Little that is not, that is, <laughs> that is not trading up, dude. That is absolutely I mean, a step. Yeah. Backwards. Bond or, yeah. or Kermit as your father-in-law. <laughs> <laughs> but, but here's here's the real good thing. She was the first ever live-action Harley Quinn in a short-lived Birds of Prey TV show, which we talked about when we did the uh, Birds of Prey recap um, a couple months ago. She played, uh, I don't know if she became Harley Quinn on the show or if it was just a guest spot setting it up, but the original Harley Quinn was Mia Sarah, which is interesting. Wow. Um, but, wow. Uh, yeah, a couple things here uh, that you sort of touched on. The mannequin, you know, um, I'm not worried about its race so much, but uh, there is the second time that uh, the mom opens the door. The arm is clearly like dangling almost off the bed, clearly a mannequin's arm. Uh, but I, it's the whole setup that makes him. That's what I love about Ferris Bueller as a character is that he doesn't do anything small, you know, and they don't reveal it to the audience right off the hop. You don't have him saying, okay, I'm going to have this in case somebody rings the doorbell, this in case somebody calls the answer machine, this in case somebody opens the door. The fact that they reveal it. So each time, it, like you mentioned, Ben, it, there's all these close calls. And as an audience member, you're always like, oh, he's going to get caught. And then you realize, no, he's one step ahead of everybody in this movie. So the fact that you don't know about the doorbell until somebody rings the doorbell and you're like, oh no, he's in trouble. You don't know about the the answering machine. You don't know about the 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 trophy weighing down the the door and the mannequin, you know? They just re- reveal it to you. But yes, that mannequin's arm, very obviously black and very obviously a mannequin hanging out of the blanket. Um, but it's the whole picture. That's 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 the theme of Ferris Bueller. Like you said, who's how's anybody going to believe that I was in a parade? You know, uh, how's anybody going to believe that I could pull off an answering machine and intercom, uh, changing my absences at school, all this stuff. Uh, I love that you mentioned all the little things that uh, we see the characters doing here. Like uh, Dan, you mentioned the, the whoop whoop. I'll just do it with my mouth because yeah. I whoop. Uh, and I then can't the camera do it either. <laughs> the Cameron hand signals too, which ver- starts as imitating the stock market guys and turns into yep. baseball signals, you know, like <laughs> he's doing the crucifix and everything. Yeah. <laughs> and then like, yeah. Another thing you mentioned, the fact that he's like, it's like his mouth is sewn shut. He's just making the noise, like just grunting. Like, you just know they turn the camera on and said, do something funny. We'll put it in the movie somewhere. <laughs> uh, 
I, I really never thought about this before. And again, just how Ferris Bueller's, you just buy everything the character does. But Abe Froman is going to be showing up for lunch five minutes later. <laughs> and this waiter is, is that just how good Ferris is? And no, we already got confirmation from a random phone call. That's Abe Froman, you know? Uh, this poor guy's going hungry that day. Uh, but yeah, this, the snooty waiter, I, I'm, I'm glad you mentioned too about the deleted scene. Because I, I think that that deleted scene I might have actually seen once upon a time. Because it sounded familiar. Maybe I just read upon, uh, once upon a time about it. But that would have ruined the movie to have yes. the pancreas in there. Like another thing, you don't connect the dots and think that what makes Ferris Bueller work is that he always is one step ahead. He always has the upper hand. That would have totally ruined the character if they had kept that in Absolutely. the movie. Absolutely. Yeah. And I mean, I, I actually like it even better that Ferris just drops it randomly later on and says, We ate pancreas, as if that was just one. You know what? I'm Ferris Bueller. I'm going to eat pancreas today just because. <laughs> and it's not going to face it. And you just kind of accept the fact that that's, well, that's just one more thing he did in this yeah. absolutely action-packed day in his mm-hmm. life. But it's not presented in a way where the waiter got one up on him. Because yeah. Ferris is, like you said, he's always one step ahead of everybody. And one of the things that, Ben, you had said earlier was that, or was it you, Colin? You said that he was, a, uh, you know, every teacher's nightmare. Yeah. And he actually wasn't. If you go back and look at the computer when he's rolling back the, the, the days that he was absent, his grades are up there. Mm. His grades were, what were they? A, A minus, A, A, A minus, and B plus. Mm. He only had, the only not A he had, and I think it was in economics. I think it was in Ben Stein's class. <laughs> I think that's the only not A he has. So I would actually say that he was kind of a teacher's dream because he did well in the class. He got good grades. And with this kind of kid, with this kind of attitude, you kind of expected that he would. And I would say that he's not a teacher's nightmare because of the card that Rooney opened up that says, you know, best in a speed recovery from the English department and the (laughs) faculty and staff. (laughs) I I just love that Grace's signature was on that too. (laughs) (laughs) But then, then it makes you look at Rooney differently too, because again, I totally get that like Rooney is doing his job, like you said, Ben, but then Rooney yes. really just is in this movie as the adult version of Genie. He just doesn't like that this guy coasts by on everything. The absences is irrelevant to Rooney. He just sees this kid who can do anything and everybody loves him. And he's like, no, no, no. I want to take this kid down a couple notches. Yeah. But I don't think it's because of Ferris. I think it's because of his own uh, hubris. I think because Rooney actually says it, this kid undermines me. And I think it makes the other students in the school look less mm. upon Rooney than they already do. I mean, nobody mm-hmm. likes the principal on the school, you know, but yeah. I think it's more about his own ego and his own, um, you know, I got to get this kid to prove it to myself that I'm better than him. I don't think he cares about the other kids in the school as much as his own ego. Which, and uh, just patting himself on the back kind of thing. Which I think you can understand because, like, I mean, again, based on our school times, like, there was always a kid that we know that the teachers hated because they were just, like, a you know, for whatever reason. Like, I can think of plenty. But, sure. And, like, and, and again, got to be careful in the way I say this. When I say the sentence, credit to Jeffrey Jones. This is pre, like, <laughs> 2001 or whenever he got convicted. Yeah. No. Like, 
Jeffrey Jones actually is amazing in this role. Like, I mean, he really, and like, he literally plays the same in everything I've ever seen him in. He's the same character, right? Yeah. He's kind of, you know. The, he doesn't have a lot of depth of character overall. But like, I'm fine just knowing him mainly from this. Like, because I mean, I think kind of. Sure. You, like, you're not meant to like this guy. He acts so well that you don't like this guy in the slightest. Again, he's doing his job, but he, I mean, he does, I guess, take it to a certain level where it's like, you know, like you can see, obviously this kid annoys him so much that he's going to leave school grounds. He's going to go to the, the local arcade. He's going to break go and to enter, breaking it, like things like that. Yeah. Like he's going to go out of his way to kind of catch him. And again, like he's doing his job on an extended level. Like it's, it's I think it's, you know, if, if you did this movie from Rooney's perspective, I think obviously it's slightly different movie, but like, I'm sure there is enough <laughs> theories out there on the internet where people are going to go, well, this is Rooney's movie. Like, let's see it from Rooney's perspective and why mm-hmm. Rooney was right. You know what I mean? Like, I think well, kind of, you could do it that way. And I think Dan, you mentioned about Rooney's ego too. The funny thing is we see the exact same thing in Ferris. When, yeah. when he leaves the restaurant, he has a million options. We're, oh, we're busted now. Your dad's right there open the door and stand inside for five minutes, you know, but he takes it as a challenge. It's like it, everything in this movie is just like with the, this, if I'm going to get caught, I'm not going to get caught by this snooty waiter. It's the same thing. You right. know what? My dad's right there. I've got one more challenge for myself today. I'm going to sneak past my dad somehow. The, the parade, everything he does in this movie is just a challenge to him. Like he's a guy who coasts by on life, but he just looks for the next thing he can coast by on, which is great. Um, he's just he's, stock. again he's looking for the next big adventure mm. you know yeah i mean I've, I've i've said this and this is part of the reason why people when i was younger told me to go see it because i used i've been saying i don't know for decades almost the majority of my life i've been saying life is just a series of experiences and when there's no more stories to tell you've got one foot in the grave so what's mm. the next story what's the next adventure what's the next thing to do and you know, you know I mean, what it is? Pu- it, it's in this movie. He asks Sloane to marry him when he's 17 years old, probably for no other reason than that. You know, I got a challenge here. Mm. You know, how am I going to convince her? To, and I love that he even has the line saying, oh, what would be wrong with it? Other than the fact that you might be embarrassed to be the only cheerleader with a husband. You know? But that's, and that's have an, no job and no place to live. And other than yeah. that, why not? Yeah. Like that just you know, totally fits with his character. He it, it's it's about the next adventure for him. And one of the th- reasons why I had friends call me up and say, you have to go see this movie is granted nowhere near in the dramatic fashion, but I actually crashed the St. Patrick's day parade in South Boston <laughs> in 1984. Did you so see- that we were, I went down were, to, were you clothed is my question. <laughs> I was clothed. So <laughs> we were standing on the, on the street watching this thing. I was mostly sober. <laughs> I was underage. I was underage. So no, I had not been drinking at all, but we were watching the parade go by and I belonged in in high school to this. I mean, you guys are probably too young to remember this, but um, there was an organization in America called junior achievement. And it was like an extracurricular kind of program where they took kids from high school and they taught you about the free enterprise system. And it was, I was never an athlete, but those were my glory days. I did incredibly well at this thing. And um, I went to down to Massachusetts to meet up with some friends and we went to the St. Patrick's Day Parade. And I'm like, I'm looking around, I'm like, hey, let's jump into the parade. And there's like seven or eight of us there and they're like, what? And I'm like, sure. And I'm looking around, and I'm, you know, there are girls with us. I'm like, who's got a marker or a pen in their purse? So one of the girls reaches in and finds a marker. I find a telephone pole and they've got those band posters 
that are on the, you know, they staple up there. Yeah. So I ripped one down, right? I <laughs> ripped another one down. I put them together. So all the writing faced each other. And then I just wrote junior achievement on it. And we just jumped into the parade and held the sign up and people <laughs> were clapping for us. And we walked about a mile in the parade before we finally got kicked out. Wow. But I get to say I crashed the St. Patrick's Day parade in South Boston. Wow. See, Did you then get a parade ahead. when you came back from Survivor? <laughs> no. Still waiting? No, I, uh, I I curled up in a ball and just sucked my thumb and cried for a few weeks. And thanks, buddy, though. I appreciate that, though. Well, anytime. Awesome. Anytime. But, yeah, but it's like... It, 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 like, I think everybody has to be Ferris Bueller at some point in their life. I mean, the majority of people are, are going to identify with Cameron more, but that's why Ferris Bueller Absolutely. really works. And Ferris is an important character. Yeah, it's about a kid skipping school, but I was explaining to my wife and I was saying, you know, there's certain movies that will resonate more with a female audience than it will a male. And to me, I said that like Ferris Bueller was almost like what Clueless is to girls of my age range. You know, Ferris Bueller was to guys. You grow up in Ferris, you want to be Ferris Bueller, but you actually do learn things from him. Like you were mentioning about the parade thing and just, you know, you know what, just go for it, just try something. Along with, uh, you know, Michael J. Fox and Secret of My Success, uh, one of the first right. jobs I had, um, my boss had left the company and I'm like, you know what I'm gonna do? I'm gonna take his cubicle over there. I'm gonna set up in there and work and I'm just gonna put my name on the door. It says Colin's office. And it was like two or three weeks where I'm just deciding to work in there. Not every day, like an hour to a day. Oh, you know what, this is Colin's office. And then like a month later, I mean, the sign was down. And a month later, I met some other guy who was a manager in the company, like this older guy. And he had heard somebody referred to me as Colin and his name was Colin too. He's like, you're Colin? It's like, people were coming up to me saying, why are you taking a second office? And I was like getting a trouble. <laughs> you but he, he thought it was hilarious you know <laughs> well they, and you know and again i think people people identified with ferris because they wanted to be him i think yeah. most people want to be that brave but they're not mm. and mm -hmm. at the end of the day you know it's my my philosophy has always been what's the worst that can happen yeah. What could, you know, what, what's good, what could possibly go wrong? What is the worst possible thing that can happen? What is the greatest possible thing that can happen? Chances are it's going to fall in the middle somewhere. So mm -hmm. just give it a shot. See what happens. That's where the whole survivor thing for me started. That's where the whole, you know, Boston parade thing happened. That's where the majority of the dumbest things I've done in my life have happened. What could <laughs> possibly go podcast. wrong? And yeah, <laughs> yeah clearly. You know, and again, it's it's just one more story to tell. Life is meant to be lived. So go live it. Take if chances. You don't stop and look Fail. around once in a while, you might miss it. Yeah. It's yeah. it's a very deep line. The line does mean something, it you know. It is. And yeah. people don't I, I mean, even me, I don't, I'm, I'm sitting here analyzing it right now, but I don't think to myself, oh, I learned a lot of lessons in life. But when I used to have that as my signature, everything I learned in life, I learned from Ferris Bueller is because you know what, like take a chance, do it. It's not like I actually was consciously thinking I want to be more like Ferris Bueller, but you do learn from it. I agree. And again, it's just take your, take your chances, <laughs> live your life, have your experiences, have your stories to tell. I mean, again, it's, it's, super cliche to just keep saying it but you know life is too short you know if you don't get out there you're gonna miss it but it is it's it's the absolute truth and i've met too many people in the course of my life who just want to live in their little their little shell and their little bubble and they don't want to take those chances and i you know again i said it about uh, so many different things in my own life i'd rather try and fail a thousand times over than to never try and because ben that's just 
<laughs> yes, and you Colin? know that better than you know that better than anybody because once upon a time you dreamed of a podcast and now you have Dan Foley on. I know. I, I know, right? Never what a new low. The success. <laughs> you, you, you aim for Jason Connery and ended up with Brian Henson. <laughs> <laughs> That's a new slogan. That's a new... <laughs> you started with Purple Kelly and ended up with Dan Foley. Oh, I'm so sorry. Yeah. Geez. So sorry. Wow. This but is you the 10th year like... of doing this and here I am talking to you. <laughs> <laughs> we ha- we have to talk about the parade scene a little bit too. You know, th- is there much going on in the story there? No, but I mean that is the biggest, most craziest thing he does in the movie. It also is the scene that now that the theory has been mentioned about you know is this all in his head? Where I- I'm looking at the scene where Ferris is on the float, he's going crazy singing Don Cushane, and then you just suddenly cut to Cameron and Sloan, and they're holding hands. And now I'm thinking. Yep. Is this his girlfriend? And in his head, he's like, I want her to be with a guy like this. <laughs> and why are they so disconnected? Now it's starting to make sense to me. But uh, but other than that, I mean, just the scene itself as a kid, I think that was the scene that always grabbed me. It was just because it's so crazy. I don't know if I had ever heard Twist and Shout before, but I remember when my mom used to listen to like the, the classic rock station at the time, like, oh, we play all those hits of the 50s, 60s, and 70s. You know, I would call in because she'd be listening to that, and I'd be like, I'm going to request Twist and Shout, you know, because <laughs> it's something my mom would listen to, and it was from Ferris Bueller. Um, but the scene is so crazy, and uh, I'm Don Cushane. Last night, Jamie got annoyed with me because I was singing lyrics to Don Cushane for everything I was doing. It was like, you know, uh, diaper change, Rammy's diaper change. <laughs> and eventually she's like, I'm tired of hearing that song, which is probably why she wouldn't watch the movie with me. I don't know. Um, she's already <laughs> yelling from upstairs, I'm still sick of that song. Uh, apparently she can hear us. <laughs> we have a listener. Uh, but it, <laughs> yeah, but um, you know, another thing with uh, the thing, whether or not anybody would believe he was in the parade, it's like the Clark Kent defense. Like when people always make fun and say, "Oh, like nobody's going to recognize that," you know, Superman doesn't have glasses. No, you're not going to recognize that this little guy with glasses, you know, that that is mild mannered and nervous and you know, kind of a bit of a, a, a scared little coward would ever be Superman, but. It doesn't matter if this looks exactly like Ferris Bueller. Again, nobody's going to believe that. Another thing I don't think I ever really thought about, because I don't think it ever occurs to me, well, is Ferris ever going to get caught for this? I, I don't think that because he's Ferris Bueller. You know, it, it's, it's there's no threat and you're constantly seeing one after the other. He's got the upper hand on somebody. Um, the A couple little things actually like here. One is w- which actually got me thinking about what does happen at the end of this movie. You do think about does Cameron die, <laughs> which he probably does. Uh, the other thing is where they're saying like, what are you, what are you interested in? Like Sloan, oh, what are you interested in? Nothing. And she goes, me neither. And then what do you think Ferris is going to do? And he says something, he's probably going to end up as a fry cook. And I'm thinking in my head, I'm like, what would Ferris Bueller end up doing? And that actually makes sense to me because if Ferris Bueller was a fry cook, he'd be the greatest fry cook ever. And he somehow would turn that into a million dollars. Like, I don't know Mm. what it is, but it doesn't bother me. What does Ferris Bueller do after this movie's over? He probably does become a fry cook and he probably is, you know, incredibly successful at it. And it doesn't bother him. He started an outburger. He he started (laughs) an outburger. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, that was him. That was all down to him. I had a, uh, I had a biology teacher in high school and at the, uh, I went to an all boys Catholic college prep, blah, blah, blah. And my biology teacher, my sophomore year, uh, the last day of school, he looked at the class and he said, uh, and he goes, okay, I've dealt with you people all year long. Now, today is my day. Uh, I'm going to give a critique of each and every one of you. 
<laughs> and he went through the class and he was he was some people he just had nothing but praise and accolades and other people he ripped these he's you know like <laughs> you're gonna be a death row inmate somewhere you're you're a piece of garbage like he was he was brutal and i just kept waiting and i kept waiting and he wouldn't get to me he wouldn't get to me and he finally got to me last and he just shook his head and he goes mr foley i don't know what to make of you he said <laughs> after an entire year i'm still confused by you he says all i know he said you you're either going to end up as a brain surgeon or a fry cook at mcdonald's somewhere <laughs> but what i do know I swear this is a God's right hand to God. This is all, this is a hundred percent true. And he said, the only thing that I do know is that if you ever decided to, um, if you ever decided to, you could pull off the perfect Brinks job. <laughs> so there's all these things that have happened in the course of my life that really resonated really specifically with Ferris Bueller and how you are Ferris. Out. And we have our sequel. Yes. Dan Foley. Oh, yeah. Dan, yeah. Dan Foley. Awesome. <laughs> Ferris went no, on Survivor, no. lost some <laughs> garments in the ocean, offended some people, <laughs> appeared on a podcast. Everybody. Jeez, that's um... had the longest, most excruciating podcast in history. <laughs> but there's, there's a lot of there's a lot of unedited footage to show what led to the yeah. sequel. Yeah, and we've got some of that right now. Here it is. Um, no, um, no, God. no one wants to see that. Um, I just, I just a couple of things here. We'll close out the movie. I'm, I'm looking here at the scene where Ferris's dad is just about to get up and dancing, and I've, free, I've frozen the frame, if that makes sense. And the, the photo on his desk, you can clearly see him and his wife. You can see Ferris and Jeannie, and you can see two small children. So there's, uh, okay. there's obviously meant to be two other ones. And also, I found a couple of articles here where people have dissected the logistics of Ferris's day. And would he be home in time for like 6 p.m.? And basically this one here says that he would make it back at 6.32 p.m., implying <laughs> that he was at the Cubs game for 20 minutes. <laughs> um, uh, there's like uh, he was at the um, art gallery for like 10 minutes, uh, the parade for 15 minutes, which doesn't stack up. But, yeah, they've basically tried their best to make it work as best as they could. So, um, yes. Also... Maybe- I, I will say on this website that I'm on, melmagazine.com, on the side, it's got popular ranked articles. And number one popular article, get get to melmagazine.com and check this out. Can your dentist tell that you recently gave oral sex is the number one <laughs> most popular article. So, um, Not if you get a breath mint in the bathroom. Yeah. Jeez. <laughs> oral sex, Colin, is when people use their mouth during sex. <laughs> Ask Jamie about it. She's been waiting. No, for no a long need time. to demonstrate. I'll take your word for it. <laughs> um, yes, I'm we don't seeing... want to see that, Ben. <laughs> uh, the Cameron's house. I'm just because I actually really like Cameron's house in this movie. Is a. It's called the Ben Rose House in Highland Park, oh, Illinois. Yeah. Uh, apparently a fairly ha- famous house. And if you want to go see Ferris Bueller's house, it is in Los Cerritos, Long Beach, California, where a series of other houses have been used in many movies. So there you go. Just uh, you're welcome, people 
listening to this <laughs> and sorry that you're listening to this, um, but I don't know why. Anyway, uh, the rest of the movie. Um, Rooney is still at the door. He gets attacked by a dog. He's got flowers and makes the Rottweiler go to sleep. Jeannie comes home. She discovers that... Ferris is faking it. I love the, I knew it. And the guy, I love how, like, he's rigged this thing to sit up in bed if, like, somebody's... Yeah, she knew it right. when he started winking at her in the beginning of the movie. And he's, <laughs> you know, she knew then. Yeah. Why does she have to, you know... I, I, I just, I, I really actually like, the more I watch this movie, the more I really like Jeannie. Just, I just love her attitude. Like, I love it when she's seen Grace before and Grace is like, what's bothering you now or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> who's bothering you? Yeah, who's, <laughs> I love it when she's on the phone to like clearly her mum's office and she's like, I'm her daughter. Do, do you know anything? Do you know anything? And like hangs up. And like, I love it when she like attacks Rudy and rings the cops. And that was my opening line. Like, I'm very cute and I'm very protective of my body. <laughs> I just ran well, don't forget, Jeannie. Don't forget after that, maybe maybe the one part of the movie doesn't hold up as well. Where you go, speak any English. <laughs> oh, when she's on the intercom to Rooney, it's like, whoever's in my kitchen, uh, I have also have my dad's shotgun and a serious case of herpes. And a scorching case of herpes. <laughs> <laughs> Which, what's she gonna do? Run down there and like sit on his face? Like, I mean, <laughs> I mean, no. If you want know, to like that, he's she's she's discu- <laughs> Well, yeah, that's a whole different topic. No, she's discouraging him from raping her because she's got a scorching case of herpes. Wow, because she's very protective of her Dan, body. Dan, yeah. I'm glad you yeah. went there in, in analyzing that scene because if I had done that, it would have been a- <laughs> Ben. He's talking about rape. All right. Move on. Yes. Sorry. So I'm giving more fodder to the emergency podcast Can I just... from Sestronino because now <laughs> I've talked about the R word. T- ticking off the Dan Foley bingo here. Rape. Okay. Um, didn't think we'd get there, but Dan we did. Dan Foley offensive bingo. Yeah. Oh, hang on. I'll bring this up because we have not this episode. 9-11. All right. There we go. Ticking it off. Bingo, mate. Well, you did mention the World Bingo. Trade Center before, so technically, you know. I, uh, you brought it up. You set me up for failure on that one by asking me. Didn't so. bring it down. Yeah. That was Osama. Um, oh, I've got to be careful. I've got an American That's on this fair. episode. I might get too offensive. Oh, shit. Colin, we can't get away with this with an American on the episode. <laughs> too soon, dude. Still Sorry. too soon. Sorry. It hasn't been 20 years yet. It has in a couple of months, so then the jokes flow. Um, Pretty close, though. I know. Wasn't that South Park? It's been 20 years. AIDS is funny again. Um, <laughs> oh, God, Ben. Um, so, ben, it yeah. feels like you're trying to compete with Dan this week. <laughs> I don't want to be the one who doesn't get nah. the controversial stuff. Come on, I feel left out. Um, they drive back and <laughs> this is this is a part where Cameron loses it when we see the speedometer and it's like, what, it was yeah. 100 and something, now it's over 300. Oh, I barely even mentioned the parking attendant guys who have taken the car out for a spin and the Star Wars bit where they jump yeah. over the... <laughs> love that scene. Um, I, I love it like when they drop the car off and then they basically say, hey, man, we're going to do that again. And they're like... <laughs> He's like, Woo! and they do the backward shuffle. Yeah. So good. Um, camera. Okay, so speaking of G- no, speaking go. of genie. Yes. Has anybody ever put together the notion that genie actually won? Uh, genie no. actually won the day. Okay. Because 
She was all pissed off that Ferris gets away with everything. Ferris always gets this. He always gets to do whatever he wants. But in the car driving home, mom looks at Jeannie and says, and on top of all that, I lost the deal with the Vermont people. And I was going to buy Ferris a car with that money. Mm-hmm. Jeannie ah. won. That's <laughs> a good point, actually. Because she could have easily. Nobody was... ever seems. Well, she saves him at the end. So like I... she could have. She could have got in court right there. So she kind of does the nice thing and is basically like, you know, like, come on, get inside. But you're right. Like she, she, she has proven her point that she and, knows he's faking it, but she and does how the indebted nice thing. Is, how indebted is he to her now? Yeah. Right. Now, all of a sudden she has, she's the one with the upper hand. She's the one that actually sealed the deal. He lost his car. She knows he's going to get it eventually, but she stopped it for now. And mm-hmm. it, if it wasn't for her, he would have been busted. So, Which, yeah, you're right. He Ferris is now indebted to her. He needed somebody else to pull off the end of this glorious mm-hmm. day. And again, it's those little nods where they break the fourth wall. Um, the taxi cab where Cameron hasn't seen anything fun. And, and he's like, what, what? <gasps> and you know, when he does that real quick, and he does the same thing, you know, when Jeannie sets him free, you know, and he just kind of smiles and looks at the camera real quick, and then walks inside holding his stomach. Oh, oh! But Jeannie actually won that day in the grand, you know, in her mind, which makes yeah. it quite disturbing when you say that he's in her debt now, knowing that Matthew Broderick and Jennifer Grey were in a relationship. So, what sort of things was Jeannie into? <laughs> That held them in. Ben, you're I'm, not writing of the word fiction, are you? I am Tasmanian. Yeah, I'm thinking of the word pegging. <laughs> I'm thinking of the word pegging is what I'm. So hang on, hang on. I, I don't know what that is. Pegging. I, I'm not. I'm not. I don't know what that is, but I am not googling it. <laughs> Colin doesn't know what pegging is. Wow, well, <laughs> Jamie, oh, Jamie, what's Jamie, what's pegging mean? Oh, <laughs> don't ask me. Somehow tell you. I think you do, Trebek. I think she, she she just got really excited for some reason. I don't she's know. She's going to get a strap on right now. I hear. I actually her hear her running. She's like running downstairs or something. <laughs> what is I've been married for ten years and finally pegging's on the table. <laughs> Strap it oh, on me. I never knew what it was called all this time. Yeah. Okay, Colin. Got it. Got it. There you Please go. Please Google pegging, Colin. Please Google it. <laughs> oh, dear Lord. And um, Rob Sestranino, you can reach me at chicksdigme at... That's, there's one thing. Sign up to Rob's Patreon and get all this shit. Sure. Has Rob ever mentioned pegging on his show? No. <laughs> uh, absolutely not. No, exactly. And Mario once again, Lanza. the new low with Ben with Dan and Ben. That's I, awesome. I want the funny 115 to have a pegging reference now. Um, <laughs> Somehow I, I don't think that one would have slipped through the censors. I'm pretty sure. Jeez. Wow. Um, oh, Cameron's gone Lord. catatonic. He's lost it. Um, <laughs> they go swimming. Uh, get to see Sloan get undressed. He did I get to like see that. Sloan change. Yeah, I always like that bit when like she goes like, "Cameron, did you see me get changed? That's fine. I'm not embarrassed." And kind of like the way like he's sniggering. Um, yeah, I better go check on the car. <laughs> Jeannie meets Charlie Fair Sheen. Enough. Was Charlie Sheen a thing oh, in 1986, awesome. or had he the, not been discovered this, yet? This was the same year that he starred in Platoon, which won Best Picture. So and was Wall he had just become a thing. Wall Street was right after so this would have been I don't don't know if at the time they filmed this if Platoon was that big of a deal yet but by the time this came out having Charlie Sheen in the movie probably was the biggest name they had well 
9-11 connection, Charlie Sheen was in a movie called 9-11 with Whoopi Goldberg. Oh. <laughs> so, I mean, why wouldn't you want to watch You are bound and determined to get us all in trouble, aren't you, Ben? <laughs> it's not me this time. It's not me. Yeah. Well, I, again, I've always got to one-up. You mentioned pegging. Uh, now I've got to come up with something better. <laughs> Still not worse than 9-11, dude. Well, Still not worse. Yeah, well, it depends on your interpretation. Uh, <laughs> no. Those towers no. got pegged, you know. Um, oh, Ben, silence, oh you're fending the Americans. <laughs> oh, I can't do this. Actually, you know what? I can't offend an American. You voted in Trump. What more? You did it to yourself. So, <laughs> come on. Oh, dear Lord. Do you need me to remind God, you of that? Anyway. Sister uh, Nino's so- got plenty of... Yeah, no, whatever. I just Googled pegging after all those mentions. <laughs> I'm like, you know, I'm really starting to get lost in this conversation. <laughs> oh, I thought you were The curiosity killed the cat. Tell her that to do it. <laughs> Now you see why Jamie's so excited. I'm actually afraid now that whether Jamie heard me or not. That's why she's running around. Every birthday card you ever get from your wife will be turnabout is fair play, my friend. Yeah. I just got a text message from her 15 minutes ago. It says, leaving. I'll be back later. Okay, good. She didn't hear me. <laughs> no, she left oh. when you mentioned pegging. She's gone to a store to get uh, something. I got to go get I got to go pick someone up, Colin. <laughs> Listen, we have small, medium, and whoa. Okay? That's what we've got for your birthday It has taken nearly 1,000 episodes for Colin Hilding <laughs> to Google something that I we've referenced on this show and get that reaction. <laughs> Never Thank again. <laughs> Next week, we talk about felching. Oh, <laughs> I'm not Googling God, anything that's... else. You keep dropping it. I will not Google anything else. Just, just you know, somewhere between felching and the rusty trombone. Okay? Somewhere between there. Okay? Dirty Sanchez. Uh, nah, I mean, you know, dirty, dirty trombone or the dirty trumpet, right? If you, you know, if you want to be the, the team player on this one. You yep. could do that. That's yep. nice. Yep. How, how many listeners at home do you think are taking notes right now? <laughs> Jamie. Uh, well, the yes. three people that are listening, wait a minute, are us. Never mind. So it doesn't, I don't think it really matters. Wait and see our Patreon numbers when we launch that, Colin. Oh. Pegging tier. I'd like to apologize to everybody out there. I don't. Oh, Lord. You're listening to this. You know what you got. Oh. You're listening to a fucking episode with Dan Foley and you think this is going to be something else? <laughs> If you're listening to this, That's you got fair. yourself to blame. Sorry. You know exactly. You should know what you're getting into before. Yeah. I apologize for Dan's I w- I apology. Went, <laughs> I went to uh, I went to Sierra and Joe's wedding, and when I before I went, I found this awesome meme, and uh, not a meme, but a, I don't know, just a little saying online, and I emailed it to everybody that was going to go to the wedding, 
And it says, I'd really like to apologize for the things I'm going to do next week at your event. So I kind of put a, I kind of, but I thought about that and I thought, geez, I should find that and send it to Ben. Just to ben, is that, is that the graph? There. That's the graphic on this week's uh, Instagram, isn't it? <laughs> Apology. Should have been. It should have been. Oh. You know, and, and good luck to you, Sestronino, for all the fodder you'll have for your emergency <laughs> podcast. Bloody oath. Some you people dick. do emergency podcasts, some people get married, other stuff an only fans damn where do you fall in all yes. those categories oh god the dan foley only why is she popular good lord <laughs> nobody wants to see the dan foley in a mankini no no nobody once you see that once you I see don't crack, see you it. never go back come on um that's exactly right um yeah. the saddest part of this movie cameron yeah. kills the car i always cry oh. in this scene um just terrible um it's a great like I, it's well shot like you believe it's a ferrari getting killed and i also like i love it when like ferris kind of goes to stop him and kind of is like oh no it's sloan goes to stop him and ferris kind of is like no don't do it and then this is where ferris is obviously going to take the fall for him and cameron kind of is like no i'm gonna i'm gonna face him what, what's the dad's name is it morris when morris comes home we'll have a chance i think it is yeah yes yeah well, yeah, nicely done. Of course you're going to be pissed off if your name is Morris. I mean, God, I'd be pissed <laughs> off if my name was Morris. But, yeah, this is the last time you ever, anyone ever sees Cameron alive because he will be murdered in a few hours. Yep. Uh, like, yep. what, what is that conversation? Like, Morris comes oh, home. I don't even want to think about it. Like, how's your day, Cameron? Well. <laughs> have you <Morris>. seen the garage? <laughs> Yeah. Also, I'd like to see the making of this movie, the set designers painting every single leaf. I think that would be a yeah, you know, a fun sequence to see. So you know, and also speaking of leaf, hello to leaf if he's listening. Uh, I don't know if he is or not, but <laughs> I feel like we need to remind ourselves we had a Survivor contestant called Leaf because why don't yes. we need to? Better than Aloysius. I don't know about yeah. that. There's That's still no a, Morris. I don't know. Though. I don't know about that. Yeah, I don't know about that. Is there, there's not been a Colin no, either. Aloysius is a, Colin? No. Oh, until you. Aloysius just, is a pretty unique name. Oh, pretty, give uh, up Aloysius, Dan. Mom, Come on. You had your opportunity. To <laughs> my mom wanted me to be a cop or a lawyer. I ended up being a landlord, so I ended up being both. You really had high expectations from people, didn't you? Cops, lawyers, brain surgeons. Jesus Christ. You, <laughs> no, you my mom you. did. Everybody <laughs> else did. Not me. I knew better. Like, don't expect shit from me. You went on <laughs> Survivor and got hated. That's... that's <laughs> when they hey. first announced my name i got booed that was that was pretty heartbreaking i'm not I just, gonna lie i just want to point that out was actually, at least you have that very... collar and i are sitting here never been on the show so you know you can hold yeah. that little i you know something after what they did to dan in season 39 i would tell i would tell every man i meet don't you dare go on that show especially if the name why dan. would you why would you do that <laughs> yeah exactly yeah yeah dan that Lou. would be just horrible dan k well ben how many other Dan's? Is that it? Are they the four close. Dan's? Those are the only ones? ones I can think of, yeah. Yeah. Oh. You know. The old the old guy with the shoes. Oh, Dan Limbo, of course. Oh, yes. Yeah. Oh, so there is one redeeming Dan. Well, two, Dan Lou. Dan Lou's redeeming. Can't yeah. Anyway. Where are we going with this episode? Yeah. Uh the car's been destroyed. The Ferrari's Charlie's, dead. Charlie Sheen. Farah, you you stolen. killed the car. I love that line when uh, Jeannie's like, you mentioned Ferris Bueller and you'll lose a testicle. <laughs> oh, you know him. <laughs> oh, you know the guy. Does that thing with a fist. Why don't you stick your thumb up your ass? <laughs> yeah, I love it when he, <laughs> looks, <laughs> he literally hmm. You know what? Charlie Sheen was not acting. So, Colin, that that's, a, that's a pegging <laughs> reference. Only you do it to yourself. 
So that's, <laughs> that's how Charlie Sheen got HIV. Uh, <laughs> Probably from himself, yeah. Wow. Unlikely. We're going to age jokes already. Um, then we have the uh, the iconic run home scene. Oh, the nice little, I do like the little like romantic scene between him and Sloane and they sort of yeah. kiss and I love you, I love you. And it's like, I'm going to marry him. Or like, I like that scene. I like the song in the background. Mm. Then we get the chase, the and I like, I do, I really appreciate um, in what was the Spider-Man movie where they said it was going to be a homage to John Hughes. Spider-Man and kind of Homecoming. Like, yeah. They kind of replicated this scene. I always liked that. Uh, I love. Yeah, uh, me Ferris's, too, actually. Ferris's dad getting stuck behind the little old lady. I just love Ferris's dad in this last sequence when he's like shaking his little head and kind of all that. I also love Ferris running through the houses. You know, dinner's ready. Smells good. And then when he runs past the bikini, smells great. Then, yeah. Hi, Ferris Hi there, Bueller. Ferris <laughs> hey, how you doing? Um, I also love it when he gets home. And I just love the random interaction between his parents. And it's like, you know, like, as you mentioned, Dan, before, like, oh, you know what? I lost the Vermont deal and Jeannie and I got a ticket. And the dad, I think we should shoot her. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Again, given this is an American movie. Sorry, America, if you're listening, Dan. Um, yeah, no kidding, right? And then Rudy obviously catches him. You think, uh-oh. And then Jeannie basically pulls a Swifty. You left your wallet on the floor. It's like, oh, then, you know, he gets away with it, gets back into bed. He's feeling okay now. Oh, he got away with it. Um, And then we end the movie with the greatest song in all 80s movies. Once again, boom, boom. And you talk about things that don't make, to me, this is the one that makes the least sense in the entire movie. It is after six o'clock. There's a school bus filled with school kids yeah. and Rooney gets yes. on a school bus. What are these kids doing? Where have they been? <laughs> well, that's where yeah. Ferris's siblings that's are. Absolutely- they're still stuck on the bus. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Well, no, they're the ones that open the door to let all the flowers and balloons in. Yeah. Well, well yeah. those have been gone all day. <laughs> that That is the one. But I do so, like this. I like this random girl. Like, you want a gummy bear? It's been in my pocket. It's kind of warm. Mm. <laughs> I love that kid who's like, it's got, what is it? Rooney eats it on the bus. Yeah. And he's driving yep. like, save Ferris on the thing. Um, such a great way to, to end the movie. Although the movie's not over because we have, the, of course, the famous closing scene of, you're still here? Uh, go home. It's over. Um, it's over. So much that it's here, but like, oh, like, plot holes galore. But who gives a fuck? This movie is incredible, Colin. Uh, well, first of all, I love that they have a Rottweiler because yeah. uh, my first dog ever was a Rottweiler. It was my eighth birthday present, and my parents didn't realize that it was a Rottweiler because the uh, the the previous owner lied about what type of puppies they were. So um, I, I had many days. A poodle? How do you get that wrong? No, well, they. I mean, we had we had a ton of dogs, so it wasn't like they were worried about a dog so much, you know, for me. But uh, all the other dogs in the litter looked very German Shepherd, and then. This one looked more, a little bit wolf-like. And they, the guy lied and said, oh, it's it's part Alaskan glacier wolf. Which like, ooh, that sounds exotic. You know, I think, I think we'll get this for our eight-year-old son. And then about three months later, when it's the size of this dog here, they took it to the vet. We're like, uh, so can you tell us, like, is this dog growing too quickly? It's supposed to be an Alaskan glacier wolf. And the vet's like, no such dog exists. This is a Rottweiler. Uh, 
I, I had days where I would take the dog for a walk. And no, you see this in cartoons, but uh, there was like a, a new development across the street from where our house was. So at the time, it was just all these mounds of dirt as they were getting ready for everything. And I would walk this dog, and no joke, this dog at about six months old, I would be lying on my belly, and this dog would pull me up a hill, and I'd get to the top of the hill, and it would pull me down a hill. Like, that's how strong the Rottweiler was. <laughs> Typical Alaskan uh, glacial wolves or whatever they are. That's, yeah. that's very yeah. common amongst that well, breed. Wolves are known for their strength and stamina, yeah. so that makes <laughs> Alaskan ones. But, uh, yeah. no, I mean, I, I love the little Rottweiler there. I don't, I don't know what's in these flowers. It's like the, the dog goes to sleep. I mean, I, I'm glad Ferris didn't get these. I mean, he would have been sick for real the next day, and then he would have been at 10 and double digit. <laughs> then he's not graduating. Um, but uh, Cameron's breakdown, I mean, this is the highlight. I mean, we're saying so many things of the highlight of the movie. But dramatically, this is obviously the highlight of the movie. Uh, he plays catatonic so well. Uh, the diving into the pool, like for one brief moment, you honestly do believe this kid's suicidal and you really do feel for him. Uh, but then the, the, the Ferrari scene, now, now, Ben, you're, you're, you know, you have a podcast on cars, sort of, uh, well, Wait, what? <laughs> on, on driving, uh, Formula One. Oh, that hasn't had an episode in about three years. That's dead and buried. <laughs> you, once upon a time, you taught, you, you even had a podcast. Sign on to the Patreon. We'll revive it. <laughs> but, um, but I mean, I'm, I'm also not much of a car person. I, the first vehicle I got was a 97 Dodge Caravan and it was 2010 when I bought it. So, um, I, I could not care less about cars. I would much rather be walking, running, biking. You drive that uh, weird little blue green little Honda. We had a you... Honda fit. Yeah. Until we had the twins, we were driving a Honda fit. So, um, clearly I do not care about vehicles that much, but as a kid, <laughs> maybe because I had to watch this car get destroyed here, like, it's traumatizing and hypnotic at the same time because it was the same thing. Like I love this car. And I can remember also when I was eight, uh, I had to make up a Christmas list of stuff I wanted. One of the things I had on there was a dog because we had to give away the Rottweiler when we moved into the city. Uh, another thing on there was an electric guitar because, you know, I, my parents only had acoustic guitars and I wanted an electric one. And the third thing on my list was a Ferrari. And I, I, I wrote out, it was the exact same model as this, like GT250. And my, I remember my mom telling me, she said, can you elaborate a little bit on your Christmas list? Because I am not buying you a Ferrari. And I'm like, well, these are the only three things I want. <laughs> I couldn't wrap my head around why my mom would need more because I, I, a Ferrari, like the car from Ferris Bueller. Your mom knew uh, enough rock stars. Surely she should have just gotten yeah, one. Exactly. The call one of her ex-boyfriends. <laughs> uh, can you give me your Ferrari? You, yeah. One of those. There's only a hundred of these made. I mean, She's bound to have had more than a hundred rock star ex-boyfriends. One of them probably has it. Uh, but I mean, I, I love this car. And, and still to this day, it's probably one of the few cars where I see in a movie, like, well, not a movie, this movie, the only movie it's in. And like, you, you just, you're in awe of it. Like it, it's, it's, and the, uh, the fact that you're saying this isn't even a real Ferrari doesn't matter to me. Uh, the fact that this thing gets destroyed, like you mentioned, we did die another day. And my brother-in-law saw all the cars getting dumped out of the back of the plane. And he legitimately said, I don't like that movie. He didn't mind everything else in the movie. He didn't mind kite surfing or Madonna or invisible cars. He was legitimately upset that all these cars got destroyed. And I remember watching Ferris Bueller as a kid <laughs> and feeling the same thing. Like it's a heartbreaking scene. It's <clears throat> like I, everything up until the car getting destroyed, I buy that Cameron lives through this day. Uh, but Dying if you day. put 
if you put miles on the car, fine. You can explain that away. And that is your ammunition. Like, I'm going to have a chat with you, Morris. <laughs> I drove your car today. Uh, kicking the car, any of it. The car being destroyed? No. I don't believe that his father will ever forgive him for that mm-hmm. uh, and won't make him no. suffer. But going back to what you said at the beginning, Dan, I'm glad you actually talked about the, the one malicious thing Ferris did was taking the car. And I actually think the reason for that is what happens when the miles don't come off here. Because he said, well, I had a feeling this might happen. We'll have to crack open the odometer. Yeah, because his dad's not going to kill him for that too. Ferris knew that his strategy was not going to work. There's no way they were going to get away with this completely. He knew that there would be some retribution and the dad would notice. So there's no way that Ferris didn't actually think, you know what, you're going to get in some trouble for this. But again, did he do it because he thought it would be good for him? Yes. Still probably the one thing that is slightly malicious. Um, you, you look like you're going to say something there. Yeah, I don't, I mean, I don't think he did it because he thought it was good for Cameron. I think he did it because he was selfish. You know, yeah. we can't drive up in your piece of shit car. We have, you know, <laughs> listen, it's okay. Your car is a piece of shit, but I don't have a car. So I have to be envious of your piece of I shit. Love that line. You know, he but, did it because he wanted to have the day. He did it. And because he's the he one driving do this. Yeah, yeah. It's not like he said, you know what, Cameron, right. it's your car, your dad's car. You probably know more about it. Drive. Does Ferris you have a license? You drive the know. car. <laughs> yeah. Well, he's yeah. 18. Presum- oh, uh, presumably he does because his parents were going to get him a car. Hmm. Yeah. So presumably. Um, but, uh, I mean, the scene when Ferris says he'll take the heat for him too, like it is probably the one moment where Ferris, you know, is very real and he's not just putting on an act. I mean, I love the act he puts right. on, but most of what he does is an act. That is a real sincere moment. And I completely agree he would have done it. And that would have made that would have made a character arc for him. But I don't think the movie needed his character arc, you know? Uh, I think it but needed one for Cameron. A, I don't think that was a stretch for him either. And I actually yeah. had, I was, you know, years ago, I was talking about this on my own radio program years ago. And we talked about this movie. Um, and we we talked about the notion. So my buddy had said that Ferris would not have actually done it. He, he would not have stood up for Cameron and taken the heat for the car. And mm-hmm. I told him, I said, I think he would. I, I really believe that he would have. I think that's he can pull it off too. Is. Uh, there's no pulling this off. There's <laughs> no pulling this off. It's just about, you, you know, what did Ferris say? He said, uh, you can't take this much heat. He said, yeah. you know, I'll take the heat because your dad hates you don't me want anyway. It. Yeah. Which is, which I actually like that line because again, Ferris always has the upper hand on everybody, but Cameron's dad hates Ferris. Mm-hmm. There's one person that doesn't like Ferris other than yeah, Rooney. Other than Rooney. And in the great in the grand scheme of things, has no real connection and no real reason not to. Mm-hmm. And yet he hates Ferris anyway. I found that to be very interesting. And I, I took that comment for a little bit more more deeply than perhaps it was intended. Because it did show that Ferris isn't perfect. It did show yeah. that he's not he's not completely invincible. You know, there are people that see through him, you know, and I, I kind of like that. But I truly believe that Ferris would have stood up and taken the heat. And granted, yeah. it, it was, oh, man, I don't and even Ferris know. Ferris would have died of. instead of Cameron. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, like, even though we're saying we don't need anything more from Ferris Bueller than just be who he is, he doesn't need that story arc or anything. Uh you do have a bit of it because when Rooney has him in the end, like he looks terrified. It's the only time you see him nervous in this movie. He's not nervous when he sees yes. his dad. 
even when the car is destroyed, he just sort of looks and he's like, whoa. Mm. He's like, you killed the car. But he is legitimately sweating, not just because he was running. He looks terrified when Rooney finds him. So you have one moment of him being vulnerable, which is, I think, why it makes it so great that Genie comes in and saves him in the end, because it's the only time in the movie where he didn't have anything in his head to talk himself out of this, you know? Uh, I mean, it's such a great ending. And I almost feel like you can't top the scene with the Ferrari at the end. But in a way, you kind of can, because Genie getting to be the one who saves the day instead of Ferris, it's unexpected. There's no way you're going to call it. Mm. And I like, I like and that's a good your call. I mean, that's... you say about Genie winning. Sorry, I didn't try. I just, yeah, I think that that's... Um, yeah, no, I've go, go. Thought about that way. That's it. Well, and there, <laughs> there were moments throughout the day, though, where Ferris did look nervous, nowhere near as scared. When he mm-hmm. dove onto the, 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 the taxi yeah. floor. It's his, and he's, it's his and next he's rubbing the, the rabbit foot. Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. and it, uh, Sloan got him out of it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And if this is Ferris's girlfriend, I, I really dislike the way they make fathers look overall. They're just a bunch of bumbling morons. And, do, 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 do. and yeah. you know, really, this guy wouldn't recognize this incredibly <laughs> hot chick who's Ferris's girlfriend simply because she puts on the Blues Brothers glasses. Okay, we'll chalk it up to Superman syndrome. Fine. That's, you were you know, the but, episode when we but, talked about that. Yeah, yeah. And, and clearly Ferris and, and uh, Cameron are scared to death as they rub on the rabbit's foot. But there are points in the day where people actually do save Ferris. And mm-hmm. it's, um, I can tie this into Harry Potter. Um, what was as it, Order should. of the Phoenix, where they had, don't thank you very much, Dumbledore's <laughs> army. You know, and they're like, hang who on, better hang to lead Harry us Potter than you, Dan, Harry? Bingo. There it is, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> They said, who better to lead us in defense against the dark arts than you, Harry? And Harry's like, I mostly, I'm still here because of nerve, luck, and a lot of other people helping me. Mm-hmm. And I think that actually ties very specifically into Ferris between nerve, luck, and other people helping him. But it's also his charm is the reason why people help him, which also goes back to how great the character is. Because Sloane, even, even Jeannie, like, it, sure, Jeannie did it because, oh, well, conquest here, I'm going to ruin Rooney. But Charlie Sheen said something that got through to her. She's like, you know what? Ferris isn't the bad oh, I'll guy get I'll get to I'll get to peg Ferris later on for this. Whatever. I mean, well, don't say peg. Come want. on, no. <laughs> Colin can never watch Married with Children ever again now. Yeah. I was going to say, just imagine the ball, the ball gag in Ferris's mouth, right, and the little leather outfit and nipple tassels and damn, stop be turning me on. <laughs> be a different emergency I'm podcast in a minute. Colin's childhood. <laughs> Colin never had a childhood. Let's be honest. <laughs> Until he learned what pegging is, now he's. <laughs> He went now through puberty in five seconds of a Google search. I'm, <laughs> I'm sorry, and you're welcome at the same time. Every week now, I'm going to come up with a different term, and it's going to be like, Colin, Google something this week. Oh, yeah, I'm not. <laughs> Colin's going to see your Google. Uh, Jamie's going to see your Google history and get so excited. <laughs> Colin, you're well, finally I learning. S- sent the kids off to the grandparents. <laughs> Friday night. I am still amazed you actually didn't know what it was. That still blows my mind. <laughs> Colin Bailey well, if knows you knew, if, sex is. If you, if you knew my wife, it would be even more surprising because she's about yeah. as filthy as they get. <laughs> she has said things on this podcast that would make you blush. 
Oh, challenge accepted. I like this woman already. <laughs> right? We we like Jamie. I'm telling you. <laughs> Jamie, Jamie's great. Um, so is my wife, Mallory. I should always mention that. <laughs> you, uh, I love that you've mentioned my wife more than your own wife. There's wow, a problem here, man. Way to go, Captain Backpedal. <laughs> Newlywed. Wow, that is... What, a month and a half? Two months not man, even yet? Your wife is... Oh, your wife is beautiful and awesome and... Oh yeah, I've got a wife too. But your wife is so nice. If you, you know, knew my wife, you know wow. that I'm, I'm giving her more attention still in that sentence than she does me anyway. So it's yeah. fine. <laughs> well, but still, the, just the and fact that, that is like, deservedly so. But your marriage vows were made up of quotes from Honor Majesty's Secret Service, Ferris Bueller's Day Off, Jurassic Park, and I can't remember if you actually mentioned her in your vows. <laughs> they were related to her. They were all in connection to... I'll read them out one time and you can... What was it What was it that you said afterwards that she said to you? It's like, yeah, I'm glad that your wedding vows could get a big laugh from you and your friends. <laughs> so you wrote there for Colin, didn't you? I'm like, yeah. yeah. Yeah, the wedding vows were towards me, apparently, not Mallory. <laughs> secretly, secretly writing them for Colin. You know, if you weren't there on oh, Zoom, I would have been like, no, I'm not doing this. I'm not doing this at all. Um, Dan, do you have anything else to add before we get into the reviews and that of, of any of the closing bits of the movie or anything that you haven't already touched on? No, I'm just still thinking of Ferris, you know, getting pegged. I can't get past that at this point. I'm just thinking of I'm just thinking of Colin's horrified look on his face when he'll be thinking of something, you know, just you know, innocuous and nothing that has to do with anything. And all of a sudden this image of Ferris with a ball gag is going to come in his mouth and he's just going to curse my name and send an email to Sestronino to launch an emergency podcast. And that's all, that's, that's what I'm going to take away from this. How many hours have we been at this now? Ah, about um, that's all I'm going to take away. Three and a half. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I, yeah, I just want to, I want to point out one thing before we get into the closing parts of this episode. Um, Mario Lanza, author of the funny One Fifteen has uh, currently been writing very long entries on you, Dan, and we've mentioned this, of course. And uh, I believe he's written about uh, 10 or so entries on you, still hasn't finished. But he does open up. You're only number two on the third part of the Funny One Fifteen. He literally opens up his first article by saying, when it came to writing any an entry about one of the single greatest characters in Survivor <laughs> history. That's what he calls you, one of the single greatest characters in Survivor history. And you, sir, brought up pegging. So just pointing <laughs> that out, I don't think Coach would have mentioned pegging. Uh, I don't think Richard Hatch would have mentioned pegging. Like, but well, maybe Richard Hatch would have awkward transition. <laughs> Richard Hatch might have. Definitely. Uh, but <laughs> Dan Lewintoff. Dan yeah. Limbo wouldn't have. Yeah, Dan Lou. Um, None of the other Dan bands would have. That's for damn sure. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but Mara, if you listen to this, mate, you've got to slip in pegging. No pun intended. <laughs> yeah, thanks. Uh, <laughs> thanks, Mario. I appreciate that, brother. Looking, the single uh, greatest, one of the single that. greatest characters in Survivor history. Here he is. Um, that's that's, that's yeah, famous or infamous. You don't get to choose. So thank you. <laughs> I, I guess. I'm sending you all these links. There's a lot of reading to do. You'll be busy for the rest of today. Um, this I, movie... You know, I remember... No, go ahead. During the, during, the, during the show, Tyler actually came up to me at one point. It was a, you know, it was a truly genuine moment. And he just, he just looked at me and he goes, I, dude, I really need to ask you something. I'm like, yeah, you can ask me anything. And he goes, are you for real? <laughs> and I'm like, I don't know what that means. And he says are you just placating to the camera? 
or are you, is this really, I said, dude, I only have two modes, awake and asleep. I don't put on airs for anybody. This is who you get when I'm at home, when I'm in public, when I'm at work, when I'm at church, it's all the same. It doesn't matter to me. And he's like, wow, I don't, I don't even know what to do with that. I said, well, I'm not asking you to do anything with it. So I guess we're good. And if you want to know Whatever. how real, listen to this fucking episode. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, you will see you'll hear you'll hear about pegging and you will see a level of shock that colin may have never presented before on the show <laughs> that is the best reaction Which... i think i've ever seen from colin ever that was almost that was almost as good as me telling somebody to look up rusty trombone and he didn't know what it was and when he looked it up it was almost the idea identical reaction so i have seen that before and it is priceless every time <laughs> it is always worth its weight in gold to me the only time it i think really i've is. ever had that on this show was when noah and i were doing a loss recap we were talking about gay men as you do and i think i was like i'm gonna go to yeah, gay.com and it was a gay porn website so like i was having good reaction <laughs> like why yeah. not because why well, wouldn't I be doing a podcast and looking up gay porn? Because Colin and looking did. up felching, sure, yeah. absolutely. I, I love that the excuse was you first looked it up because you were talking about it on a podcast. Like it wasn't it was already bookmarked. That it was in my favorite. Yeah, yeah I caught that on my too. Homepage. Yeah, like it wasn't in his favorites. Yeah, okay, Ben. Straight there. Um, this yeah. movie received uh, positive reviews. Uh, it was pretty well received at the time. I mean, obviously, it's gone on to become quite a, a cult classic. It's been named in. Uh, numerous lists uh 50 greatest comedy films of all time um entertainment weekly's best 50 high school movies came in at number 10 um on rotten tomato it has 81 percent, 7.70 out of 10 uh not high general, enough i know I, I thought it'd be higher than that uh Matthew, i mean the fucking last jedi has more of a rating on rotten fuck off uh Matthew, disgusting. Matthew oh, Broderick you. charms in ferris bueller's day off a light and irrepressibly fun movie about being young and having fun metacritic 61 jesus that's low although uh, it has an that's a very low on cinema score oh i'm reading here ben waterworth ranked this as the second greatest movie of all time on the oz network oh I'm glad as I made well Wikipedia. you should be on that website my friend <laughs> i used to absolutely. be absolutely they removed it though. Um, as we said, Matthew Broderick nominated for uh, Golden Globe for this performance, and who won it that year? Do we have that up, Colin? Do we? I I, I was. I'm sorry to say, but I was looking at plot oh, keywords actually, of pegging. Hang on, <laughs> we we know who won this. Please tell me, Peggy. We know we did this movie yes. like three weeks ago, and we talked about this. Paul Hogan won for Crocodile Dundee. He beat Matthew oh, Broderick. Competition, um, which robbed. I don't I'm know sorry. if that's deserving. Paul Hogan no. was good, but mm. he wasn't Matthew Broderick. Ferris Bueller good, so you know, yeah, don't know about that. Uh, Jeff Daniels also nominated that year, as I think we mentioned for something. While Danny DeVito and Jack Lemmon also nominated. Uh, box office. Uh, this movie uh, was the 10th highest grossing film of 1986. It opened up with 6.2 million. Total gross in the US was $70.1 million. So what were the highest ranking movies of that year? Top Gun, clearly. Top Gun. Uh, Crocodile Dundee. Top Gun, yeah, absolutely. Platoon, Karate Kid Part 2, Star Trek Four: The Voyage Home, Back to School, Aliens, Golden Child, Ruthless People, then Ferris Bueller's Day Off. It opened up with, Colin, I don't know if you, I've got this, never mind. 
Um, back to school opened on the same weekend and uh, actually made $2 million more than Ferris Bueller's Day Off. Wow. Um, Manhattan Project also opened up that weekend with $1.5 million. And Mona Lisa, $99,000. Uh, Top Gun in its fifth week nearly outranked Ferris Bueller. Uh, $25,000 less Top Gun made that weekend. Are you are you wow. a Top Gun fan, Dan? You know, it's funny. I, when I had my own radio show, I had uh, we did it was a music talking show and we would find different themes. And one week we did uh, move uh, movie soundtracks. And of course, you know, Top Gun made the list. And we joked about Top Gun being like the ultimate date movie mm-hmm. because you had like the, the big tough guys. And I mean, has anybody ever seen anybody in the history of time flex so hard to look at what time it is. It's a quarter past my bicep. I can picture the moment right now. (laughs) Yeah. But it was just, you know, again, it was all those Tom Cruise movies were the same days of thunder, top gun, you know, there was the, 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 the big man competition and blah, blah, blah. And then you had all the, the kissy sweet girl parts to make sure the girls were happy. These were ultimate date movies. And Top Gun definitely ranked as one of the greatest date movie of all time. For gay couples too. It's a very uh, homoerotic <laughs> movie, of course. So, um... uh, clearly, you know, look at all the oil that's used, you know, that makes pegging easier. So they're already <laughs> lubed oh, up and no. ready to go. I have a, a very fun <laughs> random story for you. You're talking about soundtracks. Uh, Take My Breath Away, of course, uh, by Berlin. The, the lead singer, we, when I was working for a newspaper back in Hobart, um, I was backup entertainment reporter. I was thrust into the limelight when our, our key main guy went on holiday and we had this tour that was coming to Hobart. It was like eighties revival. So they got like, you know, all these eighties one hit wonder acts coming yeah, to yeah. a, so I had to interview them all. Right. So I interviewed the lead singer of Berlin talking about take my night. She was fucking flirting with me the whole time. She's like, oh, I love your accent. Okay, talk, ben. talk to me more in your accent. And I'm like, can I, like, I don't even know what you look like. <laughs> I was engaged to my first fiance at the time. <laughs> um, so I'm just, I'm just name dropping that I was flirted with by the lead singer of Berlin. So and then she Googled you and it stopped abruptly. She did. And she looked up she looked Dan, at you Dan she, Foley she instead. She <laughs> She flirted with you because she thought you were up for pegging. That's why. That's the yeah. only reason why. That's and what I would heard. have been with That's her. That's what she heard about you Australians. So, she would have taken know, my breath that's away. That's how that works. Exactly. That would have absolutely <laughs> taken your breath away. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. Um, plot keywords for Ferris. Sadly, pegging is not on the list, I believe. It isn't, but I found there. It's not? It, it, it exists. On, well, not for Ferris Bueller, but it exists on IMDb for pegging. Oh, and what movies? Popular, what movies can we watch? Popular titles of Deadpool, Zack and Miri Make a Pono, The Do-Over with Adam Sandler and David Spade, and Horrible Bosses yep. Part 2. All favourites awesome. of Dan. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I, I do like all the keywords. I had to click on Ferrari, and I do love how Ford v Ferrari is only number two. Um, Black Beach, Ford v Ferrari, Batman Begins, and Kill Bill Volume 1. Um, smiling, that's a plot keyword. German Dummy flag. placed under the covers. <laughs> Seen during end credits. Nice. Calling someone a hero. Um, yeah, not the best. 
Uh, gummy bear month. We could do that. A domino <laughs> month. Calling. Oh, no, I said that one. Hypochondria. <laughs> Hockey jersey month. Here we go. Let's do this one. Ferris Bueller's Day Off, number one. Backstreet Boys, show them what you're made of, number two. Night of Too Many Stars, oh, America Comes Together for Autism Programs, number three. And Most Dangerous Game, episode five. So, so Mighty Ducks, um, <laughs> <laughs> Miracle, uh, Slapshot. No, they don't wear hockey jerseys in those movies. So why would they be ranked no. in the top? No. Yeah, uh, not really good one. Uh, all right, what do we have for user reviews, Colin? Dan, you love these segments. These are our fun segments that clearly we're not involved in. Oh, this in ought to be good. Because you're not reading. Can you read, Dan? Uh, What's that like? Can you read, Dan? Yes. Why is he the one on this episode that you're asking that question to? Because I want to know what it's like. What's it like to read? <laughs> <laughs> um, well, I actually do these things called books, which you wouldn't know about. So, <laughs> you know, there's that. You burn them when you like you lose thing. Um, there are nineteen wow, one still star too reviews. soon, dude. Wow! Imagine catching the rye if it was from the POV of a teen yuppie. Uh, I did not care for this cult hit. Awful people, awful story, awful message. The McDonald's hamburger of John Hughes films. This is I like this next one. Jane42 wow. says, yep, it's popular, but is there any nutritional value? I think not. In one of his most successful teen movies, Hughes follows the unbearably cutesy antics of Ferris Bueller. Well, I won't give away the plot such as it is. He ditches school. Okay. Uh, <laughs> what the hell? This person, this next one, taking it way too seriously, uh, Vegeta3986. The title is Ferris Bueller can have all the days off he wants. When he's expelled... Um, <laughs> Wow, part I, I hope you burn in hell. Seriously, you're a bad person to your very core. What about... <laughs> well, the, <laughs> what the hell is wrong with these people? This is, this is what their entire review essentially is. Um, he's already had eight days off, and he couldn't have another one off. Now, correct me if I'm wrong, but doesn't that mean he's already done this eight times? So why does he deserve a day off? People are judging this because he doesn't deserve a day off? No, because okay, I believe that is the textbook definition of somebody named Karen. I think that's exactly (laughs) that is the written version of of a Karen right there. Well, a few other Karens. The movie was not only unrealistic, but had a bad message. I feel (laughs) (laughs) wow, a bad message. Worst movie ever. Somebody says here, boring. An incredibly boring film. Literally nothing happens. Very weak, limited story. Don't get why this is considered a classic. That is by M. Loins. Wow. Who also, the only other review M. Loins has ever done was on Joker. And they said, an absolute masterpiece. Okay. Um, Somebody said, okay. Dated, not particularly funny. Quite frankly, Ferris is really annoying. Sorry. Here's one of our uh, European wow. socialists writing here, Fletchy57354. One of the most overrated movies in history. I cannot believe people rate this so highly. Then again, people actually think Marvel movies are good. Democracy is a sad thing. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Again, um, you have no soul. Resident yeah. <laughs> Evil 2 fan says, Awful. This movie was awful. I have no idea why this film became a cult classic, but I suggest strongly avoiding this one. The only good thing about this movie are the Oh Yeah song, the famous Bueller 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 scene, and the scenes involving a Rottweiler chasing down Jeffrey Jones' character, <laughs> Ed Rooney. <laughs> Fair well, enough. Well, this is, I mean, clearly that's a review from a guy that thought Evil Dead 2 was a good movie. 
So Resident oh, Evil on. Two, Resident Evil Two, but probably thought. Oh, Evil oh, oh I'm sorry. I thought you said. I thought you said Evil Dead Two. Sorry. Same thing, aren't they? Right. Like there's Dead and Two. And... Oh, um, don't start. <laughs> I guess we're all buying this movie. Me. I guess we're all. Our review is buy, buy, buy. Bye, bye, bye. Oh, this is. Oh, I'm not just buying this. I'm buying an Ultra 4K. Absolutely. <laughs> and you said, Dan, this is your favorite movie of all time. Like you rank this as your number one movie. Yeah, I actually did on my on my Survivor application. They said, "What's your favorite movie?" And I listed this. Great. Well, it's it's interesting. So we this is the conclusion of our anniversary month. So we, we, Colin and I will quickly rank these. And if you've seen these other ones, which I'm sure you've seen at least one of them, two of them, maybe, I don't know if you about Evolution, but we did uh, Devil Wears Prada, we did Evolution, Saw we it. did uh, Point Saw Break, it. and Ferris Bueller's Day Off. Yep. So if you were to rank yep. those movies, obviously Ferris Bueller would be number one, but how would you rank Evolution, yep. Point Break, and Devil Wears Prada following that? Ah, ooh, that is tough. Uh, those are actually good movies. I enjoyed The Devil Wears Product quite a bit, actually. Um, I would put ooh, Point Break next, then Evolution, and then Devil Wears Product at the bottom. Interesting. Okay. Devil Wears Prada is kind of like that movie that none of us on this episode should enjoy, but it's actually a pretty bloody good film. Yeah. <laughs> It is a good movie. It, yeah. I actually gave it a lot of props. I, I, I was, I liked Anne Hathaway's character arc development and the whole thing. <laughs> you know, I was really surprised at how much I enjoyed it. And evolution. I so evolution, evolution ahead of so you liked movie. evolution then. You can defend evolution with me. I did. I thought that was an underrated movie. I mean, that to me is like um, Tango and Cash. It's one of those stupid movies that you just can't help but laugh at and you, you have some fun with. Thank you, you know? Dan. Thank and you. <laughs> See? Why? I didn't hate it, Ben. You rented it. You didn't buy it. <laughs> well, I, I, I own it. I admit it. My, my rankings are Ferris Bueller's Day Off, Evolution. Uh, I think I had Point Break ahead of Devil Wears Prada from memory. So, uh, yeah, that's my order. I, I'm obviously going Ferris Bueller number one. I think we came into this month saying we both know Ferris Bueller is number one on this. Uh, I'm going to go point break number Absolutely. two. Uh, Devil Prada, I'm going to put ahead of Evolution just because I think Evolution on a rewatch wasn't nearly as good as I remembered, whereas Devil Wears Prada, having never seen it, surprised me uh, that how good it was. So that's my rankings. There you go. Well... This is a part of the All episode right. where we talk about next month, and I'll get to that in a second. But uh, anniversary month coming to an end uh, for another year. A little teaser ahead maybe for next year, Colin. Um, I'm thinking Rush, isn't it 10 years for Rush next year? So I feel because I'm not doing that for my personal choice, I want to straight away nominate Rush. Um, I don't know, Dan, if you've ever seen that, but uh, great film. Um the racing movie with uh, Chris Hemsworth. Yep, Chris Hemsworth mm-hmm. and uh, Daniel Brawl in it. Uh, real life story of, of Nicky Lauder and James Hunt. Yep, great movie. Um, but anything else off the top of our head, Colin? Like, I know we, we kind of just go over. Actually, Rush is 2013. Damn it, not next year. I have to wait another year. Um, the ninth anniversary uh-huh. of Rush. <laughs> um, I, I do have, I'll, I'll talk to you off air, but I did have an interesting idea of something we could do for anniversary month, which I think fits in with one of the movies you were suggesting. Okay. Uh, but uh, we always try to pick one movie that, you know, the, the women can relate to, like Devil Wears Prada or Dirty Dancing or Ghosts. And uh, no better one that we could pick for the 20th anniversary next year than my big fat Greek wedding because uh, uh-huh. my hometown, Winnipeg's uh, favorite export ever, Neovar Dallas, wrote and starred in that movie. 
So I owe it to my hometown to do uh, my big Fat Creek wedding, I think. Well, another movie actually about a boy is 20 years old next year. So maybe yeah. we can uh, think of that. Um, 90, Mighty Ducks, 92. I mean, 30 basically years I'll, year. Well, I think we're covering that this year before the Mighty Ducks TV show. But basically my idea, we, we could potentially, there's enough good movies in 2002 that we could just do all 2002 movies. Like Signs was in 2002, oh, yeah. you know? Yeah. Uh, Minority Report, like tons of good stuff Oof. that we could of our 2002. Okay. I don't know. I think Signs was pretty overrated. I, oh, I damn. Oh, get off our Guess who's not invited back? Uh, I thought that was. <laughs> I thought the. Uh, I thought Scary Movie Three did a better job with it than Signs. Did, so. <laughs> of course, wow. they had Charlie Sheen. <laughs> you were the one who yeah, saw exactly. that. Exactly. There you go. Um, but that that will work that out. You'll you'll know by next year. Next month, though, a move a month that uh, we were meant to do last year. But like everything, everything got changed and we're finally going to be able to do it. It's Godzilla v. Kong month. Woo! Dan, are you a Godzilla fan of any sort or not really? You know, I grew up, you know, before cable TV. And, you know, when cable first, first came out, there was only two channels in the area. It was WLVI channel 30, uh, station 38 and WSVK channel 56. And every Saturday morning, it was like a religion. We'd watch cartoons. Then we, there was an hour of wrestling, and then at one o'clock it was creature double feature, and it was the old Japanese. You know, um, oh, yeah. there was Godzilla, there was Mothra, there was Gamera, the flying turtle, um, who was super <laughs> strange. I'm not actually joking about that. He would. Oh, I've seen it. Would, <laughs> okay, pulling all his limbs and spin around with flames coming out of every one of his limb holes and. Um, you know, I don't think they've done a really good Godzilla movie yet. They've tried, and it just... Go back and watch uh, the Matthew Broderick one again, Dan Foley, and you tell me that movie isn't amazing. No, 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 no. Well, obviously, we've done that movie already, so the, the movies we will be covering will be uh, essentially all of the, the ones that have been released in this monsterverse, so... Uh, the I, I want to say Brian Cranston Godzilla. He's in it for five The Cranston minutes. one, yeah. yeah. Yeah, but I mean, let's be honest. He, he's maybe the best thing about them. I actually like that movie. I, I will. I feel. I'm, I think Colin, you didn't like that from memory. Yeah. Uh, Kong Skull Island, which I've never seen, so I'm looking forward to watching that. And uh, Godzilla King of Monsters, which uh, we did reviews of, but haven't recapped it. And then to add a fourth one, because we've always got to have four, we're doing the Japanese Godzilla v Kong, which I've got. Yeah. I've never. I like. I've seen some. Like there's a there's a channel in Australia called SBS. It was kind of like the the channel where they did a lot of multicultural shows. So they would often have a lot of foreign movies late at night. The the ongoing joke as a teenager uh, is that. Um, we you know didn't have the internet as a kid so you'd watch SBS on a Friday night at 10 o'clock so you'd have all the like the French movies with all the boobs and stuff in it it was great yeah yeah um, so but like, they would every now and then when they would have a random Godzilla movie on and my my dad and I used to every now and then rent like you know giant cobra versus mega shark you know those kind of movies and like jerry manthe was in one of those movies wasn't she like king cobra kills the world as i kill my microphone so like every now and then we would watch one of these random godzilla and dad would just like look at the man in a suit destroying cardboard buildings so i've seen bits and pieces of them i've never watched a full one so i'm looking forward to watching the japanese one and kong kong skull island because I I think Colin, you had the original King Kong in your top fifty movies of all time. Yeah. Like, of course, I've seen it. Uh, been a long time since I've seen the original King Kong, and then I've seen bits of the um, Peter Jackson one. So I'm not up to date with my Kong knowledge, 
more so my Godzilla knowledge. So yeah, I'm, I'm looking forward to it. It's going to be an interesting month. So we can finally get the, the American Kong versus Godzilla. Yeah, I'm a big enough fan of both of those franchises that uh, I'm actually in the process of uh, doing up a huge list of ranking every Godzilla movie every ever, every King Kong movie ever, because um, I've watched all those bad movies multiple times. Funny enough, also got into it because of uh, at times not having cable TV, which <laughs> seems to be the common trend. If, you, if you're if you not on cable, you're probably showing Godzilla. Uh, but uh, <laughs> I loved all those bad Godzilla movies, and I think uh, the original King Kong versus Godzilla is sort of right in the middle of when they were taking them seriously and when they started to get a little bit goofy, uh, which should be fun. Uh, but uh, of the new ones that we're covering, I mean, King Kong is definitely like the original King Kong movie made my top 10, I think, uh, of favorite movies. Uh, and I, I definitely am most excited about covering Kong Skull Island because I think we had just launched the, this podcast when Kong Skull Island came out and Jamie and I saw it. And we were going to do a review and we just never got around to it. So it's sort of like the one episode, the original episode I wanted to record something on that we never got around to. Uh, but of the ones we are covering, the first Godzilla, the 2014, definitely the one that I'm least excited about watching. However, I will say I've seen it twice. First time I saw it, I didn't care for it. Second time I saw it, I hated it even more. Maybe this time it'll go up a little bit. Who knows? Or maybe I'll hate it even more than that. The one thing I'll say is like, I remember like leaving the cinema for that and King of Monsters and like they're both big screen movies. Like I haven't watched King of mm-hmm. Monsters since I saw it on the big screen and like yeah. they're, they're pointless, dumb, giant monster movies. But like at the end of the day, like you see that in a big screen, it's an experience. And I remember King of Monsters leaving the cinema going, fuck that movie was dumb, but it was amazing because of the like the, yeah. the monsters and the big Which screen. and That's what it's supposed to be. Yeah. Right. Right. Those moves are supposed to be seen and appreciated only on the big screen because you can't. You cannot truly value a movie like that when you're at home. You just don't have a screen big enough unless you've got one of those big, huge inflatable ones in the backyard kind of thing. Which, Dan, but, we know you've got big inflatable things in your house, but we don't need to bring I knew you were right going to go there. Okay. Still really going back to pegging again, huh, yeah, Ben? Yeah. That's how it is. Um, and I'm, I'm really looking forward to talking about Brian Cranston because, uh, spoiler alert, he may be being talked about a lot more later this year when it comes to something else he's done, and I'm a big Brian Cranston fan, so looking forward to that. Also in March, I will say, uh, not only is it my birthday, just reminding people, but uh, Justice League, <laughs> the Snyder Cut is finally here. It's actually the first one he's been dropped on my birthday. There's a reminder for you. So, uh, I, I mean, I don't think we're going to do full recaps, Colin. Are we going to review each episode, are we? What are we going to do? Yeah, with we'll probably just review wait? them. Yeah. yeah. Are, you a, are, you a, are you a DC man, Dan? I love these rhymes, DC I, man, Dan. The, you know, yeah. I just, I want to be so badly, but they've just, they've blown it with all the movies. They've, oh, they've get just- Get off our show. <laughs> no, come on. okay shazam was fun shazam was was way way better than i was expecting i had an enormous amount of trepidation going into that movie and i loved it absolutely loved it i thought they did do a great job with it um the first wonder woman was really good i really enjoyed that um man of steel just incredibly disappointing batman versus superman incredibly disappointing i mean superman just spends most of the movie whining why did you say that review yeah why doesn't anybody like me because you're a whiny little bitch that's why stop you're never coming on the show again shut up sorry you're off (laughs) just the second wonder woman 
so disappointing. Oh, so go so join the the fan bandwagon. Oh, we hate DC. Come, I don't, I don't hate DC. I want to like them. They like it because they're good. <laughs> they're not good. That's the problem. All right, they're shut not. up, Dan. You're not welcome anymore. Um, they're just not. Can you at least don't give us think- this better than at least give us this better than Captain Marvel? Oh, Captain, please give me a break. <laughs> I knew it. Cap- yes. Captain Marvel was, you know, that, that was such a propaganda movie for, you know, Careful, woman power. emergency just, podcast. Yeah, well, <laughs> let, it rip, let it rip. Check. Bingo. Just, All right, bingo. We have a bingo. Dan Foley. Bingo. I did see a great meme the other day. It showed, uh, it showed Black Widow dying. And it says, do you think Black Widow wanted to kill herself so she wasn't in the girl empowerment shot in the movie? (laughs) Touche, maybe. Dan, I will say besides the last uh, three minutes, it's been an absolute pleasure having you on this show uh, (laughs) once again. And I'm so glad that we could do this. And I'm so glad that I can fulfill one promise in my life. Um, but uh, we couldn't do Ferris Bueller's Day Off without you, um, and we we definitely appreciate it. So I, I will say thank you very much, and for bringing up pegging too. Yes, I, you know something, honestly, Ben. It was uh, I haven't talked to you in a while, and when you reached out to me, I was uh, I was really touched. You know that you did remember, and I, I I just I have so much so many good memories from this movie, not just the movie itself, but that ties in with my own life, and I I really enjoyed this, and it was a ton of fun. So thank you both. I will close up by saying, um, listen to the end of this to hear how you can like and everything. Our 1,000th episode is coming up. Oh, who's our special guest going to be? <gasps> Stay tuned. You'll find out. Might be more than one. Who knows? Uh, but I'll close out by saying, my name is Ben. And incredible. This was one of the worst podcasts of my career, yet they never doubted it for a second. Big, yeah, big, and, no shock there. Nice. And, and my name is Colin. And just don't Google it, people. <laughs> <laughs> My name is Dan, and I'm sorry. I'm really, really <laughs> sorry for everything. Oh, oh look, bingo. That, that got me bingo. That's, that's it. Dan apologizes. Got me bingo. Thanks for downloading this episode of the Oz Network. Make sure you never miss an episode by subscribing to the podcast by Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Podcasts, or by copying our RSS feed into your preferred podcast provider. And while you're there, please drop us a rating and leave us some feedback. You can also be sure to stay up to date with all the latest episodes and happenings from the show, as well as finding out how you can get involved in upcoming episodes by following our social media pages on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, as well as getting everything you need under one roof at the Oz network.net thanks again for listening and we'll speak to you next time You're still here? It's over. Go home.
Go!